tonight is the return of Get Vessels. If you want to catch up on older episodes of Get Vessels, just go to our website, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Get Vessels. G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S. Get Vessels is a tale of James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears and their escape from purgatory and return to Earth to wreak vengeance on the internet entrepreneur known as Jeff Bezos. We last left off. Things were looking pretty good. They'd just done a hostile takeover of a fracking company. So let's check in with our buddies and, and see how they're doing. Tonight's episode opens. James Cashpenny is alone in a hotel room. It's a nice hotel room. Probably a room I've never stayed in. Looks like it could be a Four Seasons-y, Waldorf Astoria-type room. He's sitting on the side of a king-size bed, his head in his hands. Looks like he's sweating. As he sits there, the phone starts to ring. He looks over at the phone, he shakes his head and just sits there. He lets it ring eight or nine times and stops. Takes a deep breath. He gets up, he paces back and forth, and the phone starts to ring again. He looks out the window. Paces back and forth again. Finally, the phone stops ringing. And what do you know? It starts ringing again. And with that, right on the third ring, the hotel door opens and James jumps. Hook, take, donut. James, James, you're going to answer that phone? Phone's ringing. What are you doing? You're sitting outside, but I got donuts here, buddy. Who could take some donuts and bring some coffee? Remember when you were doing that music band thing? Ah, that was great. Ah, what are you going to... Okay, phone stopped ringing. What's the matter, buddy? James, talk to me. And then the phone starts ringing again. Beep, 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 beep. All right, I'll get it. No, don't get the phone. Richie, Richie, don't get the phone. No, no, the phone's ringing. When it rings, you're supposed to uh, pick up the phone. No, 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 please don't pick up the phone. J- James, James, calm down, calm down. Let me grab the phone. Yeah, hello. All right, we'll be now. Uh, we're going to need a few minutes. Uh, we'll be down in a little bit. Goodbye. Hangs up the phone. James, let's just see. Uh, the limousine's out front to pick us up. I know, Rishi. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go, man. I'm not going. What do you... What do you mean you're not going? Well, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not going. That's what I'm saying. Oh, wait, wait, what are you, what are you, wait, James, what's the matter? You look, you look sweaty and, and all but on a cut, out of, out of, you're out, you're out of sorts, buddy. Things are going well. You're freaking out on me, dude. You know, remember that movie we watched last night on the paper? The paper, rather, demanding. We watched 
You're freaking out on me, dude. Calm down, bro. Okay? What's the matter? Richie, you know what's... I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't... I can't go through this anymore. I get... Well, okay, okay. Things are going well, man. Okay, we got this big meeting with Amazon. Bissos might be there. They're gonna buy our company. Gorbelli's company or whatever. They're gonna buy... Darian's company. Remember Darian? He'd be so happy if he was alive. Okay? Remember we watched the Oscars? JCP had a bunch of ads on there. Your stock was doing good. Things are going well. Okay, the JCP, I just read in the paper today, they're being investigated in California for fake sales. So, things aren't going well with JCP. Well, they'd be going a lot better if you were there. Maybe we could crash a shareholder meeting when everything's done like you said. What's a what's a fake sale? It's like they were marking prices up. So say they were selling a shirt for $15. Okay. They would say this shirt was originally $32, and then they would sell it for 50% off. Oh, yeah, hold on. What was that? 15, 32, 16. So, oh, that's tricky. That's... That's not that's not the business you created, buddy. Huh? Hey, what a bunch of jerks. We need, we do need okay. Well I see why you're so upset. Richie, you know Rich Richie. That's not what I'm upset about. Okay? I've been thinking about I can't sleep. This whole gore belly thing. Something about getting closer to Pesos. And the whole frack I mean what the hell's Gorbelli up to? Okay, okay. Can we just... The limo's downstairs, okay? Why don't you just... You don't have to come with me, okay? I don't... I, I, hey, just come with me to the airport, buddy. Keep me company. We'll have a couple drinks. And we'll talk this out, okay? Let's just see what happens. Okay, okay, Richie. So they go down... They get in a limo, one of these stretch limos. They put their bags in the back. And right before they go to get in and sit down, James like, Richie, Richie, be careful what we talk about. Cause, uh, Gorbelli's, this is Gorbelli's, the guy's going to probably listen in or they're going to record everything. Okay, okay, James. You're losing your marbles, buddy. Let's go. All right. And they get in the limousine driver. Say, so, hey guys, afternoon, chaps. Yeah, look a little peaked there, sir. All right, all right, Hugh, stay up front there. Driver, my buddy, he's afraid of flying, okay? So we need to work out his feet. Okay, so just mind your P's and Q's. All right. Okay, James. Why don't you tell me about when When did all this start, this whole uh, a fear of flying thing? Okay, tell me about Tell me when did this all start. Well, well, Richie, it's not like a fear of flying. Fear of, it's like, just like being afraid to fly, it's like a fear of crashing. Okay. Um, what, what, you're losing me. Uh, are we talking about, are we talking about actual flying or the, the stuff? The stuff, okay? 
let's just say there's a certain Italian, German, American pilot. Okay, and he decides to take us for a flight on his airplane that he built and designed. But then we get in the plane, and we kind of already knew in the back of my mind, he's not planning on just flying in the sky. He's got this plane with all sorts of other stuff on it. And I don't know if he's going to try to fly it into space, the heavens, or if he's going to, like, I don't know, try to fly the plane inside the earth or something into, like, the earth. Okay, okay. You mean, like, into the earth, below the earth, down, down there, right? Exactly. Okay. That's crazy. I mean, those places are, uh, I mean, sure, Gorbelli got us out of, uh, Perg. Oh, I mean, sure, okay, we were flying coach for a long time. That coach you were telling me, where you just get a peanut and a half a soda. That's, that's kind of like where we were, coach. So, we were drinking tea, eating crackers. And we could have gone on like that forever, right? Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, we were flying the common class. You know, and we could have just taken flight after flight forever. I wasn't scared. That wasn't the greatest, and we weren't really going anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's the point. But at least I knew the plane was safe. That it wasn't going to fly too high or too low. And that every once in a while we'd get crackers and tea. But what about consequences, Richie? Like, what if we say, hey, we're getting off this coach common class. And we get caught. Like we try to sneak out of the coach into the the um, ruling what do they call it? First class. Business class. First class. Remember we were reading those articles. But as we're sneaking there, we get caught. And the owner of the airline, you know, the big guy, the big guy that owns the airline, puts us somewhere worse than coach. Then limo drivers him. Ah, there's nothing worse than coach, you jokers. These guys have got a couple of fat cats here talking about coach. You guys are a riot. All right, buddy. All right. Roll up that thingamajig and stop listening. We're just talking about fears of flying. Okay, so worse than coach. Okay, so. And then before they put us in the place, you know, like the engine, we have to lie on the inside of the engine and it burns our bodies. And it burns us up. But before they put us there, they say, Oh, by the way, we were just about to upgrade you to first class. If you wouldn't have made this whole mess and screwed around, you just sat there and drank your tea and your crackers. You'd have been up with the big shots. But you guys had to try to change your seats. And you weren't afraid of flying before. Now you're going to be afraid of flying. But you won't have to worry about being afraid of it. Because you're just going to be burning forever on an engine. Okay? And that's forever. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
All right, buddy. I'm scared. Richie, look at me, man. I'm I'm scared. Okay, here, have, have, a, here, have a little drink, okay? Take a sip of that. Okay, it's going to take the edge off. I hear what you're saying. These thoughts have gone through my mind about flying many times since we commenced this journey where, like we were saying, with the, the regular stuff, the boring. And, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, man. But let me tell you a story that doesn't have to do with airlines. Let me tell you a story about a, a guy who was a kid who uh, could stick up for himself. It wasn't good at much, okay? Ladies thought he was shaped like a avocado, whatever that is. And people thought he was a jerk or a nerd or whatever they say. Remember that, that movie, uh, that other one? Okay. And then one day he figures out, hey man, I can build stuff out of cards, card buildings, you know, when you put the cards and then you build a little card tower. Now, he ends up, this kid, he's the greatest card builder ever, or one of the best. Just like you, you're pretty good. This kid, he was good. So he starts building these card towers. And then one day, a younger kid comes along, a little know-it-all, but he's tough, and he's crafty, and he flips the table over. And then whenever this other kid builds towers, the other kid, like you're talking, Rich, you're talking about a bully. Yeah, he's bullying him. What if, uh, oh, I kind of lost my point. What if we had a chance to step in and say, hey, could you stop that bullying, bully? You know, we're going to put a stop to bullying. You're not going to flip over any more card houses anymore. Whether the person's there to defend themselves or not. Okay, okay, Richie, Richie. I get the idea putting a stop to a bully, taking that bully out or doing whatever we're going to do to the bully, well, one, that might be wrong. What if the bully needs to learn its own lesson? And two, there's going to be a thousand other bullies to take its place. It doesn't mean all bullies are going to cease to exist. And no matter what we do with the bully, it's not going to make it safe to fly. Okay, okay, yep. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing. Another thing, and uh, you better get a drink ready for this one, buddy. Uh, anybody ever tell you about the story about Jesus and the camel? All right. I don't know. This one time, this one time Jesus was hanging out with a bunch of rich guys. And he said, uh, hey, and you got a needle? They said, no, nah, we don't got no needles. What do we look like? Sowers? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Jesus said, you know, well, give me a needle. And one of the rich guys clapped his hands and he said, you know, wench, bring me a needle and be quick about it for my guest needs a needle. And she brought a needle along and uh, then Jesus said, hey, you guys, you know, you're rich. You must have a bunch of camels, you know, bring a couple of camels over here. And he said, you know, something like, you know, it must be nice being rich. Because uh, 
you guys look pretty happy eating your dates and, you know, harems or whatever. I don't know what's going on back then. The story I heard, okay? And he said, you know, when you die, the odds of you getting into heaven are the same as you getting this camo through this needle. So think about that. You know, all you rich guys, it's going to be easier for you to pass a camel through a needle than to get into heaven. And then he said, you know, think about it. I'm out of here. And that was the thing Jesus used to do. Most of the guys were like, huh, stump. And there was this one guy, forgot his name. I think they called him the uh, Iron something. He he was hard-headed. He didn't get it. He actually tried to, you know, he did some graphic horrible stuff to a camel to try to get through the needle. What a jerk, right? Okay, Richie, what, what, okay. My point is this. What if our time had passed? Like in that purgatory, the coach, par, coach, not purgatory. But no, seriously, man. What if that purgatory is it? What if there is no heaven for us? You know, we're rich. We're perfect, but I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, I don't think we deserve it. I think we're a good man, but what if heaven's not for the rich, man? We got out of there. Now we're here on Earth, and you've got... And this is all we got, man. I mean, you got your flapper, you have librarians, private jets. But when this is over, it's over. Now I don't know what's going to happen to us. I'll be honest with you, buddy. But maybe we're just supposed to enjoy the time while we're here. And... I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know what I got you into, okay? But you came along. Wow. Uh, uh, maybe I'm afraid to fly now, too. Great. Let's drive turn. Uh, does that mean you want me to turn around from there? We're almost to the airport, gents. Oh, jeez. No. Just talking about fear flying. Okay. I, I don't know, James. Uh, Richie, like, uh, that's all nice, and I loved... Yeah, I love making love, man. I'll tell you, but I don't know. All right, James. Let me tell you something. You know what I miss? Is hanging out with you in purgatory. You were the one thing that didn't make purgatory so bad. I knew every day I'd read the papers that I illegally acquired through Gorbelly, and no matter what happened, Nothing else happened there. You'd come by. We'd have tea and crackers. And we'd talk. Friend to friend. Now I got my friend into this thing. Part of me thinks it was meant to happen. You know? Why, why, why give, why, why? I don't know why everything happened the way it did. Why were we allowed to get out of purgatory? You know, why does Gorbelli have a... What if, what if there is some grander plan here, buddy? What if you just got to trust me, okay? I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking when I got us into this. Believe me, now that you're laying this on me. But, James, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure things out. And I'm going to try to make things right. But I also need your help. 
because I can't go back without getting pesos. I don't know what it is. Something inside me yearns to put a stop to him and his efficiency, his ruthlessness. There's no need for store keeps and marble perfume stands. I mean, do you want these people to live in a world where you don't spray perfume on somebody or you don't smell a shoe? Before you try it on. I mean, how many people fall in love in one of our stores? You don't just flush that kind of tradition down the toilet. Maybe they do, I don't know anymore. But I'm not going to stand by and just let it happen. Sure, I'm going to screw us to a life in hell. And damnation. Or maybe something worse if Gorbelli's planning on... Taking over hell, as it seems to be, that's the only logical conclusion I could come up with, with all of his, uh, purchase, you know, with the fracking and the tracker for the devil and all. So, yeah, we could make a big move, okay? Maybe we'll take all of them out. Satan, Gorbelli, Bessos, maybe they're all one thing. Three sides of a three-sided coin, if that would make any sense. But I'm not asking you to do any of it for me. I know you're a good man, James Cash Penny. And I know you're a good friend. And sometimes friends get into stuff that's crazy with friends. Like the one time, never mind, I don't want to tell you about what I had to do for that. Sometimes... Friends gotta ask for hands for favors and they're not always pretty. And I need your help. Will you help me, James Cash Benny? Okay, Richie. I'll help you. I don't know. I'm sorry, I was shaken up and I was just thinking of myself and of eternal damnation. I mean, what could have come over me? But yeah, it looks like we're pulling up to the plane now and I'm not afraid to fly anymore. You know? We might crash and we might fly higher than an eagle. But whatever. I mean, we're in it now. Okay? There's no going back. You're right. So I'm here for you, buddy. All right. All right, driver. That must be our plane, right? Ah, uh, yes, gentlemen. Just uh, one thing. Before you board the plane, I'm going to need to see some uh, identification. Because I work with a federal agency. Since you're not flying coach or first class, since you're flying a private jet, I still need to see your identification. And so do my partners. And all of a sudden, like, a bunch of black uh, sedans with flashing lights surround the limo. And uh, guys in, that look like the agents from the Matrix get out of the cars and they surround the limo with their guns drawn. And the uh, oh, driver says, you know... It's the most interesting talk I've ever heard about fear of flying ever. So maybe we could uh, talk about your fear of flying and and some of the reasons behind it. Unless you have identification, and then if you have... Uh, well, we do have... Pro- I mean, what do we look like? A couple of jokers? We're here to sell a business to Jeff Bezos, you clown. You're just a limo driver with a badge. Am I correct? Or undercover something or other. 
So, yeah, we got a identification, you nincompoop. So shut your mouth and get out of my way. Okay, gentlemen. Uh, uh, hmm. Okay, well, we're going to have to look over your identification very carefully. And we'll still have to... You can't just detain us without a warrant or, uh... Oh, yes, we can. And that's exactly what we'll do. I'm going to detain you for no reason at all other than I don't like the tone when you say you're talking about a man taking over hell, okay? So come with us. These agents, they pull the guys out of the limo, slap them in cups, and carry them off the airfield. And that's where we're going to leave it tonight. Guys are seem to be under arrest by some secret federal agency. Let's hope everything works out. We got a lot of stirred up feelings there. And I can imagine if you escape from purgatory, I mean, depending on how you view the hierarchy of heaven and hell and God and St. Peter, archangels and devils and, and stuff like that, escaping from purgatory is never a good idea because you're going against an authority. And I guess, I, I guess I'm unsure. I should have done more research. But yeah, I think purgatory is like kind of like a semi-punishment waiting, waiting hall where you're supposed to serve some time or whatever. So escaping purgatory just to begin with isn't good. And then, yeah, this anybody that has the power to get people out of purgatory, it's probably, I mean, this uh, Hans Zimmer Gorbelli, I wanted to give him the... Uh, benefit of the doubt as we started, but he could be a pretty shady character. And of course, if you escape purgatory to possibly kill or at least get a living person, well, I don't know. I think, I hope everything works out for it. You guys don't need to fret because, you know, the guys, they have fake IDs or something, so they should be fine. So don't lose sleep over this. Okay. Good night. Tonight we have another episode of Get Bessos, the tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny's escape from purgatory in a quest to seek vengeance on the man who they feel crumbled their retail empires, the creator of the internet superstore, Jeff Bessos. Uh, previous episodes of Get Besos can be found at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, B-E-S-O-S, or wherever you listen to your podcast. When we last left off, the boys were on their way to the airport. They were about to board a private plane headed to Washington State, the headquarters of Jeff Besos' company, Amazon. James Cash was a little bit worried. He was having second thoughts about getting Bessos and working with this mysterious Hans Zimmer Gorbelli and what would the consequences be. But they decided to board the plane and head to Washington. Unfortunately, when they got to the airport, some shadowy government agency surrounded their car and took them into custody. Slapped Hank, pulled them out of the limo and slapped handcuffs on them. And that's where we pick up tonight. Get Bessos. So they pull the guys out of the limo. They throw cuffs on him. As soon as they get James out of the limo, he like throws himself on three of the arresting officers. And like, as I said, these men and women are dressed just like black suits, just like agents from the Matrix or something. 
and he throws himself on three of them and then runs off. And he's like, Richie, get on the plane without me. Go, go, buddy. And he runs about 10 feet. And R.W. just tries to, uh, you know, use his bulk. He's shaking three or four guys, three or four officers, three or four of these agents. And he breaks three. He runs for the plane. And neither one of them really realize that the forward momentum's carrying them. And they both escape. They're running in separate directions. And they both go crash in the ground, hit their heads, knocked out cold. So their quick escape is foiled by their own forward momentum. And when we pick up, they're both in separate holding cells. And since you have this omniscient narrator, that's me, you know that they don't know they're in separate holding cells. And so they're just both sitting in there and they come to R.W. Richie's just holding the ice pack to his head. James just wakes up sitting at, sitting in a hard metal chair on a hard metal table. And you can see he's in some sort of interview room. And James, he's been there before. You know, from his wild days, he's been he's spent a little time on the on the side of the glass, as they say. Suddenly, a door opens. He's looking at the two mirror two way mirror. James is pretty nervous. He, he's trying not to let it on, but he he's a little nervous. Like who, who's arresting them and why? And these two agent types come in, man and a woman, both about in their thirties, very. Professional, clean-cut, wearing sunglasses and black suits, black ties. The whole, I guess a woman would be in a, both wearing black black suits. And they stand in front of them. And they look through a file, they look at each other. I go, so, Mr. Larry Ibex. James kind of looks at them. He's all the way. Go, oh, oh yeah. You like to be called uh, James Cash, Mr. Larry Ibex, according to your identification. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I like to, uh, yeah, I go by James James Cash or Cash. I I, I just uh, that's what those were my nicknames back when I was a uh, coming up as a kid. Yeah. All right, Mr. Ibex. We just wanted to come in and let you know that we already know everything. Everything that was going on that you two were up to. All your plans, we know everything. Oh, everything? Because you didn't know, you didn't know why I called myself James Cash. Oh, we we knew that, sir. That was just a test. Oh, well, that's a weird test. All right, Mister Ibex, we'll we'll be with you. We we just got to finish up. You know, we're getting most of the information for your partner back there, R.W. So we'll be back. Thank you, uh, but, you know, just stay, you know, you don't need to tell us anything. We already, you know, don't worry. We know everything. So they leave, they shut the door, and James, James is thinking. It's the old, do they know, are they messing with me? Do they know everything? I was thinking about the words they chose. So he's kind of, he's getting nervous. Meanwhile, R.W.'s in the other room holding ice to his head in the, door opens and two other agents come in. I stand in front of him. He pulls the ice down. Hello, Larry. 
you get you look what you do did to my face. You know, Popes. Oh, what do you want? We're, we're sorry about your head, Mr. Wilson. Yeah, you seem to hit it when you were running away, trying to escape us. All right, all right. What, what do you want, William Wilson? Yeah, Mr. S. Wilson. It doesn't say what the S stands for. It just says S. Wilson. Is that your first name, S? Uh, seer. 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 Seer? Yeah, how do you, like S-E-A-R? Seer? You got it. Seer Wilson. Yeah, my family loves a good seer. My father, so Sarah Wilson's a name. And what the hell do people want? Well, we don't we really we don't need much from you, Mister Sear, or Mister Wilson Sear. Sorry, isn't Sear seems like a better last name? Wilson Sear. Anyway, we don't, your partner in there. He's telling us everything we need to know. So, oh, he do James. James, he doesn't know. Yeah, he telling you everything, eh? Um, I'll tell you what, if you want the real story, just come back to me and, uh, I'll tell you the real story. Cause he's just, uh, he's my fall guy. Obviously, clearly I'm, uh, clearly I'm the capable one. Okay. Mr. Sear, Mr. Wilson. And we'll, 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 we'll think about that. We'll think it over. Okay. Well, if you need anything useful, just, uh, I'll tell you what though. Don't friggin' come back here without George Packer. You, I'll tell you everything you need to know. But bring back George Packer. You got that? George, George Packer. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you feel figured out. Run along, run along. So they leave. R.W. just goes back to being R.W. Puts the ice on his head. Friggin', get that damn George Packer in here. Run him. Run him ragged. Yeah, and they, so they leave RW. And they open up the door. And then so James, we go back to James. And two officers come back in to talk to James. And it sounds like they had conferred with the other two officer agents. And James just sitting there. He perks up. And they say, yeah. Buddy in there is asking for uh, George Packer. Yeah, he's, he's almost finished up telling us everything. But he said he needs to speak to George Packer. So once we get George Packer in there, we'll finish up with him, and um, we just might need to sign a couple things. All right. If you guys know everything, can you sit down and can you explain some stuff to me? Like you know every everything. You're talking about the big everything. I'm prepared to accept the consequences. I told I was telling I knew this was going to happen. I do get a bit paranoid. But just sit down. There's a lot that I don't understand. I mean, there's a lot overall I don't understand, but this whole situation I don't understand. So if you guys could sit down and and we could talk a minute, I have a lot of questions. Oh, well, Mr. Mr. Ibex, we really don't want to answer. We ask the questions. We don't answer them. But you said you you knew everything, so you, you don't need to ask questions. But can't because uh, I'm just so confused. So are you, you, you're, you guys work for? Uh, are you angels? Are, is that is that? And the agents kind of look at him, like, "Are you from heaven or from hell?" 
Mr. Abex, we're, we're, like I said, we're ask, asking the questions, and we, we got everything we need to know. So if we, if we need something from you, uh, we'll come back, okay? Thank you, Mr. Abex. So then we go back to R.W.'s cell, and he's waiting there, and, and a little bit more time goes by this time. And then a man comes in, about 50-year-old man in a rumpled golf outfit. He kind of gets pushed in through the door. No, who the hell are you? Well, I'm 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 Packer, sir. George Packer. You're George Packer. All right, well, Packer, sit down. We got a we got a lot to talk about, and uh, I don't know what they want from me, but I know I need to talk to you. I need to get some stuff from you. But first of all, I mean, what's your gut? What's your gut telling you? What's your, What's your gut telling you, Packer? Who, who are these guys? How'd they get you in here? And who are they working for? Um, uh, I'm not sure, sir. Um, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, Packer, calm down. They obviously just pulled you in here against your will. They got me here. They got no... What kind of... Whatever the, whatever the friggin' constitution. What What is the pretense? They can just hold me here? Do you even have any idea what uh, agency... These people are for? No, they could be NSA, CIA, FBI. Okay. Oh, they, don't they need uh, some sort of arrest warrant? They never read me my rights. Well, you know, with, with terrorism, they, they can pretty much, you know, they could, you, you could be a terrorist. I don't know who you are. They just said you need to go in there and speak to Mr. Wilson. He, he needs to speak to you. Okay, well, clearly I'm not. So, they could, is there any other, you know, bending the rules if I'm not a. We have, it's been known, according to what I could tell, you know, they've, they've bent the rules, you know, they could be helping out someone, some big shot that. Are you guys upsetting anyone? Are you getting in the way of anyone, any big donor, big business? Okay, what what kind of reporter are you? Where's your uh, curiosity? You're just sitting there like, um... Oh, wait a second. All right, when you sat down to write that article about that crafty-ass Bessos, what was, uh... Hmm, let, me, let me think here. What was your, uh, what was your, uh, give me a topic sentence from that article. Well, um, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, uh, article, uh, yeah, god damn fraud. No, 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 I'm George, George Packer, the, uh, George, George Packer, here, sir, to speak with you. You old freaking lying son of a gun, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna take this. And then the door bursts them. Two agents come in. They grab Packer. They drag him back out. I told you to bring me George Packer. You go right. I'm not talking nothing till you bring George Packer in here and I talk to him. No more imitations. No more. And they slam the door. Frazzle-frazzle type thing. Now we cut back to James. And ever since that angel thing, James is like, huh. You know, he was thinking after they left, like, kind of acted weird when I asked him if they were angels or devils. He's like, you know, if they were the devil, they probably would have lied. 
they would not play dumb or they would have said, oh, yeah, we're angels. I mean, at least in James's construction of the situation. And if they were angels, they would have had to tell the truth. Or he was like, yeah, that's... Obviously, they didn't know everything because he saw some doubt in their eyes. And the doors open back up. The same two agents come in. Now James is thinking, maybe they're not angels or devils. Maybe that was just my paranoia. Maybe these are actual cops. What what, what do they want? And how are we going to get out of this? They, they come back and he goes, uh, he looks at the two agents. Looks the two agents over. He kind of sees them. And they they don't have the confidence they had before. Because uh, just so you know, whatever my partner next door saying, you know, he's not mentally well. He, he's ill. And he sees him kind of flinch, just barely. And, you know, James Cash Warren, James Cash Penny, he's been around the block. He's hired and fired plenty of people, so... He could size somebody up. It's just been a little while. Now he's, he sees him. He goes, you know, if you want the truth of everything that's happening, you're going to need to talk to me because my friend's not well, and he's just my stool pigeon. He's just working with me. So you guys work on getting him released and come back to me. Whatever charges you have, bring them to me. I can sign I don't know why you haven't given me the opportunity to contact a lawyer, but, you know, let's talk. But you're going to need to be more upfront with me about what's happening and realize my friend does not know anything. Thank you. And the agents kind of look at each other, and then they shuffle back out. When I'm back to RW's cell, he's in there, and his two agents come in. And after the fake George Packer left, RW was a little bit shaken. He was trying to figure out why they wouldn't. You know, send him the real George Packer. In his mind, if they were secret government agents, they could just send a helicopter to George Packer's house in Long Island or wherever, pick him up and fly him back. And the agent, oh, sorry, the agents come in and say, you know, sorry, sir, sorry, Mr. Wilson, about the uh, mix-up with the George Packer, but, you know, we're getting most of everything we need to know from your buddy next door, so we figured we just, t- it was just a test to see. You know, this whole thing's just a test, sir. You can relax. You know, everything we need to know is being provided. Now R.W.'s like, huh, they're talking weird. Hits him. He's like, oh, my God. The, the, these people are like, uh, they work for God or something. He's like, they're on to us. They, we escape from, this is in his mind, his internal dialogue, but. They know we escaped from purgatory, and they're going to punish me. And then he starts the guilt of getting James locked up for eternity in hell hits him, and that he's not going to be able to complete his mission. It all hits him. Oh, oh, no. No, you know everything, don't you? Oh, James is whistling Dixie over there because he's an honest man. I'm a liar. Okay. I'm... Uh, he's probably taking the blame, trying to take the focus off of me because I'm a bad man and he's a good man in there. That's a good man you have next door, wherever he is. And uh, I'm the man you want. I'm a bad, 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 bad man. I've been, I've been so naughty. Uh, 
and he gets it overwhelmed. He he starts doing that that panic cry. <laughs> Mostly kids do when they're <laughs> and weeping, and the agents get uncomfortable. And uh, okay, sir, we'll, we'll go get some tissues. We'll be back, and they leave. And they must be conferencing with the other agents. This is an omniscient narrator, I guess. My I'm just. Uh, Inferring, I don't know. So I guess I'm not omnipotent, omniscient, whatever the right word is. You guys know I'm not a class A genius, so whatever class A genius is. But yeah, they're conferring, and then they send the agents back into James's thing. James, he's sitting there. All of a sudden, he's wicked confident, wicked cool. The agents come in, and he just takes a breath. He says, um. Listen, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, too. I've been trying to uh, keep this quiet because I didn't want anyone to be embarrassed. And I just still don't understand what agency you work for. But, and I, I, I'm not here to make threats normally. I've tried to avoid any ugliness. But just so the two of you know, and whoever else is listening in, the man next door is the father of someone very powerful. And the reason we're boarding the plane is because his son has arranged, the man is very mentally ill, and we are going to fly him to uh, a private hospital near his son's home and get him treatment, uh, inpatient, full-time treatment. And if you spend any time with him, you clearly know what I'm talking about. You know, I've spent my time trying to avoid the subject because the man that we speak of, his son, is so powerful that at some point a team of lawyers is going to be unleashed and your careers will be destroyed. And this man might not just stop at that. He has the power to uh, make things not go well, let's just say. And I'm, that's not a threat. It's a fact. And just through the lawyers... Things could get very unpleasant, especially with this whole, because we, we won't just disappear. And just so you, you, you buy into what I'm saying, I'm going to be honest with you. Jeff Bezos, the head of Amazon, one of the most powerful men, wealthy men in the world, that's his father in there. The private plane is bound for Washington. You can check the flight manifesto. Obviously, you probably have the pilot somewhere. He knows where we're going. And yeah, you go in there and mention Mr. Bessos to his father, and his father will go from already unhinged, which I know you know, to absolutely bonkers. You can wait. The lawyers will find us. Mr. Bessos will find you. Or you can release us, and we can go on our way. And I have no idea what this was about originally, or why you detained us. I know it's probably against many laws, and I'm, I'm going to stay calm. And that's all I'm going to say. And you can go ahead and do as you decide. And you can, you can check in with my partner, too. Thank you. So the agents look at each other, and then they go out. Of a, more, a little more agent talking, and they send other agents back into RW cell, and he's still kind of upset. 
I say, uh, Sir, sir, Mr. Bessos, Mr. Bessos. And this gets RW even. Why? Why? No. Why? Mr. Bessos, your partner's told us everything we need to know. No! And RW starts freaking out even more. What? What? Oh, that son of a bitch. He'll never... If I get my hands on Bessos... Oh. No, Mr. Bessos, Mr. Bessos, calm down. Just come with us. Come with us, Mr. Bessos. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay, we'll come back and get you in a minute, sir. When you calm down, and they leave R.W., and he's, like, throwing his chair and crying and shouting at the heavens and shouting at the hells. So loud that, that even in James' cell, he, he knows something. So his agents come in. He says, you you mentioned Chip Bezos to him, didn't you? The agents kind of nod. I told you. I told you he wasn't well. Now you're going to make him worse. And now, you, I mean, I can't even protect you anymore. It, it, you could have caused him some break. He, he could have some break with reality. He could be thinking that, I mean, the reason I asked you with the angels and, and the devil stuff was to see what you had done to him because he, 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 he's not living in the reality. He's a, not, he's a sick man. Oh, no. And I go, sir, 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 we're so sorry. Can you just, can you just come with us? We're releasing you. Just please come with us. We're, 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 we're so sorry. And they take James out and they bring him into a, another room, a conference room. And there's a, about five or six agents sitting in there silent. And then they bring R.W. in and he's weeping and uh, crying. And it's so over the top. But uh, he's like racking from his sobs. Like it's insane. Like that he's, he, he seems like an insane person. And he goes to James, and James takes him on his shoulder and pats him. And the rest of the four agents come in that were dealing with James and and Richie. And then once R.W. gets a couple of breaths in him and calms down a little bit, that all the agents just stand and they start applauding. And uh, they, they applaud, and then they bow. James is trying to still act cool. Even though he's like, this is even weirder. I did not expect, what are they applauding? That's his internal dialogue. And R.W. is kind of like, uh, 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 uh. And, you know, R.W. was under the impression that he was a man's man kind of guy back in the day. That he didn't cry. So suddenly he's like, the applause kind of brings him out of it. And he's like kind of wiping his tears away and kind of regaining his uh, countenance is maybe the right word, like composure. He's trying to get his cool back. And they're still clapping, and then they sit down. And a couple couple of people start to laugh as R.W. is kind of like, <laughs> and then a, a woman stands up, the woman that was in James's thing, and she's like, uh, she's like, gentlemen, we salute you. We, we don't have, there aren't words. And then she starts, she starts just laughing. And then the other agents are laughing and they start clapping again. And she, she's just like, she's like, I do, she's, she's like, I do not understand. I am in disbelief, gentlemen. My name is Miss McCormick. 
All I can say is we salute you. Unless you, did you know about this ahead of time? That's the only question I have, and it will not be held against you. But did you know about this ahead of time? And R.W. still kind of shaking, and, and James like, no. We didn't, we didn't see this one coming, no. Like, wow, because in all the years we've been giving this test, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, all of us have passed it. All of us here are the inner circle for Mr. Bessos. And he does like to call it the Kobayashi Maru. And RW is like, the Kobayashi Maru? Yeah, you mean, like Verbal Kent. The guy that picked up Verbal Kent. You know, I couldn't believe he was Kaiser Soze. What me and Richie watch that as I watch that the no, no, no. Richie, Richie, Richie. James like kind of Okay, go ahead with the Kobayashi Mar Mara anyways. Star Trek. Remember Star Trek movies, not that. Not 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 the usual set. Oh, okay, 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 okay. You know, so those of us that have taken the Kobayashi Maru, we've I I mean we we've also witnessed uh, I, I I've been with Mr. Pissos the longest. And he personally gave me a version of it. And clearly it's to test how you how we perform under duress, what what our where our loyalties lie, you know, to see what goes on in the inner sanctum of someone's mind. And if you don't pass, Mr. Bessos will not do business with you or absorb you into his inner circle. But when he watches, he was watching some of it live, and then there was a crisis at uh, a center with a tape machine that unfortunately exploded, and we lost some blessed souls. But, I mean, usually the people either go silent and demand to see a lawyer or try to talk their way out of it. A lot of people have nervous breakdowns, but nothing like that, and nothing with all these inside jokes and no one has ever been able to put us, the agents, the people in the position of power on such, on their heels. I mean, you two gentlemen, to see you adapt and work together from separate rooms and maintain loyalty and think outside the box and get to where we're coming from. I mean, we could have been. It's also to test, were you criminals? And, and obviously you're not. Or or you know, do you have any skeletons in your closet? But you guys, I mean, we, we've done background checks and, and stuff was coming up a little bit too clean, almost like it was written about the two of you and your strange names and your nicknames, as you like to call each other. But Mr. Bissos will be very, very, very impressed, as all of us are. It is going to be an honor to work with you, and we've been aware, made aware of these incredible algorithms your company owns and that you represent and that your your former business partner, Mr. Darian, you know, that you're carrying on for him. But wow, I mean, I feel like we should be calling you Captain's Kirk because James T. Kirk, reprogrammed the test but you you did it with human beings you threw us curveballs and pulled little bits of information out of us and played us against each other and and we we were 
back there working and being like, what is going on? And people were watching the tapes. We were sending it to psychologists and, and, and even law enforcement experts. And they're saying, well, ask this or do this, you know, or just, you know, just maintain, you know, keep with the plan. They kept telling us, but to say, you know, to throw inside jokes and feign mental illness. And then finally to acknowledge you knew about the test by saying he was Mr. Bissell's father insane, but somehow he knew to play that role. I mean, we're going to have to give you a, a, a we're going to give you a couple lie detectors. I mean, we have a kind of lie detector system now, and you guys are coming up that you're telling the truth. They didn't know about the test at a time, but welcome to the Amazon family is all I can say. And you, you will live in legend in the company newsletter that, and the inter, I, I, I'm speechless gentlemen, and it's, it's been an honor testing you. I feel like I've been tested and we've all grown and all the nods, the other executives, they all nod. I, I don't know what to say. And I, oh, you know, there's nothing to say. And um, I'm going to ask the question. Right, thank you for your praise that you're all thinking. Is that, is, has Mr. Bezos ever taken this test? And there's a silence that hangs in the room, just like this. And then James kind of knows that, oh, no, he's just, <laughs> Richie, Richie, Richie. He's just kidding, folks. He, he, I mean, I mean, of course, the person that comes up with the test doesn't take it. He's testing us. And we are proud to be welcome to your family, your inner circle. And it was a pleasure taking your test. It was, uh, it was enjoyable. And I, Mr. Wilson... And Mr. Ibex, you know, we love these kind of little things. So, you know, don't worry. I mean, part of us is slightly offended that someone would dare test us in this way and test our loyalty and insult it on some level. But also we can see it in your eyes and and maybe in this, we've, we've yet to meet Mr. Pesos, but that, you know, this is how he works. And, and now we know a little bit more about the rules of the game. And how we're going to play it. And we're excited to do so. So thank you. And if that's all, we're, we're going to be on our way. Unless you have, uh, you need to strip search me or anything. I mean, Miss McCormick. I'm just kidding. That's, uh, I know that's uh, not appropriate. And, uh, you know, anyway. But this is the inner circle, you know. So Richie and I will be off. And good work. Uh, we approve of working with you. We we might you guys kind of pass the test too. We were kind of testing you a little bit, so uh, that's it. Okay, this is awkward. Something went awkward with him. Sorry, folks. All right, goodbye. And they get up and leave. And the executives are kind of wondering, hmm, these guys who who are these two guys? It came came out of nowhere. Rocked a Amazon Kobayashi version of the Kobayashi Maru. So, and I ask myself that every time I run into a story about James Cash Penny and Richard Warren Sears. Like, who are these guys? Man, I love these guys. Who are these guys? And what's going to happen next? Because now they're boarding a plane for Washington State. And soon, they might just meet and they might just get Bessos. We'll see.
next episode. Thanks for listening. Tonight, another episode of Get Bessos. The story of James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears' escape from purgatory and return to Earth in a quest for vengeance against Jeff Bessos, the internet entrepreneur who crumbled their retail enterprises. Older episodes can be found on our website at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash get Bessos, B-E-S-O-S, because he's going to be calling S-O-S soon. <laughs> um, or you can find him on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you're listening to the podcast. When we last left off, the boys had been captured by shadowy government agents that turned out to be Jeff Bessos' inner circle, Amazon.com's inner circle, and they were giving him a kind of they gave him a Kobayashi Maru-style test by interviewing him and keeping him pet captive. But the boys, they passed the test. So we pick up somewhere on another episode of Kid Bessos. As we pick up tonight, the guys are walking down a hallway and just in the middle of the conversation. Oh, just so you know, uh, that whole thing, you know, back, uh, I knew that was a test the whole time. That cry, I mean, you like my acting, right? You liked it. Um, so yeah, I covered for you. Don't worry about it. Richie, Richie, Richie. You did not know it was a test, okay? I know, I, I know you, man. We're best friends. Oh, yeah, we're best friends, yeah. You're, you're about my, uh, you obviously clearly don't understand the meaning of best friend. Because you are one of my better friends, not my uh, best friend, is someone else other than you. <laughs> Richie, you can't hurt me, man. And Richie, I really, I didn't know it was a test, I'll be honest with you. But I knew we were being tested. Like I thought it was, at first I was, where, Richie, where, where are we? I'm a little bit, my head's. Yeah, buddy. Um, we're at the hotel. Uh, uh, I believe we're in. Uh, we, we took that airplane, and then uh, the Amazon crew picked us up at the airport, and we we're at the hotel. Uh, so yeah, just so you know, the crying and stuff, um, and yeah, the best friend thing. Okay. Yeah, but I, I don't. So we went to dinner. I just don't get it. This hotel is very dark. Did you notice how dark it is in this hall? And they're in this darkened hallway. Oh, yeah, this kind of, his walls are stone. Oh, maybe it's a, more of a castle, uh, one of those castle hotels. What do you think, buddy? Um, hello, hello, we're, uh, here to check in. Which way, didn't it, do you get a quick key to our rooms? No, that's what I'm saying, Richie. I don't, do you remember coming into the, because I feel like, uh, whew, I think I'm, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I feel like I've been sucking on the ether bottle again. Oh, boy. Uh, there's something down there. Hey, hey, you, down. I see that. There's somebody at the end of the hall. Hey, buddy, uh, but, uh, but, uh, I'll, I'll try to catch up with him. Uh, he's going around the corner. Oh, good God, what the? James, James, help. Uh, it's a, oh, God, it's a, James. 
James! James goes running down the hall, and it's like like the boys had said, it's a stone walls, castle-like corridor. Well, pretty dark. James rips around, goes around the corner, he sees Richie just standing there at W, frozen. And in front of him, in a, in front of him, could only be described as a room with uh, some sort of occult altar in the middle of it. And, there was, you know, everything that goes with the old occult devil-worshipping altar. You got melted candles, burning candles, a altar. You got a couple people with uh, goats or rams horned masks on. One person shirtless and muscular. Another woman in sort of a revealing outfit. You got snakes around the people. You have a sacrificial person bleeding on the altar. And they are wearing a pig's mask. Or not even a mask, actual pig head. It's pretty freaky, man. Richard's standing there, James like, holy crap. Okay, okay, let's, and he grabs, come on, Richard, come on. And they start running the opposite way. And they, they had run into a T, so they were on the left side of the T, and they go straight, and they're in another hallway, and they run. And then they reach the end of this hall, and they go into a room. And they enter a room, and there's a execution going on, beheading. And there's a man with his head on a block of wood, and then there's an executioner with a giant silver blade and a dark mask, and then there's like a one of those really scary dudes that are in horror movies that are like an old pale man that also has some sort of, you know, freaky, poltergeisty, not not quite pinhead level, but maybe that old guy from Phantasm, kind of creepy old oldness. And an air of authority about him. And he's like, for crimes against all humanity, we punish you, George Packer, to death. Behead him. And then the axe goes down and the head or head rolls. And it rolls to the feet of Richie and James. And, the, ah, 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 ah. and then they run the other way. And they get back to the hallway there originally. And then Richie's just like, oh, 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 oh. And James is like, okay, Richie, Richie, calm down. Okay. Uh, okay. Shh, crap. Okay, last thing we remember, we were at the dinner with those Amazon people. So, maybe we got in a car accident. Do you think we're dead? Buddy, we're already dead. We can't be dead twice. Okay, so, shit. You think we're in hell? Is this some sort of hell or like lower purgatory or something? Like, this is what I was worried about. Okay, okay, let, okay, let's go down this hall. Go back the way we came. So, they run back down the way they came and they all the way down this hall. They run all the way down the hall, and then they start hearing stuff behind them. Ah, we're coming for you. Ah, and they're running faster and faster. And they end up running into a pitch-dark room, and then they start running into stuff. And they realize it's kind of like a maze, and they're bouncing off these walls, trying to make their way through. And they hear more and more scary noises. And uh, they're clutching each other, holding each other. And every person's experience is slow. Don't act like you're all too cool for school, or you're Mr. Tough Guy. Everyone has clutched someone else in fear, whether you're a one-year-old. Well, no, you've done it older than that. Probably, like, I guess the prime time, at least for male clutching in fear, maybe seventh grade. Somewhere between fifth and seventh grade. I don't know, for female clutching each other in fear. I don't know what it is. But you've clutched someone of either the same sex. Of course, everyone loves to clutch someone of the same sex or the opposite sex, whatever you're attracted to. But this is a... Plutonic clutching, we'll call it. So, 
could be any <laughs> any sex plutonic clutch clutching man I'm, this is a rabbit hole that just killed the story momentum you know you felt it when you're just clutching a friend and you're scared and these two are clutching each other they're doing some hardcore Heavy plutonic clutching. Ah, and they think, they, and they're panicking, and, and they're still, both their minds are kind of like, okay, shit, I don't know, fuck. We, 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 oh, God, oh, jeez, James, I can't believe it. Well, what, 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 what we should do was, Corbelli, where the fuck are you? Oh, Corbelli, oh, oh. Then they hear, sir, hear voices. It is I, the judge of the doom day. I've come for you. We've already taken out George Packer and you two are next. Ah, what, what, Richard, why they killed, why they killed James Packer? Well, I asked for all that money. I asked for him, but turn the thing that must be behind him. I don't know. I just want to have a poor there. He's just a, just a reporter. They killed him. We're coming for you, Mr. Wilson. Mr. Ibex for your soul. Oh, wow. Oh, Richie, Richie, I'm scared. Well, hold on. Hold on, these fucking nincompoops. All right. All right, James, James. Okay, you can keep holding me. Five, four, turn on the lights, you goddamn nincompoops. And then the cyber's silence no more. All right, I'm on my two. James, another friggin' test. He's Amazon idiots. All right, best let's put you over this crap. And then the lights go on, and they realize that, yeah, they're in some sort of haunted house maze. And then James looks around, and you know when, when the lights are on in a haunted house maze, and then the Amazon people start coming out with their masks, taking them off, and like the same people, same people that were there for the original test dressed as the agents. And they're like, oh, hey, guys, there's uh, a little test. Uh, what the hell kind of test is that? It's just... It's just that was, and then they start handing the guys beers or drinks. They're like, oh, sorry about that. What, what kind of test does Bessos put you up to? Oh, no, guys, this is just it's a little fraternizing. We're going to do some fraternizing with you boys. We thought we'd give you a little of the old boys and girls club. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's freaking uh, classy here. You try to scare the crap out of us. Uh, literally, I might may have. Okay, give me a drink. Oh, God. James, what do you think is a. This is just, just mean. I can't believe you guys would do this to us. You tricked us. You must have given us something that kind of... Did you smoke us out? In the, I remember something about smoking us out. Was that... Well, those weren't cigarettes? What What'd you guys do to us? This is... I just need a car, and I'm just going to go... I just need to go on a drive. This is just not... Oh, James, come on. Party with us. Where are these... These guys, are the, they're not so bad. This is my fourth best friend, James. Her fourth better friend, you know. He's a little mad at you guys. And then, and then James just storms out. Storms out and he realizes it's like one of those old converted prisons to a haunted house. And he gets outside and there's all the, the Amazon executives and they're patting him and cheersing him. And he's like, give me, just give me a car. Give me. He finds one of the lower, this guy Bert, one of the lower upper Remember, the lowest member of the Amazon inner circle. He says, let me just take your car, please. I just got to get out of here and go for a drive. So James takes his car, hits the road, and James is, James Cash James Cash Penny's just one of those guys that likes to drive, you know, clear his head. So he's racing down these roads in the uh, Seattle, Seattle area, Washington area. 
somewhere Olympic Peninsula area, any of those areas. <laughs> if, if you're from those areas, I apologize. He drives out of town, gets out in the mount, out, out to a nice scenic area, out with a view of uh, cascades and the Olympic parks and forests and bays and oceans. And he finds a pullout, kind of kind of abandoned, out in the middle of nowhere. He pulls out, and he's just looking. He's looking at the ocean. It's a full moon. It has a beautiful view, and there's forest, peninsula with forest, and there's mountains in the distance. I call that the Emerald City. They're not messing around. It's beautiful. And he's just taking it in, and uh, he notices something out of the corner of his eye off in the distance distracting him. It's this giant house out on the peninsula he's on. And he realizes like the road's closed after that. That's a private road. And it's this massive mansion. It has the same view he has. You know, inlets and, and everything. And he's like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful house, beautiful view. And he says, I bet you that goddamn Bessos lives out in that house. It's got to be the nicest house and the nicest view I've ever seen in my entire life. And he sits down, and he's just, like, looking at the water, breathing. He's like, get dark vessels, son of a gun. And then he realizes he sees this woman sitting there, a little bit ahead of him, in the brush, hang her feet hanging over the cliff, nothing below her feet but the water, and about... 40 feet of air. She's chuckling at him when he's in. She's like, Oh, you don't like the house, do you? Well, kind of ruins the view, don't you think? She goes, Oh, yeah, it does. And he says, uh, who, who lives there? Jeff Bissos? She goes, Well, how'd you know? I figured, figured, you know, I don't know that much about that guy, but you'd have to take. I guess he's got a monopoly on the view, too, huh? He walks over close to the woman. Says, Man, it is a beautiful view of the... See that there? That's a, uh, it's a deciduous forest. Deciduous forest, as far as the eye can see. She kind of laughs. That's a deciduous forest. That's a rainforest. <laughs> oh, yeah. A rainforest. We're... He's getting a little... um. Old school, I'd say. He's being a little patronizing and insulting. See, so, you know, honey. Huh, did you hear, you hear that, honey? So, you know, that's just the, uh, it's the rain and falling in the rainforest. Yeah, well, rain, there's no rainforest here. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're above the Tropic of Cancer. So, she goes, no, okay. And then she stands and she moves into the moonlight and, James gets his first look at her, and she's breathtakingly beautiful. They lock eyes, and she has these magical, sparkling eyes. Kind of that make you sway when you look into them. Her hair, the moonlight shines off her hair. He just catches a whiff of some sort of flower mixed with honey and, you know, some sort of milk of almonds or... You know, 
tofu and shea or I don't know, something magical. He loses back. What? I'm sorry. What were you saying about rainforests? Well, that's a temperate rainforest. Temperate rainforest. I don't know. Tropical. She goes, you're thinking of a tropical. That's a temperate rainforest. You're thinking of a tropical rainforest. You know, like tropical heat. Temperate rainforests are up here in the temperate areas. It just gets uh, gets rainfall just like a, a tropical forest would. But it's just at a different temperature, about 55 to 38 degrees Fahrenheit. 55 inches of precipitation a year. Wow. Really? It's really temperate. I'm, uh, James Cash. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. And you are... And I'm... Informing you on the forests, James. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, look at that in the water there. What are those? Those are, uh... Those look like, uh, those are, uh, blackfish, James. Those are blackfish. No, 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 no. Those are the things on my, they're on the cereal. Like that, that's a guy, he's, he's on a cereal box once. He, that, I think there was a movie one time I saw where he ate people. Those, they, they ate pe- those are the killer whales. Killer whales. Bomb, 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 orca. Ah, James, James, James. No, those aren't killer whales. Those are blackfish. Orca whales. They are orca whales. Oh, yeah, Shamu, he was the guy. I assume you've seen the documentary, James. No, 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 I have not. Well, yeah, they live in families. You can see that there. That's, that's, uh, and they, they live with their, so there's five of them, and it's probably just a little family, and they're, they're matronly. Like, they live with their mother their whole lives. So there could be three or four generations, and the largest one there is probably the grandmother, or the great grandmother. And then they'll probably join. See those other there? Those might be part of their pod, those other groups. You you say they live with their mother their entire lives? Yes, James, that's what I said. Well, that sounds like something worse than hell. Now, you are an interesting woman. I didn't catch your name. That's right, you didn't. And I suppose you just drive out here and look at the forest and the whales and the view of Jeff Bezos's palace, huh? Possibly, but uh, I gotta be going. James, it's nice to meet you. Well, wait, 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 no. You gotta under. Where are you going? I'm, I gotta get home. Back to my mommy. Maybe I live with my. Back to my nightmare with my mommy. Ooh, I love the way you say mommy. Okay, James, goodbye. Well, wait, 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 wait bye. Just gets in her car, she drives off. James is uh, love struck, and he watches her drive off. And he stares at Bessos's house for a while, and uh, he gets ready to drive back to town. He realizes he doesn't know where he's going, and then, right as if on cue, Bert Bert shows up with uh, a couple other people from Amazon. Oh, Miss. Mr. Abex, we came to get you. We came to get you. Check it out, Mrs. Bessos's view, huh? Yep. All right, Bert, take me home. 
So Bert drives him back to the hotel and gets up the next morning to have breakfast with Richie and uh, they sit in there eating coffee in their hotel room, that adjoining hotel rooms. And Richie's like, oh, last night was wild, man. Ooh, I'm hurting. Yeah, there's no hanging with the those guys. I think I found a new fourth better friend. James, bad news. You might have bumped down to six, seventh, maybe even eighth. I don't know where you were. Wait, you look, uh, you look strange, buddy. What's going on? Um, nothing. Well, you look, uh, something, something of it. No, no, no. All right, well, let's get downstairs. Well, uh, we're going to get this tour of the Amazon headquarters. So they go downstairs, they get in a limo, they drive out to Amazon headquarters. And Bert and a couple other peons start giving them, start them on a pretty standard tour. And they show them, like, the, the break rooms with the free soda and the cereal and then, the, uh, the on-site restaurants and RW's, wait a second, wait a second. You get free soda whenever you want it. Wait a second, so, free soda. You can drink as much soda as you want. Well, yes, sir, uh, Mr. Wilson, as much soda as you want, sir. And then you can eat three meals, three square a day here. Three square a day. Yes, sir, three square a day. And this Bezos claims he's in business to make money? Yes, sir, he's, uh... Oh, my goodness, this is going to be like taking candy from a baby. I'm going to I'm gonna be in the uh, book of uh, sayings, taking soda from an idiot. It's like taking lunch of a soda from an idiot. I think that one's pretty good. What do you think? What do you think, James? What do you think? Yeah, it's not bad, Richie. Taking lunch from an idiot. Taking breakfast from an idiot. Taking dinner from an idiot. It's like taking soda from an idiot. Uh... Richie, I don't know if uh, idiot's really a... It's like taking... Eating lunch on a moron. Drinking a soda on a dummy. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. And, uh, okay, well, we got a lot of restricted areas we're not able to show you guys because we haven't got clearance yet, but we're going to go into this next area, which is the uh, coffee cafe. Oh, no, 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 no. They take a free coffee in the cafe. Like, uh, that's what our app's for. You know, make money. Oh, yeah. And right as they are about to turn on the coffee cafe, who walks out with the woman from last night? And uh, immediately, Bart and the other two guys step aside and they're like, oh, good afternoon, Miss Bessos. Good afternoon, Miss Bessos. Like, oh, oh Miss Bessos, we want you to meet uh, Mr. Larry Ibex and Mr. Sear Wilson. These are two of our uh, new business partners that we've brought on board. She looks at them and she's dressed. She's, she's a, she looks even more beautiful today. She's resplendent, resplendent in a beautiful suit. She looks in both, beautiful power suit. She looks them both up and down. She, good afternoon, gentlemen. Nice to meet you. I'll be on my way. All right, I, yeah, good, good. Oh, one second. Uh, I, I'm Larry Ibex. Uh, I need to, I, 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 Miss Bessos, are you, uh, Miss? She just keeps walking. Bert, uh, what's that, Miss Bessos, uh, is it Mrs. Bessos or, uh, oh, one second, uh, uh, one second, my phone's, yes, hello, this is Bert. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen, um, it seems your lawyer's calling you. You have a emergency meeting. They have a limo outside for you. Uh, apparently there's something going on with the fracking company. It's trouble. Trouble with the fracking company? Trouble, they said on the phone with the capital T. Capital T, oh, good God, that's a cold word, James. Oh, Richie, Richie, 
I gotta, I gotta stay again. Miss Bessos, she just went through that. Oh, that's a secure area, sir. You need to uh, get back with your lawyer. There's trouble, uh, fracking city, sir. According to your lawyer, better get on. So the guys go back out to the limo. They get back in. And the limo takes off. And I what? The limo driver's up front. He's got his thing up. And they hop in the limo. And the limo driver starts, drives off. And Richie's like, hey, hey, where are you at? Richie's like, hey, hey. And the limo driver ignores some points. And there's a packet already in the back uh, folder. And they open it. It's it's kind of blank. It just says, uh, it's just one piece of per- paper in there. It just says, uh, emergency, already fracking. And the driver drives them in. I start talking. All right, Rachel, you believe that soda? You believe I could drink free soda? You could drink soda all day long. What kind of employees are going to... I don't get this Bessos. James is kind of staring and thinking about this Miss Bessos and trying to figure out if it's Jeff Bessos' sister or his wife or his cousin or, God forbid, his daughter. And then Richie's just going on about the soda and the free food. And Next thing you know... The guys are kind of like, what? Uh, Richie still wants a soda. I mean, I could get four sodas a day. I mean, I don't know what it is. And they're not getting a soda cost. So it's like, yeah. Uh, right, right. And they realize they're back in this hallway again. And say, oh, God, God, these nincompoops gassed us again. Or smoked us out, whatever they call it. Oh. All right, everybody, joke's over. We had the fun last night. Hello? Nothing. Even James James is like, you know, this isn't funny, folks. Uh, We we need work to do. We got work to do. Hello? 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 Richard? All right. Bart, everybody else? Sandy? Freddie? Come on, you guys are like my... uh, Fourth and fifth better friends, come on. Bart, I was going to give you a chance to uh, unseat James if you could do 50 push-ups. Come on, buddy. Hello? And they turn around, they walk into the room with the maze, and it's the lights are still on, and it's dead silent in there. There's nothing. And so they walk all the way back down the hall. And they turn right, and they go into the room where... George Packer was supposedly executed, and there's nothing in there except for some old props from the haunted house. Like, it's probably one of those prisons that, you know, it's one of those old abandoned prisons that they run out to corporations and have haunted houses in, around Halloween. So, you know, there's like the execution scene, but it's already disassembled. And then they go into the, the last room down the other hall, the occult devil worshiping room. And unfortunately in there, the candles are burning and the darkness is thicker. It's like one of those inky black darknesses around the outside of the room. And as soon as they enter, boom, the door slams behind them. Okay. Very funny. Very funny. Then they see the the person still lying on the altar with the pig's head. They feel it. Blackness start to get thicker and close around them. Okay, um, this is not funny anymore, Amazon people. And then 
just like in one of the most terrifying horror movies you've ever seen, the person on the altar sits up and stares at them with a pig's head. And Richie and James are just fro frozen with fear. And then the person on the pig's head stands, walks towards them. They're horrified and shaking. It's just total silence. They're wait, waiting, and he gets a few feet away from them. He's just standing there, menacing them. He's about six foot four, muscular, blood dripping off the pig's head. They're frozen, there. And then the creature in the pig's head raises its hand, points to its left, its finger outstretched. All of a sudden, a piece of air just bursts into fire. Yeah. Shape of a doorway. Then it becomes two doorways, just like two elevator doors, made of flame. They slowly open up to reveal a fiery wrought iron elevator. The creature just continues to point and jam and then Richie shake. They feel their legs and walking before they can even think about what they're doing. And they say, walk, they walk, and walk right into the elevator. Two men on death row, walking to the executioner chamber, execution, walking to their executions. They enter the elevator, it's hot, it's fiery. It's dark, scary. The doors close. That's where we're going to leave it tonight. What will happen? You'll have to listen to find out. I hope you're asleep. But I hope you fall, fall asleep during the boring part. And you're not afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Or is there? I don't know. Good night. Remember, this is all imaginary. There's no such thing as... Remember, this is just a story. So, it's based all on fiction, historical fiction. This is a piece of historical fiction. There is no James Cash Penny that's alive today, or Richard Warren Sears. And as far as we know, it would be impossible for them to come back from purgatory. There is no Jif Bessels or Amazon.com, Washington State. And obviously, we know there's no such thing as rainforests in Washington State, temperate rainforests, and blackfish that live with their mothers. So don't worry. It's just a little bit of fiction. Yeah, you care about the characters, that's good. But you can get some sleep now. You know, maybe a hot elevator, maybe just warm enough to keep you warm. Maybe you can climb in there and keep those guys, snuggle up with them, keep them company. And I'll uh, help you get to sleep. Good night. Tonight, another episode of Get 
Bessos. Tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny's escape from purgatory return and their return to Earth to exact vengeance on Jeff Bessos, the internet entrepreneur and founder of Amazon.com. Anyway, this is all historical fiction, not based on anyone real. And their quest for vengeance for the crumbling of the retail empires. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S. Proof that it's based on a fictional character, not a real character. The spelling is B-E-S-O-S, getbesos. No Z's in that. No Z's. We last left off. The boys had been through a haunted house where they were being hazed by Amazon employees. James Cash got pissed off, went for a drive, and met a mysterious woman who turned out when they got a tour of Amazon headquarters to be a Miss Bessos. We still don't know if she's a future Mrs. Bessos, a former Mrs. Bessos, a sister of Jeff Bessos, God forbid, as we've said, a daughter. Could be a, a young aunt, I, I maybe. Probably not. Well, it could be. I mean, let's we'll leave the family mechanics for another episode. But then they return to the haunted house somehow. There seemed to be something supernatural going on as they were guided or forced into an elevator. That's where we'll pick up tonight on another episode of Get Bessos. And as we left off, the boys are boarding an elevator. A fiery elevator. Ha! Made of iron. Like, we'd call it an old-fashioned elevator, but to them, it's kind of a normal iron uh, iron elevator, I guess. It's, I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know what I'm talking about. One of those old elevators, and they get on, and the door shuts behind them. One of those folding extended like kind of like one of those gates that keeps people out of shopping malls and stuff an iron gate i guess folding iron gate closes behind them look at each other still don't want to speak or can't speak and they start looking around the elevator and there's flames on the outside of the gates and they get the sense that they're Pardon the language, fucked. And they look around, and there's one of those, oh, just one of those operating arms to make it go up and down. All of a sudden, the arm just goes boom, and the elevator starts shaking. It goes down. It's shaking and picking up pace as it hurdles downward. And they grab each other again, these two best friends, for a little bit more, uh, Heavy plutonic clutching, or according to R.W. James, is just his fourth or fifth better friend. But you know, let's not let's not get all high school girl on this. So, elevators, you can hear me. I hope doing that thing, and they're just still clutching. And and 
you know, if in this type of situation, your mind is probably in such shock. Not just because of the surreal elements. I mean, these guys have already been dead and been through a lot, but the fact that they could be hurtling to hell forever, your mind is not equipped to process that, uh, living or dead. So they're just kind of in a bit of shock, holding each other in terror, and they'll suddenly the elevator, boom, stops. And then they're frozen in fear, just staring at the door. The elevator doesn't move. Seconds go by, nothing happens. They're, they're waiting for the door to open. And all of a sudden, the elevator makes this... Like some sort of a... Like if you were working in a nuclear missile silo and the roof was opening, one of those kind of warning horns. Or the ones you hear when the chemical plant or whatever leaks something. And they look at each other... And now, I mean, hearts are beating, biles, you know, rising, the whole nine yards. And then suddenly, the bottom of the elevator either drops out or vanishes, and they plunge downward. They're still clutching each other. Ah! In a very surreal, cartoon-like way, they just plunge, and, you know, caverns are going by them, and and stopwatches and, you know, Twilight Zone-esque things, and they're still plunging, plunging downward, plunging downward, faster and faster. And then, poof, they land in two seats. And seatbelts, super close to their laps. And they can't cl- I mean, they're kind of... They look back and forth, and they realize they're... Like, what the heck's going on? I realize they're sitting in the back of a city bus. Most standard, stereotypical city bus imaginable. Just a plain municipal bus. And they're at the back. The bus is empty. It's got those rectangular bus windows. Slightly frosted or darkened, whatever you want to call it. And it's dark outside. There's nothing to see. Maybe they're in a garage. Maybe not. And they're still trying to figure things out. Finally, James speaks. Richie, what the? What the? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Um, I think we did it. Um, Okay. If I had any ether in the past few hours, tell me that, Richie. And there's no ether. And I've pinched myself. I've pinched you. Yeah, I know. Look at my neck. It looks like you've been sucking on it with that pinching. Okay, well, buddy, um... I don't, I don't get it. We're on a... Oh, no. Well, and I'll send the bus doors. Open, and this guy walks in. Gets on the bus. He's wearing a bus driver's outfit. But it's a little bit different. It's got red highlights, black and red highlights. This guy's got one of those chipper faces, smiling ear to ear, very clean cut. But almost like his face is so friendly and so happy, it's like surreal. And the only image that comes to my mind, and this is a throwback, is uh, 
I don't know if you remember the original Total Recall. Those of you that have seen it, the taxi driver was like this. When it, when he gets in the taxi, it's driven by a, uh, they're automated taxis, but the robot driving the taxi has a face. But this guy's not quite a robot, but you can see he doffs his cap to him. Afternoon, gentlemen. Tour's going to start in a few minutes. Hope you're comfortable. What, 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 what do you mean to what? I'm just going to do a safety check, and uh, we'll get on with the tour, gentlemen. All right, welcome. I've got uh and he pulls out a clipboard. He looks at it and goes, James Cash Penny and Richard Warren Sears. Is that correct, gentlemen? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah sure. Uh-huh. Haha, uh-huh, gentlemen, what the hell's going on here? I heard that. Oh, that's a very good question. That uh, I gotta write that down on my clipboard here. What the hell's going on here? We've been working on uh, what we're gonna call the tour. This is a newer tour because of some of the renovations we're going through, which we will get to on the tour today. But a couple of the ideas we've had, what we're calling it today is the Highlights of Hell Tour. But also we've been like, is it is it the... Hell Highlights Tour. What the hell tour? We could do that too. What the hell? Welcome to the world. To, what the? I got to run that by my supervisor. But yeah, what the hell tour? That's it. And then we've been working on catchphrases or catchphrases. Making this will be later in the tour, but you know, let me try this one out. I've been work, this is a new one I came up with. Making hell a grayer place, one soul at the. T- oh, sorry about that, gentlemen. Making hell a grayer place, one soul at a time. That's like part part of it. Well, we we'll get to it on the tour, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Okay. Um, so we have you guys. You guys are strapped in, correct? Uh, just see safety belts. We can't have any uh, lack of safety, can we now, gentlemen? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, all right, we will uh, get started in just a few minutes. I'm waiting for the uh, clearance light there. Let me you hear the bus. Boom, it starts up just like a city bus. It's got the home, the, or the, uh, it's got the fluorescent lighting. Uh, gentlemen, we're uh, gonna, this is going to be just a basic overview today. And uh, just so you know, we want, we want you to get comfortable. Uh, I've been speaking with my supervisor and, uh, of course, her supervisor. And this tour, just so you know, the Dark Lord does want some information from you. So this tour is a motivational tour. And I'll just leave it at that for right now. So let's get started. Um, as we pull out of the garage here, you're going to notice we're going through a little bit of a atmospheric zone, we like to call it here. So it, 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 just just be aware outside the windows. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're transferring from zones. And we've been making a lot of changes down here in hell, and uh, that's what we'll call it for you, gentlemen. So we go out of the garage here, gentlemen. We're going through a uh, a rift, so just beware. The fire is not going to affect the buses, and you're perfect. As long as you have those lap belts on, you're perfectly safe, gentlemen. So the bus starts to go, and it kind of seems like it's floating through lava and space around them, and, you know, there's mist and everything. But it's very comforting, and the guys are just kind of still in shock. Look at Richie. Richie, what the heck? We're in hell. Oh, it ain't nobody. I'm uh, crossing my fingers on this one, okay? Don't worry. Uh, 
Anyway. Gentlemen, uh, if you please keep the talk to a minimum, it would be appreciative. And you're going to see up here, we're going to be coming across the, uh, we're, we're going to be going to a service entrance cell, but we still need to check in with uh, Minos. So you're going to see up there, see that giant coiled snake there? He rises, uh, Minos rises about 400 stories uh, in your terms. You see this giant snake coiled like a, coiled like a skyscraper rising out of this plane of fire and lava up into the to mists. In the olden days, gentlemen, Minos used to coil around the uh, people and, and assign them to their circle of hell. He'd be Minos was the relayer of bad news, so he would coil himself around you and then it'd be like, what circle are you go- of hell are you going to be assigned to? Well, gentlemen, we don't have circles here in hell anymore. We've done away with those, and we'll get on to that in the tour. But now Minos just kind of gives you the bad news. Minos! And all of a sudden, the snakehead from 400 stories uncoils in this giant snakehead. It, the size of four or five city buses looks in the window with its eye. It laps its lips with its forked tongue and opens its maw. Its fangs drip with green slime and blood just the stuff of nightmares black goo there's a bass you know when you turn your subwoofer out too high that type of bass shaking the bus from the snakes gentlemen I wait to give you the bad news Shakes and the snake's gone. And if uh, those guys were scared earlier, they're scared. Their minds are boggled by terror after seeing the snake, Minos. The Minos coils back up into the heavens. All right, gentlemen, let's get on after you've met Minos. Uh, is there. Do we have any, um, did you have any, oh no, you guys are, hopefully Minos didn't cause any accidents in the back of the bus there, gentlemen, but let's move on to our tour. As I was saying, we've recently gotten rid of all the concentric circles over the past uh, few decades that you might have heard them out. And let's get to our first stop, gentlemen, and the bus, and the bus pulls into, the bus starts to pull into this uh, canyon where it seems like there's waterfalls of fire on both sides of the canyon. And the uh, bus just keeps pulling forward till it's stopped. And it's just in this canyon. Waterfall, fire on both sides, just rippling. And James and James is just staring out the window. He's like, Richie, I don't, I don't think that's real fire. This, might, this whole thing might be a sham. And he goes, oh, no, no, gentlemen, that is not real fire. You're very, very observant, Mr. Penny. That is just uh, a material. We have uh, fans behind it blowing for the rippling effect. And that's... This would be normally our first stop back in the day. This would be what you would call limbo, folks, which was a limbo was previously a deficient form of heaven reserved for non-baptized pagans, people practicing other religions. But we've moved way beyond that, clearly, in the past few centuries. So we've decided to remodel with recent trends we've been experiencing in assignments and contracts. We're remaking limbo. And, gentlemen, I cannot give you a preview of it visually. You know, just look at the fire. Everything's confidential behind those walls. But I can tell you, a little inside secret, we're going to call it, well, again, we're, we're working, we're surveying. 
something like the eye of the camel or the camel's eye, we're going to call it. And that will be for people that have not been assigned to another area of hell that are part of this whole, I think they're calling it the income equality crisis or something on earth. I'm not sure exactly. But for the ultra rich, I remember I have a, a log here. You guys were just talking about this recently. And yes, it's true. You will be sentenced to this first zone of hell just for being fabulously wealthy. So you guys really dodged a bullet there. I know you were previously assigned purgatory, which we could, which is not, not part of the tour today, but and you are up for reassignment, it looks like. Previously, the ultra-rich, you might be able to skate just into purgatory. You didn't do... You guys didn't have any major crimes on here that we could bust you for. But now, you'll go straight to this, and it won't be a deficient form of heaven, but folks, I can't get into that. Maybe on your next tour, or maybe you'll be reassigned there to suffer forever. And, and Satan just wants me to remind you that, as part of this tour... To remember that any information you have on Hans Zimmer Corbelli will be considered in your sentencing process. So any any information on Hans Zimmer Corbelli's plans or what he's up to will be factored in during your sentencing hearing. But let's get moving on with the tour, gentlemen. Now soon you're going to see out your windows what we're calling Zone 2. And maybe should I... But before we get to Zone 2, gentlemen, let me explain to you the whole late, new, and by new, I mean within the last few centuries, layout of hell. It's much more like countries, and we've integrated something we're very proud of here. It's similar to what you might call a Venn diagram. We've, we've gone beyond sem- simply sentencing you to one circle of hell. And now you could be assigned to an overlapping area. You see, the areas of hell are kind of arranged like countries, but in certain areas, there'll be an overlap. And we're going to run you by one a little bit later, but just keep that in mind. Hell's not a circle anymore, okay? So here we are, we're at zone two, and before we enter, I just want to prepare you that, again, like all things, hell evolves. This isn't simply... Previously, back in your day, maybe, previously people convicted of lust, carnal lust mostly would be assigned to to Zone 2. But we've moved way beyond that to something the Lord, Satan, likes to refer to as lust for life. So no longer is it just loin lust. That's what we call it in the business, a little loin lust, Mr. Penny. (laughs) We know, uh, you, 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 you're, you're, you. Well, anyway, let's move on. It's not This tour is not about anything other than veiled threats, gentlemen. For what you're going to see out your side, your window, is some people who... Oh, oh, God, what is a... Oh, good God. And uh, right outside, as Richie... Oh, oh, what is... Oh, Richie's right outside the window is a, a row of people staring at the bus, but in the place of their eyeballs are coals burning red hot smoking their eyeballs are smoking and they're crusted around and bleeding around these coals oh gentlemen uh, that are those are lustful leers you know there's quite a few men that don't act on their 
impulses the same way as Mr. Penny does. You've got peeping toms and just straight up pervs that just stare and leer, as we call it. So that's their eternity right there. It's coal eyes, we call it. So they're suffering eternity with eyes made out of coal, staring perverts, and peeping toms. Burning eyes with eternal coal or something, folks. I, I am working on that song, too. I just I just thought that up. And uh, if you... Gentlemen, if you if you look over to the to your left there, you're going to see in the distance. That's our extreme sports park. It's another thing on the devil's list of pet peeves is these extreme athletes. As part of his lust for life project, he take the extreme sports park and made an extreme suffering park. And we we that's not a stop on our tour, folks. But you can only imagine the torturous things we can do with skateboards. BMX bikes, and the latter. Moving on, gentlemen. We're going to take the bus down around this bend, and we're going to come to our first overlap zone. But before I do, I just want to take the time to let you know if you know anything about Mr. Gorbelly. Mr. Cashpenny, with your one lusting, you may want to think about what you could tell us what you've been up to? Okay, okay. Uh, um, tour guide. Um, uh, I got a couple questions here. Like, um, are they hell related, sir? Oh, wait, this Corbelli thing. Um, I mean, you you guys haven't been. Wa- I I don't get how you know we're sinning, and uh, you can't just see everything. Oh no, 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 sir. We need some information from you. I can't get into hell's observation techniques of the living. Or the formerly living. Naughty, naughty, breaking out of purgatory. I don't even know. That's not on our list of known offenses. And we have the board meeting now to figure out what what, what will be your punishment for that. And that, that may be a question for you gentlemen to ask yourself. What will be your punishment for that? Okay, let's move on. As you can see before us, we have an overlap zone. And you know that because of this... Well, like I said, you can't know that, but I'm telling you. So it is an overlap zone. So this is an area. Again, we're pitching you guys. So and you'll be given a survey at the end of the tour to uh, let us know. Let me know what you think of these terms. Right now, what we're going with is this is a place for gluttons. So if you're a glutton and a lustful man, and you've combined your sins in those two zones. You'll be here, Glustons, or Lug, Lut, Luston, Lut. I forget, Lustons, what it might have been. I did not like that one myself. It was another tour guide. And this again is, the, these these new zones are part of Satan's No Fine Lines Initiative. Remember I said, you know, that's part of hell's remodel is making hell a grayer place one soul at a time. So devil doesn't see things in black and white either anymore. Season in areas of gray, and this would be one of our gray areas. Hey, hey, uh, what's a glust? What would a gluston be? Well, there's many odd things that can make you a gluston. That's a good question, Mr. Penny, and I'm glad I'll take any hell-related questions you have, gentlemen. Hey, there's a various, a long list of glust, glustony. 
of what you could be convicted of gluttony for. But let me just give you one very strange example. And and, and this would be the fi- where you could fall during your sentencing hearing, as you guys will be looking forward to a sentencing hearing soon, unless you reveal some information to us. Let's say you're, and again, this is a, a little not safe for work term. Let's say you're a sandwich fucker. Uh, what, what, uh, was, was it? A sandwich fucker, Mr. Uh, uh, the, a sandwich fucker. A sandwich fucker is someone that has sex with sandwiches, Mr. R.W. Come on. Mr. Sears, you actually had one in your employee once. Oh, God. Now, sex with a sandwich by itself in your spare time, is that right or wrong? I'm not sure. But let's say you have sex with a sandwich and then you serve it to someone. Oh, boy. Now, what are you going to be convicted of? Mr. Penny, what would you think? Oh, uh, I, I, uh, now let's say you, or, Mr. Penny, before you answer, think about it, what if you were to eat the sandwich? Okay, whoa, whoa, what, now that, to me, would be a glustin. You're having sex with the cake and eating it, too. And we have cake fuckers here, too. So, that would be a glustin. You know, sex with a sandwich, sex with cake. By itself, hmm, lust or mental illness, and we'll get in. We'll get into mental illness on our next on our, on our next stop. Okay, all right, gentlemen, let's move forward and out of gluttony and into gluttony. I don't know why I just cheered, but I love giving this tour. So gluttony's gone through a lot of changes now. Mental illness, let's say addiction, gluttony, gluttony used to be full of addicts. I'm the Dark Lord. Put a team of us on things. It turns out, if you're an addict and you die from your addiction, this isn't the place for you. Eternal damnation for addiction is not the best use of our resources here now. So we've taken addicts and placed them in a place we call New Limbo. Okay? So no more addicts. Just straight gluttons. Now, the bad news, gentlemen... Most of what you would consider the West, and almost all of America, could be sentenced for gluttony. Now, what is gluttony, you might ask? What, what, could, what could be gluttony? Eating a pizza and then putting it in the blender and drinking it. Was that gluttony? Well, gluttony's not so simple, gentlemen. Come on. We had hell no. It's not just a simple checkbox of gluttony or lust, right? That's why we have lustiny. Now, what gluttony could be designed as just wastefulness, wastefulness of resources. Is that is that clear enough for you guys, or do you have any questions? Mr. Penny, you have your hand up. What's your question? Well, this isn't related to uh, gluttony. Like, I'm wondering, I got a bunch of questions, because this whole health thing, I've never been able to, to wrap my mind around. And so I want to know, what, what, what do you guys want to know from about this uh, gore belly thing? And what you're willing to give us. So those are two questions. Oh, I'm not prepared to answer those. But at the end of the tour, you will be meeting with uh, uh, a member of our sentencing board to to work with you on, on what information you're willing to reveal. Any more questions? Okay, uh, where are the Nazis? What, like we were talking about these overlap. Oh, oh, we have a special zone. Ooh, it, it's not part of the tour because it's too graphic. 
Mr. Penny, but Nazis, slave owners, villains, oligarchs, perpetrators of genocide. Yeah, we have a special, special place here for them, but we, it's not part of the tour. It's too disturbing. Next question. Oh, uh, yeah, I got a question. Uh, all of a sudden, the bus starts to vibrate. And it's like this high-pitched whine. It's this... Oh, gentlemen, I'm glad your uh, safety belts are on. We have some sort of unknown seismic activity here. Let me... Uh, uh, bus 47, tour bus 47, a base, base, command base. It gets higher and higher. And all of a sudden, the bus driver, he starts shaking. And then, he explodes into a million tiny bits of dust. He lands. And then, the guy's seatbelts come undone. And the general guys haven't really looked out the windows yet, but now they start looking out the windows in the, in the sea of gluttony. There's this snow-like slush, and there's souls underneath the slush trying to reach out. And this slush, this icy slush, and they're all blind, and their eyes are iced over, and they're reaching out, and they're all stuck alone, very much like the, very much like one of the traditional images of the hell, the circle of hell. For gluttons. James runs to the front of the bus. He looks over and he uh, notices the driver's been exploded. And there's no sign of him. And he notices the CB the driver was on. And it's like... Making that sound. So the CB's... And James walks forward. And Elson cuts in. Mr. J, Mr. James Cash Panic, come in. Mr. R.W. Sears, come in, come in. Oh, they look at guys like each other. What the? F- R.W. What that? Uh, James Cash Panic. R.W. Sears, come in. Hansen recorded Belly's office calling. So what the? Oh, jeez, what the? This could be a drill. Oh God, where? Oh man. It is still. The guys aren't even as. They're still trying to find their internal resources here. I mean, they've been on a tour of hell, and then the driver blows up. One thing that, uh, so James, James grabs the CB, and one thing that goes into, doesn't go into James Cashpenny's autobiographies is that he was a big, in his later years, he was a big uh, amateur CB fan. He would like to get a station wagon with the CB in it. He liked to drive around, so he hops on, he's like, Psh! Big cash, big cash here. Breaker, 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 breaker. Big cash, big cash over. Big cash, this is uh, Gorbelli's office. Big cash, this is Mama Gorbelli calling. Over. Uh, roger that. Roger that, Gorbelli's mother. Uh, I need confirmation you are actually Gorbelli's mother. Over. Big Cash, this is uh, Gorbelli's mother. And they go on and on like this. Basically, I mean, I don't want to totally bore you to sleep, but they go back and forth. And I'm going to give it to you in English instead of CB language, but you can probably imagine. And so, you know, we got smoke. You know, the Smokies uh, just blew up. Oh, we just blew up a Smokey here. Uh, we're in hell. 
But the crux of the conversation is that Gorbel is willing to help them get out of hell. And the guys, at first, they're like, uh, James goes, what, what the hell are you talking about in there? Freaking code language there. Well, Richie, they, they, Gorbelli's offering us to get us out of here. Oh, no, no, no. Just wait for another tour guide. Then we'll deal. It's much easier to deal with these devil people. We, we, give them some, we could give them some information. That thing's not Gorbelli. No, he can't. Give him some information on Gorbelli. And, uh, you know, then get the hell out of, out, uh, get the heck out of, out of here. You know what I'm saying? I hear you saying, Richie, but, uh, oh, okay, let's get on the CB. So he gets out of the CB. He's like, why should we help you, Gorbelli? Gorbelli's mother, you know. Gorbelli's mother. Well, you know, we're, we're going to get you out of there, guys. Don't worry. You know, don't worry. We're going to get you out of hell. Uh, Richard, hey, no, 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 no. We, we we need some better assurances than just getting us out of hell. You get you you technically you're the ones that got us into this. So this is all in CB language, remember. But you, what are you willing to give us other than just getting us out of hell? Because that's what we need to know. Because the devil's willing to go lean lean on us sentencing wise if we give you up, Gorbelli. And RW's, oh yeah, we go. Okay, first thing we need is, uh, what if, uh, okay, the devil's watching. What about this guy? What if we need a uh, body doubles back in, uh, purg- uh, back in purgatory? So we forgot to leave body doubles. So they get, we need body doubles. So Gorbelli's like, yeah, sure, we'll put some body doubles in purgatory for you. What do they use to kill this bus driver? We need that. Wait, wait. Yeah, so what would you guys use to kill a bus driver? Oh, we use the horn of Jethro. It was a, uh, Old Testament relic discovered by Gorbelli Enterprises. And it turns out it, when you blow it and direct it uh, psychically at a, a victim from, it destroys uh, minions of hell. Okay, we want that. We want that. Yeah, we, we want the uh, Horn of Jethro. Well, that's one of the things. We want the Horn of Jethro, or we will give you guys up. I'll consider it done. We'll horn of Jethro's on it. Yeah, get it to us now. Well, we can't penetrate hell, gentlemen, but yeah, we'll be waiting at your next hotel. All right, we need uh, we need another talisman here because uh, you know, well, I'll have the horn of Jethro, James. No offense, but uh, you know, I'm more qualified to uh, uh, blow horns than you. <laughs> Richie, I got no argument there. Yeah, we're gonna need uh, some more talismans. Okay, gentlemen. Again, this is CB language, but I'm translating for you, folks. Be a breaker, breaker, 9, CB 10, 4, 10, 9, 61, so That's what it would sound like, so I'm saving you. Okay, gentlemen, uh, we, we, uh, but why don't you grab, gentlemen, the uh, bus driver's lunchbox is there. Why don't you dump out the bus driver's lunchbox, and if you can open the doors of the bus, what? If you open the doors of the wait, wait, I open the doors of the bus. Are you crazy? Scoop out some of the slush. The uh, slush of gluttony is a very, very powerful weapon indeed. Oh God! So they open the bus driver's bus, and just like you'd expect from hell, you know, there's like human fingers in there, and praying mantises, a couple tarantulas, and thermos full of soup. 
the guy's mother, it turns out the bus driver lived with his mother, so his mother packed him a thermos full of chicken noodle soup. And a devil dog, of course, or devil, devil's for cake, I don't know. So they dump out the lunchbox as a Miss Piggy lunchbox, just in case you're wondering what uh, they do have. People in hell have a particular affinity for Miss Piggy for some reason. And you know, I don't know if you guys know, listeners, and I don't mean to break the story, but I don't do impressions very well. And I don't do extended impressions like I did my Yogi Bear impression once, but I do a Miss Piggy impression, but only... Just one part. It says, says Hi-ya! I can't. If I did it in her actual voice, it'd be too loud to blow out your speakers, especially if you're already asleep. But that's like, Hi-ya! And if you could see me, then I could throw back my my hair like Miss Piggy. So, and then sometimes I add in this, wow, but I won't. So, let's hang a lantern on it if you want more Miss Piggy. So, his Miss Piggy lunchbox, I open the bus door. They go to reach out and scoop up some of this icy slush. And, of course, what happens? They're, like, arguing. Who's going to do it? Oh, no, no, you do it, James. You do it. Uh, I already have the horn of Jethro. Go, Jethro. So James like, okay. So he reaches out, scoops the lunchbox full of slush. And, of course, something grabs his hand. And it's one of the icy gluttonous souls and what does the gluttonous person try to do with his hand but eat it and they're gnawing on his hand he pulls it away from him and pulls it in the bus and then ends up some of the slush splashes on the door so they can't get the door closed and all of a sudden James hears this growl and he looks up and about a hundred feet from the door of the bus, Cerebus, the original hellhound, three-headed monster dog. One head's breathing fire, another's breathing acid. Third head's just drooling and foaming at the mouth. So it's got one rabbit head and just two angry dog heads. It's, it's got this giant swirling tail smashes the back of the bus, shakes him, the guys fall down. And the RW's like, close the door, close the door. And James like, I'm trying to close the door. Start right driving the bus. I can't, I'm, I've never driven a, I don't drive. Oh, crap. All right, so James hops behind the uh, thing of the bus. He starts, the bu- well, the bus already started. He puts the bus in gear and um, slams on the gas. But, of course, they're in the glutton slush, so you can't just rush the bus. So bus spins wheels with Cerebus. He's racing towards the bus. James finally slowly puts it in first. Bus slowly rolls. Boom, Cerebus hits the side of the bus. And then Cerebus's jaws are crunching on the freaking side of the bus. James is gunning the engine. Then Cerebus jumps on top of the bus, digs his dog claws into each side. And he's holding on to the top of the bus with his body. And one of its heads is inside the door. It's lashing its tongue out. It happens to be the um, the rabid head. Rabid head, not rabbit head. Or rabid rabbit. Raving rabid rabbits or whatever that game was. That's a fun, fun little game for the Wii. So it's f- f- 
freaking tongues trying to lick James, and he's getting covered in um rabbit foam, whatever the hell that is. And he goes, Richie, help me. I don't have the freaking door to Jericho. James is trying to drive the bus. He's like, Richie, Richie, help me. Come on, I don't have a friend. Buddy, I don't have the horn. Get on the CB, tell Corbelli, send us something. So James grabs, well, all right, with you, Corbelli. No, James, you got to use proper proper uh, CB etiquette. Say, uh, break a breaker. Oh, break a breaker, goddamn nigga poops. Uh, and they say your name, say, uh, make up a name. Uh, Jay, I mean, while, why are they arguing about this while the dog's trying to eat both of them? And the bus, they're driving the bus out of control. I mean, it's going over canyons. And I mean, they don't even know where they're going, to be honest. And <clears throat> I don't know why you need, well, you should be honest if you're in hell. And they're like, uh, fat granny here, fat granny here, over, over, uh, look, Corbelli's mom. Come in, Corbelli's mom. Uh, this is Corbelli's mother. Go ahead, over. We, uh, we, uh, we got a critical, uh, situation here. Good job, good, Richie, good job, good job. And uh, we're in need of uh, some kind of, uh, uh, we got a big-ass dog. Big-ass dog. Oh, big-ass dog's there? Over? No, no, no. A big-ass dog. A three-headed dog is eating a bug. It's trying to help. Help, 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 help. Guess it over, Richie. Guess it over. So Sarah inside the bus. We're, gentlemen, we're doing the best we can to help you. Let us, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get right back to you over and out. What do you mean over and out? So the bus is hurtling along. Cerebus is trying to bite at them. Gorbelli's people are another thing. They're actually, these guys are actually in hell. They're fighting a hellhound. They're on a tour bus of hell. And that's where we're going to leave it tonight because that's a good spot <laughs> to leave you hanging, I guess. With Cerebus hanging on the bus. So I hope you fell asleep earlier. But if you didn't. Uh, if you didn't. You know what? Just imagine. Take a few seconds. And pick up your pillow CB. I, don't even, I can't remember what it, CB even stands for anymore. But And you know. Give a radio to somebody. 10-4. This is. Puffy pillow, come in, break a breaker, I need some sleep. Hey, big pillow, this is uh, Fluffernutter, Colin. We're making you a big Fluffernutter sandwich, and you're going to climb on it and ride off into Cloudland over and out. And then the Fluffernutter sandwich comes and says, uh, break a breaker, this Fluffernutter sandwich, come in, come in, pillow face. This is Pillow Face. Uh, I'm lying in my bed here. I can't sleep. I listen to this crazy podcast by this lunatic, and he had all this crazy stuff happen. None of it made much sense, but I'm still not asleep. Over. All right, well, Fluffernutter sandwich. Uh, I'll be calling a nut of butter just because that rhymes with Fluffernutter. Over. Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me either, but uh, I'll take that. Over. All right, hey, uh, this is Fluffernutter over. I said over to her, but we've got a door the explorer here. Even though she's a trademarked, copyrighted uh, entity, she just wanted to say hi. And she's got that green, purple monkey with her, and he says hi too. And I'm not sure if it was a boy or a girl. Over. 
that's an ominous sleepover. Okay, uh, Nutter Butter's here. And, oh, no, no, Nutter Butter just got eaten by a Sasquatch. Wow. Um, Sasquatch, don't eat. Oh, hey, this is Sasquatch over. I just uh, got a full belly full of uh, Nutter Butter cookies and uh, fluff and Nutter sandwich. And I'm, my belly's so full and clogged, like I think you should lie down on it because it's warm in my hair. Even though you think Sasquatch's hair is smelly and uh, coarse and uncomfortable, it really is. So put your head down on my belly. Sasquatch, over. Hey, Sasquatch, thanks, but I'll pass on that because you kind of smell like the uh, inside of a dog's mouth. Over. Oh, that hurts, but you're right. Hey, here comes a uh, dolphin. Hop on back to the dolphin because it's jumping into a giant hot tub. Well, thanks, uh, Sasquatch and Dolphin, but, uh, I don't think chlorine in the hot tub's good for a dolphin. I need to protect them. Over. Hey, it's Dolphin over. Thanks. Sasquatch was going to put me in that hot tub, and I didn't realize there was chlorine in the hot tub. Over. Well, hey, guys, uh, this is kind of useless and weird, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen a CB. I'm only 20 years old. I don't even know what CB is. Over. Okay, we'll look on the internet. Over. Hey, over, wouldn't it be cool if there was, like, a CB for an uh, iPhone, over? Well, I think there is, over. Yeah, but we just want to... Uh, that's called Chat Roulette, and it was, like, a trend a few years ago, over. All right, well, I'm going to bed. Good night, over. Hmm. That was useless. Over and out. 10-4, over and out. Is that how you end it? CB. This is uh, Dare Scooter. Over and out. We have another episode of Get Best Sauce, the tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Benny's escape from purgatory on a quest for vengeance against Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon.com, who crushed their retail empires. Other episodes of Get Best Sauce can be found on our website, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbestsauce, B E. S-O-S, no Z's, because this is a fictional podcast. When we last left off, the guys were in all places. Of all the places our heroes could be, they were in one of the worst places, hell. But they were on what seemed to be, started out as a perfectly, well, it wasn't a perfectly pleasant tour of hell, but it was a tour of hell, it seemed pretty cool. And interesting, I didn't know so many things about hell till we went on that tour with the guys. But it was also like this veiled threat that, from the devil, presumably, that if you keep fucking with us, you're going to be in trouble. And we want some info from the, about this gore-belly fellow. But then all of a sudden the bus driver blew up and the tour went awry and the hellhound Cerebus dove on top of the bus and started to try to get into the bus and attack James and Richard. And that's where we pick up this week with the bus under assault from Cerebus. The Hellhound on Get Bessos. So James is driving the bus. Cerebus is beating him and he's just driving through the slush in uh, the area of hell known for gluttony. And it's got their skin out and Cerebus, he's trying to shake Cerebus just like an action movie, you know, where he's trying to. Drive straight and then hit the brakes and then turn fast. But Cerebus has got his claws, or paws, 
deep in the roof of the bus. And it's pretty funny that, you know, roof, roof, the dogs on the roof, roof. If I was funnier, I would actually thought of some joke with a punchline, but no. Okay, moving on. So Cerebus is there, and the door is open when Cerebus's head keeps coming in and trying to bite James, and RW is, like, trying to get Gorbelly on the radio with no luck, and things don't look too good. James is like, crab, where are we going to, Richie, Richie, we got to think, think of something, think of something, we got to do something. And Richard, oh, buddy, buddy, I don't know this damn thing. Uh, and he's trying, he's trying to like pull a, a, one of the seats out of the bus and and throw it at him, but he can't get the seat out. And then James is like, Richie, Richie, the thermos. What about the thermos? Throw the throw the uh, throw the chicken soup at him. Throw the chicken soup in his eyes. So R.W. grabs the the thermos from the bus driver's lunchbox, and it's a it was a Miss Piggy. Lunchbox, but I mean, it must have been vintage because inside the thermos is a great Muppet caper thermos, which obviously any idiot would know you would have a Miss Piggy thermos. But you probably bought it at, you know, I don't know if they have. Well, I, want, I wonder if, if you can bring possessions to hell, hell would have a really nice flea market. But since you probably can't, but if people are buried, maybe someone was buried with this lunchbox and then because they were in hell. They were able to sell it at the flea market, and this how this guy, the bus driver, was an employee of hell. I don't know all the logistics. All I know is this bus driver had a Miss Piggy lunchbox, and inside it was great Muppet Keeper thermos. But none of this matters. So, okay, take the thermos, throw throw the chicken soup. So he RW opens the thermos, and takes off the little screw top in the old fashioned thermoses, and of course it's like. Yes, to answer those of you who were alive back then, it does have the red internal nipple or whatever you want to call it. But it also has, as all thermoses do, something that's way too hot in it. And in this case, it's chicken soup. It's probably at 10 million degrees because they're in hell. And, you know, something at 9 million degrees is probably edible there. But 10 million, too hot. We might even be in the Kelvin scale. I don't even know what that is, but hell, it's hot. So... R.W. throws the chicken soup into the dog's eyes and sizzles and burns, but it's the uh, actual, the noodles and the, uh, whatever the mom put in the chicken soup, which, you know, she probably made it spicy. Maybe there's some chilies in there or something. And Cerebus lets out a, like, dog moan and tumbles off the bus. James spins the bus around and he's like, holy crap. R.W. is watching Cerebus. He's getting back up. And then James sees on the horizon a row of red, little tiny, small devil men. And they're walking around with their pitchforks through the slush. And they're kind of torturing the the gluttons that are in the slush blind. And they're just poking them with their pitchforks in different parts of their body. Their forehead or their cheeks or their chest or their neck. Just to make it more unpleasant because hell i mean james spins he sees these guys he spins a bus bag around guns it right at this one little devil man and you might say little devil i don't know i, mean, I don't even know what species of creatures these are humanoid whatever i don't have time to talk we don't have time to talk about it. guns a bus at this one guy Vroom, runs him over hits the brakes spins a bus around james dives out of the bus rolls in the slush somehow he 
does one of those barrel rolls with a, a submarine twist, I'll call it. Jumps up, grabs the pitchfork, runs back in the bus. And right as Cerebus is coming, he pokes Cerebus right in one of his noses uh, 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 with the pitchfork. Now, these pitchforks, it didn't look like it when we were just looking at the action sequence we were just in where they were just poking people. But, but these pitchforks operate on some hell technology. And I'm guessing, just off the top of my head, that it's probably like a high-frequency vibration that when you poke it into something, it causes immense pain. It could be electrical charge. It could be extreme hot or extreme cold. We don't know for sure. But when you poke something, it doesn't just hurt like it would getting poked with a pitchfork. So when you get poked with this pitchfork, it hurts. And even Cerebus, it hurts. So he gets poked. So poor Cerebus turns its head in pain. And then James pokes it a couple more times in its ear. And man, I mean, that hurts. Getting poked in a dog's ear is not a nice thing. Cerebus lets out another cry. And then Cerebus turns its body. And James pokes it, pokes it, pokes it in its hind quarters. And then Cerebus just runs off out of gluttony into, into some other section of hell. Or maybe dives, I don't know, runs off past the horizon line. And James uses the pitchfork to knock away some of the frozen gluttony slush that was locking the door shut. And they close the bus door. And puts his tried, his, puts his pitchfork down. He's like, okay, I think he's gone. R.W., are you all right? James turns. He's like, Richie, Richie, we're up. We're safe. We're safe. And he looks and he sees R.W. is fainted at some point during this action. And he's clutching the uh, great Muppet caper thermos like it was a baby holding it tight. Or James pat, James just pats his head and smiles. And, and then the CB comes back. Scorbelly's mother to uh, Devil Dog. Come in, Devil Dog. Over. And I'll, I'll talk in regular language, but they're communicating in the CB lingo. But James gets on. He's like, hey, dudes, thanks for the help with the dog. He's gone. And uh, he's like, we need to figure out how to ha- how the hell to get the hell out of here, meaning hell. It's always, like, useful. Get, get me the hell out of here is really a... In, I love that saying. And then I mean, we need to get out of there. Break, break, you're 51, you know, 27. And they're like, okay, we just need you to pick two people up. That's uh, part of the reason we uh, blew that driver up. They're like, I thought you blew the driver up to save us. Oh, no, no, yeah, we, we did to save you, but not, yeah. But, yeah, we can get you out of hell. You just need to pick two people up. And James like, no, no way. I will pick one person up. And they're close, give me the closest person you need me to pick up. I don't know what, I can't believe, I, you know, just to let Gorbelli know, we're going to have some problems here. But I'll pick one person up if you get me the hell out of here. The hell out of hell. He's like, who do you want me to pick up? And they're like, well, actually, we have somebody like a Gluston. So just get your butt, get that bus over to Gluston and pick him up. And he's like, well, who do you want me to pick up? And they're like, oh, we want you to pick, pick up Freddie Sprague. Like, Freddie, Freddie Sprague. And James is like, you mean... Father of the Electric Railway, Freddie Sprague, fictional person. And they're like, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, very similar to that person, Freddie Sprague. Almost, almost, almost like the father of the Electric Railway. Technically, he wasn't even the father of the Electric Railway. He's the father of, like, electric tension or, like, multi-track where you can control all the cars. But anyway, 
So he's similar to that guy. Pretty sprague. Very similar to him. So you're going to find him in, uh, he's a Gluston. Jail's like, okay, well, what, how, how am I going to find him? Was it? Well, he was, uh, he had a potted plant fetish. Remember this is all in CB. That's why it sounds so clear. It's because I'm interpreting for you guys. He had a, a potted plant fetish. Whoa, boy. A potted plant fetish. Uh, yeah, he had, um, an affinity for potted plants. But, okay, well, remember, were you guys listening when they were talking about the sandwiches? So that's not a crime. Well, he owned uh, a, a, a few arboretums. He, he had extensive gardens on his grounds. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's still, it's creepy, but how's he in Glustony? I mean, we're almost at Glustony, but he was the largest contributor to the United New York Botanical Gardens, okay? And used to pay them. Just use your imagination, cash. Okay, okay. How am I going to know what he looks like? Okay, well, he is being... How do we say this? It's going to be disturbing when you see him, but you'll know him. He's the only one we know of that's down there. And because of what he did to the plants, he's got some poison ivy and some blackberries and roses growing into... Whoa, whoa, wait a second. He's got, they're growing in sin. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll find him. So James driving around and finally he busts into Glustony. He wheels by the sandwich fuckers, goes by the cake humpers and sees this guy with stuff going into his orifices. And James pulls the bus right on next to him, kicks the door open. Pitchforks the guy loose off the ground because everything's grown, you know, and we don't need to get in the details. It's disgusting. And James throws him on the bus and they start driving. He gets back. All right. All right. Uh, Corbelli's mother. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. And this guy, he's pretty much can't. He's still writhing in pain and RW still asleep. So James like, OK, what do I do? And they're like, OK, take the take the bus back to uh Back to, remember they were talking about Zone 1 and Limbo and New Limbo? Okay, you're going to you're gonna go down that same canal you went down with the fake walls, the fake walls of fire, and drive through the wall on the left. And what you're going to do is they got this thing going there. We know they're under construction, but they're building this thing. It's called the uh, Eye of the Camel. I think your tour guide was referring to it. And what they're going to do is when the rich people get there, they're going to play on that whole parable or whatever that story was about putting the camel through the eye of a needle. And they're going to shove rich people in order to get into the zone one. They're going to push people right through this eye of like when you die, your soul's going to be pushed through a needle. It's going to be extremely painful. Basically you're going to be shoved from the nether world where the souls mingle with the living or what. I don't know, but it, you'll look, just look for a needle. You're going to drive the bus through the needle in reverse and, our theory is that you'll get through and you'll break through back into the known universe. Whoa, whoa, that's your theory that I'm going to... Mr. Gorbel is pretty confident that this is the right theory. Oh, God. Okay, well, um, all right. I I got this guy screaming in pain, the Sprague guy, and RW's out. Now, I'm stopping the bus before I go, and we need to get a couple things straight. I'm going to need some more from you. Um, then, then just the horn of Jethro, which you should have waiting at our hotel, and the stuff I've acquired here on this mission. 
No, don't don't worry, Mister Penny. Don't worry. When, when you get through, how how do you how's this bus going to go through an eye of the needle? And then what, what's even like? How's this bus even? How do I know this bus isn't just going to run out of gas or something? Oh well, it doesn't. That's what's interesting. We can't wait to get our hands on that bus because it it's running on the latest health technology, and it's got some sort of fission fusion lava technology in there. So it's not going to run out of gas ever, as far as we can tell. That's it. So another thing, well, I'll trade you the bus for something else. All right, how about that? And I'm going to tell you, I've got a plan. And while these guys are asleep, I, I want to meet with Mr. Gorbelli and go over it. But if, Well, we can't do that right now because Cerebus has reawakened and he's coming after you. And some of the health security forces are on alert now that the bus has been, okay, well, I need you to promise me that I'll be able to meet with Mr. Okay, well, sir, we promise, we promise. All right, so James pops a bus back in gear, poof, drives through, gets back, goes through gluttony, through lust. No, oh, he was already in gluttony. He drives back through lust, drives straight through the uh, Lust for Life Extreme Sports Park, busts up the half pipe of death, boom, goes through the wall, goes down the uh, alleyway they went down with the fake walls of fire, takes takes a turn. Sees this giant needle where they're actually doing play testing or some sort of testing. He sees souls like squeeze through the needle in these strange shapes and push the bus. He knocks a couple technician, hell technicians out of the way. Boom, goes through it. Goes through another Twilight Zone type situation with clocks and eyeballs. You know, the whole nine yards. It's like 2001 and I saw this preview at a movie last night. Oh, I wish I could give it to give it up for the person that made the movie, but I can't. But it looked wicked cool. It's the next Kubrick. That type of stuff. You know, you've got liquid oil, everything. I think Scarlett Johansson's in it, too. I will post it in the show notes because it looks badass. But anyway, so that boom. Next thing you know, they're on a highway. And they're on some sort of highway from hell. So they're on the highway from hell. And it's... And it's a, it, there's really not much to see. It's uh, so James gets on the phone. He's like, "Yeah, I'm uh, ready." Uh, Gorbelli's mother, come in. This is uh, City Bus One. City Bus One. And they get on. And they're like, "Okay, uh, looks like you got about a nine-hour drive on the uh, highway from hell. It's technically uh, in a rift between the uh, hell, heaven, inner judgment zone, but you're going to be going through that. There actually is a exit for Seattle. The exits are unmarked, so we'll alert you, and then you'll get up. So James is like, nine hours? I got to? Okay, great. So James just starts driving. So then James is on the road, man. He's got one of those long, boring drives ahead of him. And the guy, uh, Freddie Reggae, Freddie Sprague, Client crawls up to the front of the bus and he's like, uh, I'm just feeling a little bit better. And he's like, Hey, man, thanks for rescuing me, James. Don't mention that. Uh, he goes, uh, You know, congratulations on being the uh, father of electric tension. Thanks. But everything, once I found out the kind of man you were, you know, the man I was, you know, man doesn't choose it. And they get in a little bit of a disagreement about sexual preferences, but then I'm ironing it out. And Freddie's like, listen, man, I'm just in a lot of pain. And I heard them say, we got a long drive. Like, can we just talk? And, and it just, I'm in pain, but it just feels so good here. 
The floor of this bus feels like the most expensive mattress I've ever been on. And the burning of my throat from being parched and needing water feels heavenly. Like hell is so awful. So anything we could talk about would just make me feel great. You look a lot like uh, James Cash Penny. Is that what they, they were calling you too? And he's like, yeah, I'm James Cash Penny. I'm on the run from purgatory and my buddy back there. That's R.W. Sears, isn't it? Yeah, you've got it, buddy. It's R.W. Sears. He's my best friend. And we're on a secret mission that I can't talk about. Well, just tell me, like, what have you guys been up to since? Tell me about your, your, tell me about purgatory. Well, purgatory is extremely boring. I mean, it sounds like hell's, it's great compared to hell, I'm sure. But there's really nothing to do except for James and I would talk every day. And we would have tea and toast. That was about it for Purgatory. I remember sleeping a lot. There's not a, a lot I don't remember. But I remember James would read the paper that he illegally acquired somehow and complain. And then at some point we got assigned this secret mission. Well, kind of assigned a secret mission. And then, well, then what happened when, when you left for your secret mission? Tell me, tell me. Well, you, you know, you know, like the Titanic, those ships that cross the ocean. Yes, James. Tell me, tell me, tell me all about it. Well, we uh, now people they they take these boats instead of for travel or for luxury. Like even the uh, common people take these boats, what they call the middle class. That I guess they're almost everybody takes these ships and they go to different places. And they're like these floating hotels, and they're full of vice. They're wonderful. Now, not not the kind of vice you're into with your potted plants. So I'm sure if you've slipped the bellhop some money, you sick man. Anyway, I'm not going to judge you because I know you're in a lot of pain. But yeah, so we were on this cruise ship, and we had to acquire something from a, a fellow. I needed to acquire his thumbs. So that's the kind of man you're dealing with, just in case you get the wrong idea. And you start looking at me like I'm a plant. I took a man's thumbs. Okay. And so we did that. And then then we met a man who had had sold his soul to the devil for a a larger uh, sexual uh, penis, a larger larger dick. And, oh, really? It's a good thing about plants, they don't care about size. Yeah, and so we work, We had to work with that guy, we had to do some interviewing. So do you guys work for, like, God or the devil or what? No, no, we don't, I can't tell you who we work for, sir. Okay, plant fucker. But, so we worked with that guy, and we, we you know, pushed him around, interrogated him. I didn't need to take his thumbs or anything. And so we did that. Oh, and then another thing, you know, remember when me and, me and uh, RW used to have the, our stores and there were departments and there were marble and places where you could have a sandwich and, and spend the day. Well, they have, to, they, got the, they have this thing. I, I can't get into everything they have, but they got these giant things they call shopping malls, which are kind of like the cruise ships I was talking about earlier. That's what they call them, the cruise ships. And so James and I worked there for a little while. Buddy, uh, I know you're into plants, but they got these stars nowadays. They're called the Kardashians. Sisters. Sisters three. And there's a 
Our other sister's five, but there's sister's three in my heart. And they're the most loveliest sirens of beauty. They called me to spend money. The sound of their voices. And one of them is married to this guy called the Lord. He's cool, and they have a brother. He's a riot, that guy. So we got to spend some time with those beauties. My heart, I actually forgot all about that I was in love, but for a time my heart was was one with with all three of them. I didn't want to tell R.W. that I was in love with this girl, but I, I was in love with the Kardashian the girls, young women. And uh, so we did that. Next thing you know, we were uh, back in the West, the Wild West, uh, kind of. Western movie. We were on the set of a Western movie. Yeah, that's what we're doing. And I was making sweet love to flappers. And women, not flappers, like flapjacks. And that was pretty great. You fall asleep there, plant boy? Yeah, please, James, just keep talking. Yeah, so I was dealing with these flappers and these villains. And and it was like 1930s night and it was a Western. It was confusing, I tell you. But, yeah, go ahead and go to sleep, buddy. And then James and I met a young man I took under my wing for about 8 to 12 hours named Darian. I like to call him Darren. He was a little math guy, and he had all these... He had, you know, like, uh, he had this magical box that people nowadays, they use them all the time, filled with all sorts of little cocks and thingamajigs. You could find coffee. You could place a phone call. Darian taught us a bunch of stuff about life. He introduced us to the teachings of the Cobra Commander, who was a freedom fighter. You might not have heard of him because he was in this weird spot in American history. But yes, we learned about that and how Cobra Commander stood up for what he believed in and never gave up. And sometimes he pushed too hard. and But he was up against the man, as they call him. And he couldn't win. He never won. Can't win that. He almost asleep there, plant boy. Kind of like in hell. You never, all ye who enter here, abandon ban- all hope, whatever they say. All who enter here, abandon hope. Abandon hope all, whatever. Yeah. So we, so Darian passed on to, yeah, R.W. has a thing with Ether, and, you know, he had a reaction to something. So we buried sweet, sweet Darian, dealt with his family. Then we learned about this awful plot that these oil barons have to dig up the earth and fill it with junk and pump the oil out, even though it's worthless right now. And the lack of vision, so we had to slap them around. And I didn't have to take any thumbs there either. And then we made our way to Washington, state of Washington, Washington State. And I met a sweet lady there, and I'm still, she still has my heart. And then I said to myself, you know, she's probably some guy who wants to love plants that needs to be rescued for reasons I don't understand. And that's you, and you're asleep now, so I can't tell you that much more. But I can tell you that for some reason, 
For some reason, I love driving. So James just let those two, R.W., still passed out and curled up with his great Muppet caper, Thermos, and this guy, Sprague. He was out cold. Might have been out cold from the pain of having... I don't know, maybe he wounds cauterize themselves in hell. Maybe you can't get an infection in hell that you can take out. So James just drove yellow lines and white lines cruising by. And he was like he was in a dream, flying down the road. Dream up, driving off to dreamland. And that's where the express bus is picking you up. Taking you to bedtime, land. Good night. Tonight we have another episode of Get Vassals, the tale of Richard Warren, Sears, and James Cash Penny's escape from purgatory and return to Earth to seek vengeance on Jeff Vessels, internet entrepreneur and founder of Amazon.com, who crumbled their retail empires, or so they feel. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, B-E-S-O-S, or ideally, if, 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 my, if I have managed to back up my apology from earlier in the episode, wherever you consume your podcasts. All right. When we last left off, James Cash Penny, Richard Warren Sears, and Freddie Sprague, that rhymes with reggae, had just escaped from hell on the highway from hell. So the boys had just escaped from hell. And now we're back with another episode of Get Vassos. Tonight's episode starts in the hotel suite where James and Richard have been staying in the in, somewhere in Seattle, in the state of Washington. It looks like they've like done a self-park with the bus, and they're just recovering. And it's the morning after their escape from hell. And James is busy getting dressed, and Richard and Freddie are kind of lying around the hotel recovering since R.W. had passed out. And, the you know, hell takes a lot out of you, whether you're just a guest like R.W. in hell or you're a more permanent resident like Freddie Sprague was. So they're all lying around the hotel room. Meanwhile, James is up. It's probably like 7, 8 in the morning. He's feeling dapper. It's because he had that drive. It helped him decompress hell, driving for nine hours and and helping, you know, distract Freddie Sprague from the fact that his bodily orifices had been penetrated by poison ivy and, and pricker bushes. But now he's on the mend, and they're kind of lying around and, Getting a good look at James, my gut tells me he's up to something. And I can't totally be sure what he's up to, but even R.W. is his fourth best friend or better friend, whatever R.W. says. Hey, buddy, uh, what are you getting dressed for? Uh, I thought we'd just uh, relax today, but call up uh, Amazon later on, you know. And, uh, well, yeah, you know, don't worry, Richie. I'm going to go check in at Amazon and I want you to keep an eye on Mr. Sprague here, and you guys just, uh, you know, you guys can just, whoa, 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 buddy, I'm not just going to be sitting around the hotel here 
um, with this clown. I don't know anything about. Why? Well, excuse me, gentlemen. I'm. Uh, I I'm still unsure of what I'm even doing here. And I, yeah, again, I don't. I'd like to. Uh, oh gosh, this. Oh, this is, it just feels so good to just be talking to two other people. It just feels so great to be talking. Oh, after being out of hell, I just don't. Can I just check? No, no, no. You're not cherishing nothing. You, you're in hell for something, you jackass. Oh, man. I was thinking the opposite of the name Kapoop. Is that, uh, James, James, come here, man. Oh. Since we got out of hell, everything seems so dull. You know that? You notice that? Like, maybe it was, uh, the thrill of, uh, being surrounded by sinners. Real sinners, you know. Suffering sinners or whatever you want to call them. Uh, or the, the volcanoes or the fire or the devils. Or that big dog or that giant snake. I don't know. Something. Something not right. It just feels so, uh, uh, blah. You know what I'm saying, buddy? Yeah, Richie, Richie. I know exactly. That's why I'm saying you guys are going to take it easy. No, 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 it's not taking it easy. I just feel, uh, I don't like to use this word, but desensitized. I heard it on, um, I think it was that Judge Judy we were watching. Okay, Richie, I got the perfect thing. Now, remember how you were doing this whole email? Go ahead. The hotel's got this laptop here for us. Go ahead and sit down here at the desk. Okay, comfy? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, uh, ah, I'm not comfy, buddy. It's, uh, no. I don't know if I can be comfy anymore. Just feels that. Uh, okay, well, don't worry. I get the perfect. Okay, so this here, you know, see that little swirly thing? Double click that. No, no, double click. No, d- double. Here, let me do it. See, double click. Do that twice. That button. Okay, now, remember any place, you're, you're only going to go to one place and you'll be, this is going to set you up. So it's going to be, go to that little bar that, yeah, just see, you already, you must have, uh, yeah, okay, I'm uh, savvy, tech savvy, okay, buddy? All right, well, uh, go up there, and you're going to go www, www, okay, dot, period, period, okay, P, P, O, O, R, R, N, N, H, H, What, what did you say? I couldn't hear it. Okay, okay. That letter. Okay, B. Got it. And then dot. Okay. Okay, I got it. Oh, what the heck? Oh, good. Okay, so just hang out here. You can go ahead and... I got some headphones here. And you just go ahead. What a good... But, uh, what? See, there's a list on this side. Okay, so what does that mean? So go ahead and you can just watch them. This will this will uh, de desensitize you. Okay, so just stay here, and I'll probably be back. I'll check in with you. Okay, I'm good, buddy. You, whoa, whoa, put on these headphones. Okay, Hintel, uh, Hintel, what the hell? Yeah, let's check it out. All right, Richie, you just stay there. Mr. Sprague, how you doing? Oh, oh, good God. I feel good just to hear you say my name. Um, that oatmeal you gave me, it was, uh, oh, oh, I could taste every 
bit of oat. Every every piece of water was so wonderful. I thought, I I feel I be I ate I orgasmically. I I feel so wonderful. Okay, well, why don't you lie in this bed? Well, I was sitting on it before when you know I slept on the floor last night. It was so nice. I'm just sleeping on the floor of the bus, and then now there's this soft floor here. Okay, so lie in the bed. Okay, and I, oh, oh 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 oh, this bed is so so. Okay, I just no comment. I don't need a running commentary. Okay, I got stuff. I need to take care of, but what you're going to do is you're going to lie in this bed and we have now stay in the bed. Okay. This is, I can't get into everything, but I'm going to put it on this thing. It's called the, the house and garden channel. Okay. Ooh. Oh, what do you mean? A house and garden? It's 24 hour television station dedicated to homes with gardens. Okay. So that's all you're going to do. It's just, just stay here. Oh, 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 what are they doing? This is one of those, uh, it's called, uh, garden grouches. It's like, um, they go and they take people that are unhappy. Don't worry about it. Just watch it. Okay. So James gets those two situated with their own distractions, we'll say, and he bolts and heads over to Amazon headquarters. And he drives up, he, uh, he calls himself a cab and hops in the cab, heads over to Amazon headquarters, gets the headquarters, checks in with the security guard and security. He's like, yeah, I'm, um, Mr. Penn. I mean, Mr. Uh, Ibex, Larry Ibex here to see, uh, to see, uh, Mr. La- Larry Ibex. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here for a meeting. And like, Scary punch. No, I'm sorry. You don't have clearance anymore to enter the building, sir. What, what do you mean? I, I don't have, uh, I'm here to see Fred. You know, Fred, Fred, he was in charge. Okay. One second, sir. Uh, I'll be right with you. So security guard, security guard makes a couple calls and then Fred comes down. Who's like the lowest member of the inner circle, as we said, of the, this Amazon inner circle that supposedly James and Richie were part of it. And Fred comes in and James like, Fred, what's going on, buddy? Freddy. We got, I got another, you wouldn't believe it, but I, I'm, I ran across another Freddy, but I'll call you Fred from now on. So Fred, what's going on? And they, uh, said, I'm a, Miss, Mr. Ibex, what happened? We've been trying to get a hold of you guys. You, we had the presentation it was two days ago. Yeah. We had a, we, we had some stuff that came up in emergency after that haunted house. Remember the haunted house? I had a, I had a heart malfunction because I was so afraid. What? Mr. Ibex, that's not acceptable. What do you mean it's not acceptable? Well, we, you had a presentation and uh, it was a conference call with Mr. Bessos and you weren't there. So you're gone. Yeah. What do you you mean I'm gone? What do you mean I'm gone? He, Mr. Bessos has already bought our, well, he's just going to divest himself of your stock. We're going to, we're going to kind of resell it back to you or something. I don't know the, but Mr. Abex, I mean, it was great working with you. We've never really worked with you. We just hazed you and tested you, but you seemed, and then I picked you up when you were at that. But anyway, yeah, so that's it. Well, no, no, what do you mean? No, no, no. Even I can't just fire, you can't just get rid of me. We need some kind of hearing. Like, let me talk to Bessos or somebody. So no, we, we don't hear it. Amazon, we don't believe in, there's no second chances. 
if you let the company down, if you let the inner circle down, the inner circle closes you out, sir. I mean, what, what do you think? You think we just let anybody in? We remember we passed our test with flying colors. Remember we had all that, like, where I was tricking you guys and saying he was crazy and I was acting all crazy, remember? Yeah, but Mr. Ibex. Okay, Fred, I need to talk to someone higher up, okay? Because I have, we didn't, we only told you guys about Darian's math stuff. We didn't tell you about the other stuff. We have, like, stuff like, have power sources and sources of con- we have m- more stuff that we were going to offer you guys share just because we were part of the inner circle share and share alike right fred yeah but mr ibex i don't i think this okay well just find me someone i just need five minutes of their time and i'll, I'll just pitch them on these ideas and if you guys decide to pass that's fine but you know if i go down to uh what cupertino or wherever apple is you know when i pitch them what do you think that, what do you think Mr. Pest is going to say when these, I mean, we're talking about alternative power sources here. You know, I know why you guys got these hot servers and all that. Got those problems solved, Fred. Okay, Mr. Ibex, I'll be back. So Fred goes back in. He makes a couple calls from the security desk. And then Fred comes back out. And he, he's like, uh, all right, Mr. Ibex, I have a meeting for you uh, with someone higher up than me. So they go back into the office. And they take an elevator up, and he's like, puts James in a conference room. He's like, just wait here. So James is sitting around. So Fred comes back out. He's like, right, I can get you a meeting, but, you know, we got to take take you in through security like a regular person. I'm not sure you're. He's like, I'm not sure you're in the uh, inner circle anymore. Okay. So James puts his briefcase through uh, security, and security guard is like, what the heck is in here? It comes up. He's like, I'm going to need you to open this briefcase, sir. So he opens it up in the security guard in front of there. And inside, James had taken everything with him. So he had the horn of Jethro there. And he had this little devil's pitchfork that was for one of the little mini devil guys. And then he had his Miss Piggy lunchbox, which contained slush from the part of hell, the third hell zone, gluttony. And a security guy's like, what about this fork for? What is this? Uh, he goes, oh, no, it's like, uh, it's a two, you know, it's a magical. James is like, it's for, uh, it's a PowerPoint thing. It's for PowerPoint, right, Fred? Yeah. And then that's my lunch. And the other thing is a horn. What do you mean? You don't. So it's here. Oh, whatever. Just take it. Just, uh, uh, you know, Fred, are you going to be responsible for that strange fork, red fork? Go, All right, go ahead, boys. Go ahead, go ahead. So he takes James up, throws him in a conference room, and James is waiting there. And then the conference room door opens, and who comes in? But Miss Bessos. And she's looking beautiful. Beautiful. James sees her, and his heart starts pitter-pattering. And he feels a little swoony in the knees. But he's trying to play cool. She goes, oh, M- Mr. Uh, Ibex. Goes, oh, no, no, you could call me James. Goes, oh, well, I thought Larry, I remember Larry Ibex, right? Well, yeah, call me Cat. No, you know what, call me Cash. You can call me Cash. Near Miss Bessos, correct? Yes, uh, Cash. Remember we met at the, 
you were looking, remember you told me about the rainforests and the matrilines and the, and the blackfish orcas. Yeah, okay, Mr. Mr. Ibex, Cash Ibex, Cash, um, what is this regarding? Because it seems like we've terminated all our contracts with you and all your security clearances have been removed. And Fred said you need to, you, you, well, listen, uh, Miss Bessos, wanted to talk. I, I still am curious about this, the temperate rain for, okay, Mr. Ibex Cash, please, I need to know what this, well, I have some power, I have some solutions for you guys, some power and some control, Yeah. Could you be more specific about that? Well, I could, but I, why don't we sit down? Could we sit down? This is a this is a table and chairs here. So they sit down, and she she says, "You know, I, I really don't think there's any reason for us to be meeting, Mister Mister Ibex. So, what, I need you to get right to the point because I have other Miss Bessos. So is it the same Bessos as uh, the founder Bessos? Is it is that okay?" Mr. Cash, what specifically are you here to offer us? You said you had stuff other than the algorithms designed by your uh, associate Darian that were backing the uh, Coffee Cash software or whatever it was called, Coffee Q, Coffee Q software. So I need you to get into specifics. I'm not here to have my time wasted. When I look at when I look at rainforests or Orca whales or stare at houses. That's on my own time. This here's Amazon time. Okay. So what is it you have to offer? Well, there's an age old question, my dear, of power and control within families. Where's the power and the control? And then when I think about power and control, I think about the rainforest and I think about the, the pods of orca whales and, and who has the power there? The matriarch has the power. And who has the power in the rainforest? It's an age-old question that I believe is best answered by time. The passing of time reveals who has the power and control. Okay, Cash. You're wasting my frigging time. I have other obligations, and you're offering nothing. I mean, you're... Your vague attempts to flirt with me or impress me that you were interested in something I had to say, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I need to get back to work. Okay. So what the hell are you talking about? Well, I, I was saying about how time is an ultimate arbiter. No. Okay. Miss Bessos, I, I can see you're upset and it's clear that I'm not getting to the point and I'm wasting your time. I might even be boring you. But I'm just, a lot of the stuff I was asking for it is because I'm curious about you. And curiosity helps me answer questions. And, and I'm not just trying to get to know you to, for ulterior motive, but for the pure pleasure of, of doing so. But also so I can meet your needs. So what is your role here at, at Amazon? Can I, can I, can I ask you that? And what, Mr. Bessos, what, Mr. Ibex, why are you ask? Well, in nature, in the pod, in the orca family, the matriline, matriline, whatever it is you told me, that beautiful night out on the 
Isthmus or Peninsula, whatever it was we were. In, in that, every, every, every creature plays its role. Every, every, every orca plays its role. Or in the, the rainforest, it, it strikes me that everything is constantly playing a role there in the, the beauty of the temperate rainforest. And that power and control is almost like an illusion, especially as time evolves. Okay, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm going to call security, and we're going to have to ask you to leave. Okay, just give me, what if humans, we don't behave that way? What if we force people into roles? So, so I'm just wondering, that's why I ask about your role. It's, it kind of reminds me of what I've been reading about, about these terrible injustices and the poor orca whales where they're forced into these roles or pulled from their family and said, hey, you're going to be a performer now and we're going to train you and we're going to fit this square orca peg into a round hole or whatever it is. And it doesn't work. It might work for a little while, but there's collateral damage and the damage to the greater orca world into the internal makeup of that whale is okay i like what you're saying mr ibex and and i can relate to it but what how is this i'm gonna have immediately have to contact jeffrey after after this and 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 make some sense out of this so i need okay what where are you getting at with your power and your control just and your roles Give me some solutions, please. And Miss Beso stands and she walks to a window and and she walks back and then she sees that uh, Cash's briefcase is open and she sees the Miss Piggy lunchbox and she can't help but smile to herself and it kind of breaks the tension and she doesn't even know she thinks that she, she's pretty sure that he he's not doing it on purpose because she had just has an angle to catch it, and James is kind of unaware. I think even that his briefcase is open, so she kind of you know she melts a little bit. A little bit of her her guard is let down. She says, "Listen, I I want to work with you. Okay, I can see we share, or you share an interest in my interest in the whale. So we could say that. Okay, but." This is a company, okay? It's not about what we're interested in. Okay, well, I, I, I realize that, Ms. Pesos. I have a very specific solution for your corporation-wide power problems. What if I told you I, had a pe- I, have, a, I have my hands on a piece of technology that could solve your, cor- your, your power problems, reduce your power bills, and make you energy independent. Well, Jeff, 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 Mr. Bessos would, would, Mr. Bessos would like that very much. So that's our power. And then, as far as the control, I know you have these great distribution warehouses and there's a lot going on there and I can't begin to imagine the logistical nightmare, the logistical knowledge that it takes to, to manage that. And, even with a large team, I'm sure there's many, many inefficiencies 
that either you cannot solve or you're unaware of. And I happen to have a man who is the foremost expert who is a visionary on solving these kind of system problems, especially when it comes to electrical systems. So he can work, I can put him on your logistical team, your warehouse team, your sorting team, whatever you call it. And I can solve. And then he notices that she, she she's just uh she's just kind of staring at him, and he he, he James thinks like wow she's just maybe she's she, it looks like she's just kind of staring right into his eyes, and he thinks that time's slowing down, and and he kind of stares at her, and it, it, he kind this is his thought is that this is like one of those slow motion like she's eating up what he's saying even though it's incredibly dull. I mean, anyone that's listening and is still awake is like, oh, Jesus, this is a podcast that's supposed to be boring, but it's doesn't So she's just standing there. But from her side of the room, it is like, he's like, wah, wah. And she's noticing she's getting a little lightheaded, but not in a dreamy, attractive way. Even though she, I'll be honest, I, I you know, as the sometimes omniscient narrator, she's she's got some feelings for James. I mean, he's a sharp-dressed man. And his confidence, whatever. She she likes him. But she's not about to risk whoever she is just for this guy that just walked into the room. She's a powerful woman. And she she wants to do her job well, first and foremost. So whatever's going on with her, she's kinda and she's kinda listening and he kinda goes, wah wah wah. And then she kinda hears this thing like, Mr. Ibex is a bad man. She's like, man, I'm not. Oh, and she's like wondering if that's like her subconscious kind of creeping up. And she says, uh, Mr. Ibex is a bad man. And James still in the zone. So he's just kind of talking about what he was just talking about. She's like, I am. She said, Mr. You know, he's a very bad man. He's. It's not so, Mr. Ibex is not who he says he is. And she's still like, man, maybe I should call in. And she's like, yeah, you're not who you say you are, are you, Mr. Ibex? And he goes, whoa, 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 what, uh, no, I'm, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I told you I'm, Mr. Ibex is like my business name, but my friends call me James Cash. James Cash. So that's why I told you, call me James or call me Cash. So yeah, it's kind of confusing. I get it. Like you're, I have a work name and I have a fun name. I'm sorry. You're just Miss Bezos. I'd like to know another name for you, but that's all. He's a fraud. He's a dead man. She's like, what? what? She's like, are, you, are you a fraud or dead? Are you dead? She's, like, she's starting to feel like drunk almost. Like He's like, what are you, what are you talking about? No, no. Then James sees out of the corner of eye that he's like, wait a second, I don't remember opening my briefcase. And then he sees this fact that his lunchbox is open. And he's like, what the? So, oh, no. Like, did she, like, get a hold of some of the slush? He like, he knows something's wrong. And then from Miss Bessel, she's like, he's on a terrible mission. He's working with evil men. Like, are you, are you working with evil? Are you? 
you on some sort of evil mission? And he's like, no, no, what? And then suddenly she's like, she's like, she, she's even, she comes even more tranced out. She's like, what the hell? What does Hans Zimmer Belly want with hell? And she, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He stands up. And he stands up. And then right when he stands up, he notices, because the light's slightly, light is slightly different, that he sees little footprints going from the lunchbox, little wet footprints around to her side of the desk. And he jumps up. And he walks around a little bit and he notices there's a little devil right on the back of Miss Bessos with its tail poking. Its tail's like poked in the back of her neck and it must be some kind of doing some kind of brain control. And then it sees James and it hops off, sprints across the table, dives into the thing, grabs its pitchfork, and then rolls. And it's just a little guy. It's probably like two and a half feet tall. And then James is like trying to dodge it and it's like they're going... James runs around the table, and then the devil jumps to the other side. And meanwhile, Miss Bessus is just in this trance the whole time. The little devil holds up its pitchfork. And he's like, there's a bounty on your heads. I'm taking you back with me. And James is like, you're not taking us anywhere. You're, you're, you're like two and a half feet tall. And the devil's like, because eh, you know what this pitchfork can do. And James is like, well, I looked it up. It's actually a Biden. Why don't you, you, you should know that. You're in hell. Like. I know it's a Biden. I was using it as a, a term that you would recognize. I have, ah. And he jumps forward and James like does one of those things where he pushes a chair in the way and runs around the other side of the table. But the devil is keeping him away from his briefcase. So James keeps trying to fake his way around, gets the briefcase. Devil wants to know what you're, what Gorbelly's up to. And he's like, we don't know what Gorbelly's up to. Well, you're going to find out. You're going to tell him. And no, no. Why? We. No, we're, we're just here. We're just here. We're just here. We know what we know who you are. Ibex. I mean, kind of. We have a general idea. We don't know specifically. You're some sort of 1900s power player, or some robber bear, or something. We're on to you almost. Devil's gonna get you. We're gonna bring you in for questioning. I'm gonna bring you in. And then I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna poke you. I'm gonna poke you good. Well, well. Yeah, but you, how do you, how do you get find out? You're going to, you're going to get me. You're a little two and a half. That's right. That's right. You punk. I'm going to get you. I might be a little devil, but they don't put little devils in zone three of hell for nothing. Been poking gluttons like you my whole life. That's been a long time. All right. Ever since, well, let's not get into it. I'm going to get you and I'm going to go get your little buddy, your fat buddy. His round cheeks. You ran down my friend Bernie, you son of a mother. Uh, James is trying to fake him out. He's like, well, you can't. If you take me back, you'll never know what's going on with Gorbelly because we don't know Gorbelly's plans. So you got nothing, man. You got nothing. I'm holding all the cards. I'm holding the pitchfork and the Biden. All right. And who's this? I saw you looking at this lady earlier. Huh? So, uh, how about this? And then the devil jumps back on her. No, you leave her alone. He's like, ah, and he's like doing perverted devil stuff, like licking her elbow and looking her over. And he's got that devil face with the little devil beard. He's like, ah, 
I like I like her. You like her? You you need to leave her alone. Meanwhile, James slowly trying to work his way back towards the towards the uh, towards the briefcase, and the devil's like, ah, all right, now we got a bargain to strike. I'm gonna take her. I'm gonna open up a little rift to hell in her ear hole. So he takes his devil stick and. The, the back end of it, he does a little circle, like puts in her ear like an ear cleaner, and all of a sudden you hear flames coming out her ear. It's like, I'm going to crawl in here and pull her, pull her back into hell. And the uh, hand comes out, and he's poking the hand. Ah, damn, I opened in the wrong place. But anyway, I'm going to pull her in, and we'll just wait for you now for all the answers, buddy. So I'm going to, and he puts his legs in the hole. And then he's like, see, like, and he's holding on to the inside of her. It's a really disturbing thing. Like, like it's her normal ear hole, but he's crawling through it like it's rubber and it's going to another dimension. And then right then James grabs the horn of Jethro and the devil's about halfway through. And he's like, so like, yeah, I'm going to get her. I'm going to take her. And James reaches the horn of Jericho, grabs it, blasts it, sends a super powered signal. The front half of the devil just vaporizes and explodes into a little dust. And James dives, grabs the devil's pitchfork out of its hand as it's vaporizing, throws it back in the basket. And meanwhile, Miss Bessos is still there, kind of in this catatonic state. James packs up back up his briefcase. He notices that the you could see the rift of hell in her ear, but it's at least it's like healed a little bit so that you have to look like right in her ear and you got to kind of stand in your tippy toes. But if you do, you can see right into hell. And right now it's just like swirling flames. And if you put your ear to it, you can hear like little souls going, eh, you know, souls in hell, hell sounds. Other than that, James is like, okay, it's probably not good, but we're going to keep an eye on that one. And then he just grabs her. He's like, hey, 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 Miss Bessos, Miss Bessos, Miss Bessos. He pats her back, pats her back. And then she's like, whoa, whoa. What? What happened? What happened? And he just starts shaking her hand. And she's like, oh, okay. Whoa, I'm sorry. I'm, I was overcome there. I'm not feeling so well. He goes, well, what? so you seem like you liked everything I proposed. And you said, we're going to meet with uh, Jeffrey, as you said. So uh seems like you're the one in control of the situation. You know, I trust your judgment on all these issues as you brought them up. I will definitely let you take the lead. I understand the changes you want us to make, and we're all for it. Let me just go meet with my partners, and we can move forward on this issue. And man, I'm really impressed with, I'm really impressed with you. And I'm sorry if I seem like I was taking things lightly. I, I wasn't. And I'd love to just spend more time with you. And purely, I'd love to just spend a little more time with you and getting to know. If, if you want to talk about the, anything off the record, but I understand this is a business situation. So feel free. You can't contact me on your time when we're not on Amazon time. This really seems like a bold, bold way to go when we're combining our ideas here. So and she's like, okay, okay, well just draw everything up in a proposal. You know, I'd like to have everything in writing before we go in to meet with Mr. Bessos. Get that to me by the uh, end this evening, if that's at all possible. And we'll go from there. And, and yeah, I'll think about, but I, I, I just need a minute. Of s- s- meetings drain me. So 
She shakes his hand and James leaves and he's kind of whistling Dixie and he goes down the elevator and he goes to leave and the security guard's like, oh, Mr. Ibex, one second. You know, I, got, I got a call from upstairs from Miss Bessels wants to speak to you. James picks up the phone and Miss Bessels, you know, uh, Cash, I, something happened to me in that meeting and, and, and I, I, I just need to talk. I'm not sure. Something doesn't feel right, and, and usually I'm I, I'm embarrassed. I'd rather not talk about it at work, but I, I'm not sure what happened to me. So if we could sit down and have coffee at some point and, and talk about it, you know, that'd be great. And James is like, well, yeah, sure, maybe we can meet at the uh, at the spot. Why don't you come by my hotel? I, I don't even have a car. I'd stolen Fred's car that time we ran into each other. But if we could have coffee and then decide maybe we could take a trip out to the Whale Rock or whatever you want to call it. Okay, James, I'll be in touch. So James goes down, calls a cab, and starts head back to the hotel, and he realizes maybe he should kill some more time. Meanwhile, back at the hotel, well, we don't need to go back to the hotel. So things look good for James. Maybe he's got some little romance. And then back at the hotel, oof, we've got a dual discovery. You've uh, internet porn for... R.W. Sears, and I'm not sure my, my analysis is, I'm not sure what exposure to porn he's even had. So, for someone that's never had an exposure to the internet, and to maybe not even DVD, I mean, definitely not DVD or VHS porn, this has got to be, maybe not even stag films, I'm not sure he was, what year he died. I'm gonna, so, who knows, I mean, his mind his brain is probably melting out of his ears. And then for Freddie Sprague, a person that had a fetish for plants to be watching hours and hours of home and home, home and gardening TV or whatever channel it's on. Ooh, buddy. I do not want to go in that hotel room. Uh, but they're gentlemen. So I'm sure they're keeping it above board. So that's where we're going to leave off tonight. Again, I apologize for screwing up the RSS feed, and I hope you get a good night's sleep. Thank you for listening. Tonight we have another episode of Get Bessos, the tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cashpenny's escape from purgatory and return to Earth in a quest for vengeance against Jeff Bessos, founder of Amazon.com, a fictional character who crumbled their retail empires. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, B-E-S-O-S, or on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. Hopefully, now that I fix the uh, RSS feed, that will be the case. On our last episode, James had just dealt with a little devil that had slipped out of his... Miss Piggy lunchbox. He must have scooped it up by accident in the in the gluttony slush, and the little devil had escaped from the lunchbox and was threatening him. And it actually opened up a rift to hell in Miss Bessos's ear and tried to pull her back to hell. But he had had the horn of Jethro and he blasted her. And then James seemed to try to smooth things out with uh, Miss Bessos, and he set up a date with her. And then he headed back to the hotel, and that's where we left off last week on Get Bessos. So when we pick up 
to tonight's episode. It's actually daytime, morning time, because James is just waking up and he spent the night in the uh, hell bus because he didn't want to return to the hotel room because he was afraid. Uh, he was afraid he, he wanted to give uh, R.W. and Freddie Sprague their privacy with their own, uh, with the titillation he had left them with. So about 7 in the morning, he gets ready to go to the hotel, and he comes in, and the concierge is like, Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Ibex, uh, I have a message for you from uh, Miss Bessos. Uh, she wants you to give her a call immediately. James like, can I use your phone? So he calls, and uh, they set up actually a coffee date, breakfast coffee date for about an hour from then. And then James goes up to the room and quietly lets himself into their hotel. It's kind of like a suite. And he, he opens the door, and when he, as soon as he opens the door, he sees Freddie Sprague, and Freddie Sprague is headed into the, the master bath and bathroom. Say, oh, hey, I'm just about to take a hop in the shower. Uh, your buddy there. He's asleep at the uh, the desk, and James looks over and he sees R.W. sleeping at the computer. And then Sprague goes in and closes the bathroom door. And James starts to tiptoe in the room, and he's pretty tired. He didn't sleep very good on the bus. And he's like, all right, I got to get in that bathroom when when uh, Freddie Sprague is done. And then R.W. kind of stirs, and James is like, James can't. Can't help but be curious at what's at the what the browser is open to, or and James, you know, James just had been learning about the internet one in between episodes, <laughs> so and so he tiptoes up to uh, RW and tries to wake the computer without waking RW. RW just he wakes it, he sees like uh, that it's open a Wikipedia's page, Jeff Jeff Bezos's page. And then I'd be so, oh, James, James. Hey, Richie, uh, how'd it go there? You uh, get sick of looking at the videos? Oh, yeah, yeah, I figured out the Sprague talk told me he'd been in, uh, in hell. They've been paying a lot of attention to this whole Google. And, and so, yeah, I did some research on uh, this business. A little more research. Sent him a couple more emails. Um... Not from Mr. Sear, though, from, uh, you know, whatever. So, yeah, wow, that, uh, I feel like a new man. And, uh, whew, I, I can't talk about the, uh, stuff on the videos with the women and the men and the, the, okay. Okay. Well, we don't need to talk about it, Richie. Uh, did you, do you feel better though? Oh, yeah. In some ways I feel better. In some ways I feel much worse. Well, that's, that's okay. Listen, I got a a thing with Miss Bissos later, and I wonder if you could hang around. Oh no, I'm not hanging around that Sprague clown. He is uh, he was just lying in bed, his hands under the covers, watching those shows, and every time they'd uh, they'd pot a plan or they'd re re uh, dealing with seedlings, and he would want to tell me everything that I'm trying, and I'm like, I, I, I try to turn up the the loudness and the ear things he gave me, and uh, oh god, I hate that clown. Well, he's in the shower now. I I gotta get in there. Um, uh, well, actually, you know, what, what does he need a shower for? Um, 
Barchua. I'll get him out of the hole. Hold on, buddy. Oh, you got to. So R.W. walks up, bangs on the pom, 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 pom on the bed. Hey, Spraggy. Spraggy, hurry it up in there. I got to see a man about a horse. Uh, and then the door opens a little bit. And, R, you know, R.W.'s. Spraggy. Hurry up. Spraggy. And no answer. R.W. pushing the showers around, and he's a, he's a Sprague, you better have not be having sex with any of You better, Sprague, I don't want to see any of your P's uh, Q's in here. Where? Oh. Hey, uh, James, James. Sprague is not in here. And he notices the uh, windows to the balcony. The bat, This is a strange, strange room with our, where the bathroom actually has a balcony. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, this it's Washington State. They do stuff different up there. And Sprague is gone. James comes around. He's, oh, no, no. And then Rich, oh, there he goes in the uh, the bus. He's driving the bus from hell. Oh, jeez. James, James like, shit, shit, shit. Oh, oh God. Okay, we got to figure out Rich. Okay, yeah, we got to figure out where he's going. Oh no! He's he's our bargaining, bargaining chip for Hal and Gorbelly Neal. Oh no! At night, oh. And then James is like shh, trying to figure out. Okay, okay. I I didn't tell you everything about Spraygay, but he's probably headed to some sort of botanical garden or, um. Oh oh, was it? Okay, we need to find the TV guide for last night. What's a TV guide, James? Oh, Richie, um, it's like a newspaper, it's like a tea, it's kind of like a Reader's Digest, but it has that whole week's tea, it's like a newspaper digest about everything that's on TV, and I don't even think they make them anymore. Um, you remember him talking about any shows that he was watching when he was giving you the, the minute by minute, oh, okay, yeah, he was talking about, uh, something about a coal mine, a strip mine, and giant pit that some queen or some some lady queen victoria or something made into a giant garden or something i don't okay and was and then the phone of the, ho, the hotel rings and james picks it up he's got hello oh hey miss bessos hey i was wondering about our uh, date today um you know there's any somebody was telling me about this uh strip mine that got made into a Oh, is Victoria Gardens? You think we could go there? Well, uh, one, okay, we'll, I'll be, we'll be right down. And he hangs up. He's like, come on, Richie, you gotta, we gotta go. So you run down to the lobby and Miss Bessos is there. And she's like, oh, Mr. Ibex, Mr. Sear, I wasn't expecting both of you. Oh, yes, I love you, Miss Bessos. Uh, I saw you in the hall. Uh, I'm Mr. Sear. Yes, uh. You could call me uh, R.W. if you prefer. He calls me Richie, but I don't know, you know. Oh, well, uh, Mr. Ibex and I were going to uh, listen, Miss Bessos. Um, Richie's got to come with us. It's kind of an emergency. Is that okay? Uh, yes, I would uh, love to join you. That uh, sounds uh, wonderful to this uh, garden. Oh, oh, um, oh. Okay. So they go out to uh, Miss Bessos' car and 
She's like, James, do you mind driving? I've got a, my ear is bothering me. I was thinking about going to the doctor later or something. I don't know. And he's like, yeah, sure, sure. So he gets in, drives, and R.W. hops him back. Miss Bessos gets, Miss Bessos gets shotgun, and they start driving. And uh, oh, so you're uh, here, here? You got uh, some ear trouble there, my lady? Yeah, yeah. It's this, she has cotton in her ear. It's her left ear. Uh, well, let me let me uh, have a look at what seems to be the uh, problem. I've been I've been hearing these uh, these noises like shh. Type noise, and then uh, a uh, like a bubbling, gurgling noise. Oh dear, that sounds uh, terrible. Okay, let me uh, take a look in here. Richie uh, leans up and looks in her. Oh goodness! Oh god! And then James has somehow forgotten about her ear. He's like, oh, oh, oh Richie, Richie, no, no, don't just leave her ear alone. I'm, Oh no! Oh my! Oh, what's the matter, Mister? Mister? Oh, call me R W. R W. Oh, what seems to? Oh no! I'm sorry, dear. You have an entire potato farm, and you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you got no. I can't, I can't see anything. Uh, let me take a look. Okay, you said uh, it was uh, like a sound, like a whoosh. Okay, let me. I'm gonna put ear to ear here, and uh, don't worry, it's nothing sexual. Uh, like the video I watched, I watched this video last night. It was called the ear to ear contact, and uh, it's gonna be nothing like that. So uh, okay, Is it, okay. Uh, I think I hold on. Um, yeah, is it like? Yeah, it does sound like that a little bit. Yeah, um, okay, let me see if I can get some gurgling here. He listens in. Yeah, here's like, yeah, here's something. Uh, let me see, uh, he tries to get a better look, and then uh, he gets a look, and he sees, he just gets the exact right angle where he can see the rift into hell, and he sees down there a couple of little devils probably giving him the finger or something, and he say, uh, he's like, oh, uh, Oh, your ear looks fine. Just put that cotton right back in, right, James? Uh, that ear looks a okay. Uh, oh, 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 thanks. It, just, it doesn't feel okay. well. No, no, I would not go to the doctor about that at all. Uh, just because uh, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, back in my day would kill you. But uh, you're young. You'll be fine, right, James? Oh yeah, Richie, Richie. So they start driving. So they're still driving, and uh, then. Miss Bessie, so how do you guys know each other? You seem like such old friends, and uh, I, I, I just get the sense you know you two have known. Oh, forever! Oh, we know each other so well. You know, I wish in uh, a whole nother life that uh, James and I could have been friends. But you know, sometimes it takes second or third chances to be friends. And you know, I'm James's best friend. He's my better friend, fifth or sixth, seventh, eighth. Fourth, he's a good friend of mine, this guy. And, um, well, so where did you guys meet? How do you guys know it? Well, we were in the same business, uh, similar businesses. So we crossed paths, but it was, uh, uh, it was an occasion where James and I had to, uh, we were put in a home, uh, put in a home, uh, uh, a home, like, uh, 
like um, a sanitarium kind of uh, similar to that. A sanit- like an insane asylum? Um, or like uh, uh, a place you go for a while till you go, you know, till you get a better place. A transition? Oh, like rehab. Oh, James. Yeah, reha- re- like a reha- rehabilitation, right? Rehabilitation, uh, very similar. Uh, uh, re- yeah, temporary. Oh, and yeah, it was one of those places where every day was the same. Oh, I've heard that. Uh, but it, good, good for you both. Uh, well, uh, it's not. Uh, we were there because of our uh, mistakes, you know. Uh, not perfect. Oh, I know, no, no, that's not what I'm. And. Uh, Every day, yeah, it was a tea and toast every single day. Tea and toast. Tea. And to- oh, I've never heard of that treatment before. Tea and toast, huh? Yeah, and they could, I couldn't get the newspaper. It'd be like a week or two old. And that was my thing, reading the newspaper. And then this guy comes in, comes into my, comes into the picture and shakes my world up. Uh, it was just me and the paper, my tea, my toast. All alone. And that was how I liked it till this guy showed up. Oh, and then you guys, that's when you became like fast friends. Thick as thieves, is it? Yeah, thick as thieves. Uh, th- he's about as thick as a thief for sure. Yeah, he came in, he started, uh, I'd be reading my paper. Having a little moment, he would come and want to, you know, chit-chat. At Pat, chew the fat, pass the breeze, whatever you want to call it, uh. And then he would kind of ask me, and I would read the news to him. Oh, James, can you not even read? Oh, no, he can read. Uh, he's no, uh, he just, uh, you know, we just, uh, and that was how every day went. And, uh, and then, um, we, uh, we got out. We left. Uh, did you leave, uh, you got out about the same time? Well, they have around. Oh, look, guys, we're here. We're here at the gardens. Uh, so they pull into the garden. Oh, look, there's a strange bus. Uh, that looks like a familiar bus. Let's park right next to that bus. Wow, I've never seen this. That must be a tourist bus or something. One of those strange tourist groups from. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you say you know this garden real well, huh? Yeah, well, well yeah, how about we uh, split up? Oh, James, I'd rather not split up. We could, uh, I'm just having trouble. I'm enjoying hearing you and RW and oh yeah, let's uh, let's keep chew- uh, 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 keep chewing the fat. Oh no, we're not going to keep chewing the fat. We're here for we got we we're in a hurry. What, what? No, we don't need to hurry, James. That's okay. My ear's going to be fine. No, uh, or do you need to get one of those? Do you guys have to go to a like a one of those meetings or something? Um, uh, can we be honest here, please, uh, people? Can we, James, can we come clean? Oh, yeah. You, do you guys need to come clean with me? Yeah. Um. Okay. One of, uh, uh, okay, I'll tell you. Like, um, one of our friends who just got, we just got, we just helped him out of somewhere. Some, somewhere like where you guys were? Somewhere much, much worse. Oh, God. Oh, so much worse. Yeah, so he was, and he kind of freaked out last night. He was staying with us, and he came here, and we need to find him, and we need to get him. We need, we need to help him because he he's just not well. Oh wow, this is so so. Like we're gonna we're gonna 
reach out and save him almost, huh? Oh, yeah, we need to save... What, what, what's the big... Oh, yeah, we need him for... Uh, we need him... Uh, um, well, he's he's an ex, he's the expert I was telling you about, and he's just not well, and he could be arrested, or there's actually people looking for him, dangerous people. Oh, wow, James... So brave. This is, is this like a, this is like a, a second. No, no, he's, we just need to find him. Okay. And, uh, I think the best way, well, you, you, have you been, oh, this is my favorite garden. I can just give you guys a killer tour, but I guess that's not in the cards. Well, okay. Where would, where are the potted plants? Where are the potted plants here? Well, there's no, this is, this is like a botanical garden. So, we don't, there's, there's no potted plant section. No, this is like natural. Well, re-naturalized because this used to be, well, oh wait, you know where there would be potted plants is the friends of the garden sale area. So, okay, we're, let's go there right now. So she's, they start walking there and James starts running ahead once he gets an idea and he runs down to the back side of the area, area where the friends of the garden sale is. And he goes running up, and there's an old woman there, you know, selling potted plants. He's like, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me. Oh, yes, young man. Oh, yes, what can I help? Did it, did, have you seen another man in a wool suit? He would have been really nervous, and and uh, he would have been looking to look at potted plants. or Oh, yes, they, like a, a pleasant young man. He was a, he did look very nervous. He he said that he was here for the plants of the he 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 said there's so many plants and he was he was I think he was on drugs like uh, the new legal weed or I don't know he was so like oh oh the plants and he was he was kind of singing oh so he was one of those I don't know he was is that what a hipster he had the wool suit but he was also a hip is that what a hipster is young man uh, uh miss so where did he go? Well, he he went. He asked um, he um, hmm, where did he go? I'm not. I mean, he could have gone back that way. That's where, like back in our. He asked uh, where the biggest plants we had were, and I pointed him. Okay. So James runs down the path, and he just sees Sprague going around a corner with a wheelbarrow full of potted plants, and he goes starts running to catch up with them. Right as he runs it, run to catch up with them. About a seven-foot walking tree steps into his path. James runs into the tree, falls down. The tree doesn't even notice because he ran into the back of the tree. And the tree is marching after Spray And then James seems down another path that uh, two more trees. So the two more trees are headed towards Spray from other directions. James dusts himself off, and then he hears R.W. and Miss Bessos coming. And, and, and he's like, he's not back. He's not this way. Then James is looking around, and then he grabs, he sees a shovel, he grabs a shovel, he runs up to the tree, hits it in the back of the trunk where its head would be, and of course, bong, the tree turns around and just smacks him across the face with some branches. And James gets level, and the tree starts marching towards Sprague. And then that's when Sprague notices that there's three trees converging on him. And he takes a right down another path at the wheelbarrow, and he's just running a couple plants are bouncing on you. Oh, no, my pretties, my pretties. And he sees the plants bouncing out. And then he sees these trees picking up and the trees are, these trees look angry. 
I mean, his trees are clearly out for revenge. They know who this guy is and what he's done. And James gets back up, and then he he sees that the trees, so he's trying to flank him. So he runs back down the path, and then R.W. and his best is like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, 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 you and Richie, wait right here, right? Wait, please just wait here for me. And then he turns around, and he gets the thing, and Sprague is coming right at him. And James sticks his foot out, and the wheelbarrow goes over his foot and dumps all the potted plants out. And Sprague, no, my plants, my plants. He's like, this is perfectly good. He's like, there's an old lady here. She'll, she'll come pick him up. Come on. These trees are going to get you. And he grabs him, and then the trees start running after him. The James, tur- James turns behind him. He sees two giant bushes rolling in behind him. So Sprague is totally surrounded, and James as an extension, is surrounded. and off, But off the side, James sees a, uh, a machete. He grabs the machete. He runs past one of the trees, up to Sprague. He grabs Sprague around his arms, and he holds the machete up, like, threatening. So he's, hold, he's holding the trees at bay with the machete. And then R.W. and Miss Bezos come running the, James, James! And Miss Bezos, what's, what's going on with these, what's going on with these trees? Is there some sort of storm? James, are you all right? Why are you threatening? One of the trees reaches out, digs its branches into Sprague's shoulder, and grabs him, and James takes a machete, push, chops it off, chops off the branch. And then he turns around. He's like, come on, come on. Who's next? Who wants another piece of them? Take it off. Come on. And he grabs Sprague. He backs one of the trees off, and he sees one of the bushes, and he goes to kick it. The bush rolls out of the way. And you go, get out of the way, get out of the way, before I bushwhack you, bush. I'm going to bushwhack you right to hell. And the bush gets out of his way. And then he goes out to R.W. He's got Sprague, and all the trees are still sitting there. And R.W. and Miss Bezos are there. And they're like, are you, James, are you, buddy, buddy, you okay? Yeah, oh, don't worry, Richie, I'm fine. Miss Bezos, where, where the, it looks like those, those trees attacked you. It's, it's this highly unusual. James looks at Miss Bessie. He goes, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Mr. Spray, Freddy, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. Thank you. And then James looks over at the, the trees and uh, he says, all right, I don't, what do you, what, I don't know who you guys work for. What do you guys want? And the trees, they don't speak. They just kind of look at him. Meanwhile, the tree that he, uh, that branch, he had hacked off the one tree. It's already growing back. So whatever process makes these trees animated, also makes them heal faster. And as James notices the branch uh, healing, he looks over at Miss Bessos' ear, and he's like, huh. He, he thinks, uh, and then he looks at Sprague, and he grabs Sprague by the back of the neck, and he goes, you guys, you guys want him? Is that what you're here for? You're not here for me, you're here for him? And the trees are as confused as three or four trees in a couple of bushes can look. They kind of, Look at each other and and uh, look at James. Look at James, and then they look back at Sprague, and they're like, "Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah." And they're nodding, nodding towards Sprague. Yeah, we're here for him. And James, like, oh, 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 you're here for him. Well, uh, we'll, we'll we'll be more than happy to turn him over. Sorry about that, Branch. I thought you were uh, after my friends and me here. This guy's. Uh, I could see why you want him. And the trees, you know, the tree that its arm got chopped off, kind of. Shrugs his shoulders, his, you know, trunk 
branch connectivity tissue or whatever you want to call it. Shoulders, we'll call it. Um, and Sprague is like, Joe, what are you doing, man? You can't turn me over to them. They're out for these. Do you see the look on their faces? They're out for vengeance. They're going to torture me. <laughs> torture you worse than uh, you were being tortured. Well, well, it's different now because I've, for, I've already forgotten. Uh, you remember I had a fe- we had a feather bed back at the room and in that home and garden. I was hoping to watch a little home more home and garden. Garden garden grouches are on. And you know they have this like a uh, this talking gnome on there. I think he's a is an advertisement for something, but he he, uh, he makes these little comments that you know at the between right as it goes to uh, commercials that R W is telling me the so it goes uh, you know uh uh, well, that's a garden grouch if I ever seen one. <laughs> so you can't, please don't turn me to these. All right, well, well, Fred, Sprague, Sprague, be quiet. Enough about your gnomes and your garden grouches. Garden grouches premiering this fall on uh, home and gardening television. James, James is kind of, he's like, oh, you, if you guys want him, who, who's in charge here? Who's in charge? And the tree's kind of. The bushes look at each other, and then they kind of nod off into the distance. And James, like, well, let me talk to whoever's in charge. I'll, I'll be more than happy to turn this guy over to whoever your boss is. And uh, the trees kind of nod to follow them, and and they lumber off. And somehow they've managed, you know, this friend of the gardens area. They were managed to stay unseen, especially since they were. Surrounded by trees, somehow the old the old woman they walk by her desk and she's sound asleep and the trees are tiptoeing and the bushes are rolling and then stopping. So you know, but yeah, they they aren't alerted to any normal humans. Eventually, they get to this real thick bush wall hedge combo, which is a wall bush hedge. It's actually not a, you know a wall of hedge, hedge wall, I guess. Is a more traditional way to refer to it. And it opens, and then they go through, and they go into this cave. It's more of a chasm because it's lit by sunlight. And there's different lichen and moss, and and it's very lush. And they go back into the cave, and they follow the bushes and the trees. And Miss Baseless is obviously, like, in a little bit of shock. I think of uh, Martha Plimpton. Oh, no, I guess it was Andy. Who was played by? You know, do you guys get the news that Goonies Two is coming out? And they came. I think that news broke after April Fool's Day. So I'm interested to see one of my all-time favorite movies. If you're a Goonies fan, I know I'm breaking story here, but much you know, she's freaking out. Well, she's muttering to herself like Andy and Goonies. R.W.'s comforting her, and James is just trying to keep an eye on Sprague and these trees. And finally, they reach this open area. In the chasm, light streaming down, and in the center of a circle of forest animals and plants and everything. They also, it seems like it's story time because they're all kind of gathered around and snuggled up as a, a kindly woman, right out of the book of kindly women, matronly. She could be a uh, the head of a matron line or even a pod. Or even, I think there even might be a larger group of orca whales, like gangs. I'm not, I'm not being facetious either. Uh, a synonym for gangs, I think. Clans, maybe? I think there may be clans with a C of, uh, but anyway, she's, she's, she's kind of telling a story to, uh, 
to everyone in the show. Oh, look here, we have some more friends. Oh, some trees and some bushes. And did you bring a present for Mother? And then they part, and she says, Oh, you brought me more than... You're only supposed to bring me one specific present, one bad, bad man. Who are these other folks? And uh, James steps forward and says, Oh, well, who are you, ma'am? Pardon me, you look so regal. I would bow on my knee, but I'm not one to bow down to strange matronly women. But you look like a leader of some sort. So pardon me, like, that we had to defend ourselves against trees that came to assault our friend here. Well, you, you pick strange friends, Mr. Penny. Oh, you know who we are. Yes, I know you helped this Mr. Sprague out of hell. And we were decided to co-opt him for my purposes. And now you seem to be getting in my way, so have a seat. I'm going to tell you about the story of the... One, two... Well, I don't know. Who are you, ma'am? Oh, Miss Bessos. Miss Bessos here. Nice to meet you. Who, who are you? Well, I'm going to talk about it in a metaphor right now. Ah, sit down, children. I'm going to tell you the tale of a young woman named Miss Bezos and her three friends from other worlds who dared defy Mother Nature. It's quite a quite a harrowing tale, and I'm going to tell it to you uh, slowly and and and, I, and well, actually, so you're Mother Nature. What I'm about to tell a tale. Well, you know, what, what do you want with Sprague? He's a uh, okay. Well, uh, what, and they just start to bicker back and forth, and it gets quite dull. So we're going to stop it here tonight with that. That our gang of four right now is running to Mother Nature, and she looks a little bit ticked off. She looks like she's going to tell a story or allegory or something. So we'll be back real soon, Tuesday night the rest of our story tonight we have another episode of get vessels the tale of richard warren sears and james cash penny's escape from purgatory and return to earth in a quest for vengeance against jeff Bissos, the founder of amazon.com they feel crumbled their retail empires Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S. You can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. When we last left off, James, R.W., Miss Besos, and Freddie Sprague were in a giant garden outside of Seattle. I just had a run-in with Mother Nature, and she was kind of trying to speak in allegories, and James was interrupting her. But things did not look good, because it looked like not only are they out for vengeance against Jeff Bezos, but it looked like Mother Nature was out for vengeance against Freddie Sprague. And now, another episode of Get Bezos. As we pick up tonight's episode... Mother Nature is just finishing up her allegory, her story. I don't know why I keep, I like using the word allegory. Probably because I don't know what it means. I think it's similar to a parable or a metaphor. But 
Probably not the best way to kick off an episode. But Mother Nature's just fishing. Mother Nature's just finishing her story. And we missed a story because Mother Nature doesn't tell stories like I do. I'm not trying to be a hater. But the way she tells stories and the way I tell stories are two different things. So if she finishes up her story, maybe I'll share it with you another time. Everybody looks a little bit stumped. James, R.W., Miss Bezos, Freddie Sprague, they're looking kind of back and forth at each other like, huh. And as she closes her story, and that's my tale, and if the four of you understand it, you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do, and not all of you will have to suffer an eternal damnation. But I hope for the best for you. And since James has kind of been taking the lead, he goes to stand up in the dark. Oh, no, no, buddy. I got this. I got this. Okay, ma'am. I think I I get uh, where you're going with this thing, okay? I mean, you had a lot going on there, but uh, if I'm to understand... Kind of felt like more than, okay, so we had the whole Beatles, the Dung Beatles. And because they teamed up with the bear, I'm taking it like I'm the bear. And what we need to do is, uh, hmm, okay, take, uh, because we found the way to help the Dung, we would roll it. Um, what we could do is, um, this guy here, this uh, Spraygay, he's okay. He's got problems. We got it. He's done a, but he's done some harm. I don't. I'm, I'm still. Richie was trying to explain it to me, whispering while you were talking. Oh, so you weren't? No, no, no. About uh, why you're so mad? Because I didn't even know that he was, you know, um, uh, what do they call it? canoodling? Uh, so I, I think I get where you're getting at with. So, because the, uh, the earthworm part, I didn't get, okay? But, oh, wait a minute. But what I think is that uh, you're trying to say, because I need this guy, lady. I'll be honest with you. Um, he's kind of like a bargaining chip. I could give a crap about him. You you have no idea how annoying he is. He was a, oh, I'm a guard. Like, he wanted to... But he was like, uh, let's do our episode of Guard Grouch here on the bed. I'm like, whoa, whoa buddy, I'm, uh, I don't get in bed with, uh, I mean, I've slept with James before, but there's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't get in bed with strange men. Oh, okay, wait up, back to your story, Mother Nature. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I need him and you need us, the dung beetles. So what I could do, I think, is, uh, I can give you somebody else after I'm done with them. A man. Because I think what you're saying is that consumerism, unchecked results. And I mean, I can see why you say I'm guilty, you know. My stores, craftsmen, maybe. Craftsmen. We made good tools to make gardens grow. I don't... Okay, Mr. Uh, Sears has Mother Nature. I've got a... St- it's Mr. Sears, isn't it? Uh, Miss Bessus, you you will get to you. Um, you you did not grab. Were you even listening to my story? Because that sounds a little bit like that Pixar movie, mixed up with. 
a video game on like Nintendo 64 or something. What, what, uh, what, what, uh, was that? Picks what? Okay. Um, oh dear. Well, if you guys, maybe we'll just have to execute. Well, we can only execute Miss Bezos. Okay, okay. I think I, could I, could I take my take on it? Because I think I'm terribly frightened. I've, I was just, uh, whew, I'm, I'm terribly frightened and, I've never seen plants come to life, and, I mean, I read The Secret Garden when I was a young woman, and, was it The Secret Garden or The Garden's Nim? But, you know, I'm, I'm frightened. I was just with these men, and, and if you're, what you're saying is correct, and let me, let me say this. You need me to, I am the ant queen, and I need to be, impregnated with James's child, and you, when you said Rimpelstiltskine, that's Rimpelstiltskin, I believe, you're just using code, so you're going to take our baby, and, and then you'll raise the babies your own, and then that sacrifice will save humanity, which I'm willing, I'm willing to do, I think, and, and, but you're saying that James is anything copulated with James is due, doomed at the same time, which I, and and then the whole thing with the crows blocking out the sun, and win, winter is coming. You said right, and and says something about Valgai Maraga, and I did not get any of that part either. Um, okay, you people. What kind of pop culture? I mean, I'm Mother Nature, people, and I'm sitting up here talking to the four of you, and so far, I don't, I tried to use, I tried to use popular themes in my, my stories. Look at all the animals and I, we're, it's, uh, we know we're getting ready for our shows, we watch our programs, and I let the animals, we, we have solar power. I don't, I'm not a, a lot of people like to say, oh, Mother Nature's a Luddite, and but I'm trying to, you know, use the people's talk, and you're not getting it. So, no, that's not it, Miss Bessels. Please sit. Okay, Miss Bessels and me, James. James Cashpenny. I, I I, can't say I totally understand what you're getting at, but I think a lot of it is about sacrifice and, and making the wrong sacrifice. Or why do we set? Like, it's like, oh, we have to sacrifice what we want for what's the good of the greater good. That's being the great greatest. And, and is that because you were saying the better bestest and stuff like that? I don't know that. Was that like pop culture or I recognize one ring? Well, you were using as you weren't using a ring. You said a one, one something and talking about balance and sacrifice and balance. So I got that part, I think. And but you know, you never had said anything about working together, and that's what I'd like to talk to you about, Mother. Oh, oh, thank you for calling me Mother, M- Miss Nature, ma'am. Um, well, I, I, I got, I got to change the subject. You see, uh, Miss Bessels here. You know, I chopped off that tree's arm, and it grew back mighty fast. And I know that you know we don't have. You said something about adamantium, and that. 
Is that like a platinum in that man you said with the adamantium skeleton, but the only way the government could fuse it on his bones? That's terrible. Are you sure that was on Earth and not in hell? Because we didn't, we only got to the third zone of hell. I mean, I could see that kind of thing going on, but they were doing it. But anyway, I know we can't heal like that wolf man you were talking about. And that was just a story, but this young woman here, she has an infection in her ear. And it needs to be healed because it's a festering infection. And if you could take a look at it, I could I could sacrifice for you. If, if you can heal that wound, I can help you heal the greater wound that is the impact that I've had. I, I know I wasn't in just a re- relentless pursuit of greed. I was in a relentless pursuit of affordable clothing that was fashionable and home products that and houseware that was both for the upwardly mobile growing middle class at the time. And I know that those days are behind us, if that's what you're saying, when the uh, the fish eat the fishermen, that part of your story. That was confusing. But is that, if that's what you... So could you just take a look at her ear and then I will honestly, I'll do whatever I can to help you. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just, I, I, I can look at her ear, but I just don't understand. I couldn't have been more clear. I feel like my story and none of you seem to be getting it. And, and rabbits and the rabbits just nod and so trees, bushes. What do you think? Birds and some birds tweet, 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 tweet. You're supposed to have these developed mammalian brains. And I'm trying to use all these things that you recognize, but I guess, I guess I'm just dating myself because I live here among the earth. You could call me Mother Earth as well. That could be another term for me, but I live here on earth and you too. You know, Miss Bessels, before I get to your ear, I'll just tell you a story that's called truth. It's a little tale called reality. These two men are James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears, and they were in purgatory for reasons. Their files are sealed. I, I'm sure they live just a, a balanced life, a little bit unbalanced. I don't know. But, yeah, they come from purgatory. So with your whole impregnation thing, that's not going to happen because I don't even know what kind of corporal bodies. They look normal, but I don't think they are. And this other guy here, he was in hell. Freddie Sprague is his name. Boffing potted plants is his game. And, 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 you know, you just think, oh, he's just uh, doing that. And that's just, uh, we could excuse it even if, even if it was thousands and thousands of plants. The thing was, you would, uh, Mr. Sprague, you, you know, leaves come off when you're grabbing things. And holes are left and infections. And your hands aren't always clean. So you can't just do what you want and think, oh, there's no impact, even if a tree can't scream. Tree, trees have feelings, you know. Those kind of strange acts aren't okay. Just because a tree, if a tree is pediddled by you in the forest, just because it doesn't scream doesn't mean it's not screaming. Just because you can't hear it. Okay, can you not, uh, this is Mr. Penny again, can you not go on? Could you just take a look at her ear? I mean... 
What do you need to restore the balance? I need, I need souls, James. And I need a way. People like you, no offense, and Mr. Sears over here, you're part of the problem. And, and I don't want to have to cause a thing and get rid of all the people here. But that's where we're going. This isn't, you know, all those people say sustainability. Those are people I don't even really like that much. Oh, we've got to do this. We've got to help Mother Nature. They're a bit of uh, hypocrites, to use your term. But I, I like people. They're interesting. I mean, what, what would I do without my shows and my my programs on Sunday nights and, and other nights? And, and the rabbits and I. And where would I get my wonderful tales that I can tell you? I didn't even get to any of the thing with the man with his house and the balloons. I was going to use that to bring home another point, but... Or... You know, what if the dead rise up and, and chase you? What would you do then? That was, I was going to tie that one in with hell because I think that show, that show's called The Walking Dead. Obviously, you're looking at me. Miss Pestles, you don't watch The Walking Dead. You, when you went to hell and Mr. Mr. Sprague, you should be, it's funny. This whole thing is just because abandon all hope ye who enter here, right? And that, that should have been for you, but, and you didn't have any hope. No. I've lost all hope, my dear. Yeah, so you are being attacked by plants for eternity, which, okay, doesn't make any sense to me either, people. I'm here on Earth. This is my zone of influence. Sphere. <laughs> Ooh, sphere of influence. Oh, oh but, uh, oh, and so The Walking Dead, it's like, are the, the characters can't abandon hope, right? Is that what, or, 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 or what do you do with hope? Oh, um, could you just look at her ear? Okay, bring her over your ear here first, honey. Oh, no, you know what? I'm not going to look at it till one of you makes sense of my story. Um, Mother Nature, it's me, uh, Freddie Sprague. I'd like to, I'd like to take a, a little knock, knock at your story. Um, with another story. It's about a, a garden grouch. Her name was Mithra Natura. She was a, she was a beautiful woman, and she had uh, 40 children, Mitra and Nura. And uh, she had a big problem on her hands. That, that many kids, and they would be out in the garden making a giant mess. And and there was this one boy, Frederico, and he would, every day, he was the youngest in the he was the rut of the litter, they'd say. You know, this woman, she also had other things on her mind other than her 40 children. And the garden grouches came to try to help make it nice. And they, then they were going to make a, a playground, a natural playground for the children, but also teach the children to love, teach them well, that they could live by or something. And But Frederico, he was always down. And when he was so sad, he'd run out into the garden. And the other children, they didn't like to go outside very much. Frederico would lie in the grass and cry, and he'd feel it on his cheek so soft. Or then some of the, some of the other boys would throw rocks at him while he was lying in the grass, and it would hurt. And then he'd run into the, the trees to hide, and he'd put his head on the dirt inside a potted plant, and the leaves would be on his cheeks or... He was really hiding because they were going to hurt him more. 
he would cry and his tears would fall on the, the leaves of the plants. And, and he was like, he used to fantasize that he was helping the plants grow and that they were keeping him safe. And, and after that, the feeling of branches and stuff on his cheeks, they just helped Frederick go get through the day. And Frederico had this mind that helped him in school do very well, but he didn't do well with people or teachers, and they always said, why do you go to the bathroom, Frederico, inside your pants? What is wrong with you? Why, what Stuff like that. And Frederico would rub his a good spider plant, just a little rub on his Frederico's cheek. Then the teacher would smack him or pinch him, you know, or send him away. And, and his mother said he was a piece of dirt and threw him in the garbage, metaphorically, of course. And Frederico never got over that, despite having a mind that could fix things and see how things worked. Frederico always dreamed of understanding how Mother Nature worked and, and that it was so much more than just mechanical, that it was a magic beyond, and that's always where I've gathered my inspiration from. So I was thinking with your story that uh, you would make a wonderful TV star, like Garden Grouch. So Garden Grouch, they made a garden and a playground, and the kids loved it, and and the mother of 40 children was happy because her children could be a play. And then her life was restored to balance, and she was able to get to the work that she needed to do, which was uh, balancing books. She was an accountant. She had to keep those books right in balance. And I, I thought, uh, what a wonderful lesson. What a wonderful lesson you could teach us, ma'am, if you could appear on camera and we could get a show going on the home and garden television. We could call something like Mother Nature's Natural New, I don't know. We could, you could be the star of the show and we could introduce people to solutions to restore the balance. And I'm not talking about recycling or other nonsense I've been come aware of in the past couple of days. Or at the same time, we could do that. And then I could also help these young men and I could talk to the, the man they're looking for and see, maybe he could buy, maybe his pursuit of wealth, similar to these two men, is, uh, what, what, what's behind that? What, what do they really want, you know? Like you said, with the, uh, was that, that was Fozzie Bear. I recognized that one because he was on this commercial yesterday. He was talking about, uh, what happens when you pour stuff down your drain. That's bad. So I recognize that part of you. What you're saying in your story. And what if we got this Mr. Bessos character and he undid some of this damage and maybe he could make the, re rebuild the world's transit systems, especially here in the U.S. of A. And take people off the roads and, and, and put them in each other's hearts. Oh, 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 Mr. Sprague. I get. I understand your stories as well. And yes, you have suffered for your crimes, and maybe you suffered before whatever went wrong with you did when you were a child, Frederico. And that's a sad tale. I wish I could have been there to comfort you, but I have a lot more on my mind than just 
little Frederico, and I'm sorry that you still had free will, even though it might have been a chemical imbalance with this trauma and it was untreated and then repressed and then you suddenly fell in love with plants or whatever it was or found them titillating. That's uh, beyond me, Frederico. In this show, I like that idea, but then I would have who would play me because I couldn't play myself because I, I've... Uh, but what I can do is, miss, uh, Mother Nature, I'm sorry, but what I can do is offer to help you in, in exchange for not only the mistakes I've made, but for the mistakes of all people have made. And if I can help you, then you can use my life force. And if I can't help you, you could maybe you could use me as a bargaining chip, Mother Nature. That's what these guys are using me for, with either the devil or... or um, with the devil or with uh, this Hans Zimmer Gorbelly fellow or whatever, Mother Nature. You could return me to hell if, if you can get more of what you need. Or maybe this this other fellow or, or maybe Mr. Bessos. Would I, I'd give my, oh, well, this is, this is quite unexpected. Someone did understand my story, just not in the way I expected. And, okay, Mother Nature's Mr. Penny, could you take a look at her ear now before we get a, and all of a sudden, uh, a ringtone rings out. Or something, you know. Something. And it's Miss Bessos's, and she grabs her phone, and she says, Hello, Miss Bessos here. Oh, hello, Jeffrey. What do you, what do you mean you're, uh, you're, you're meeting us at the gardens? Oh, your, your chopper's landing in the park? Oh, oh, then they hear thump, 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 Oh, okay. Oh, well, 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 you want to meet at the uh, ice cream stand, do you? Oh, oh, okay, Jeffrey. Oh, okay, goodbye. She, she goes, uh, um, Jeffrey's here. He uh, wants to meet at the ice cream stand. Well, I'm quite glad uh, you understand kind of what I'm getting at, and that's wonderful, Mr. Sprague, and that's quite possible. Let me just take a look at her ear, okay, James, for you. So she, Mother Nature pulls the cotton out of Miss Bess's ear and she, uh, does the old, oh, it looks like you're growing some potatoes in here joke. And then no one laughs except for the, the birds and the rabbits. Kind of tick, 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 tick. And then she's like, oh, this is strange. There's some sort of, uh, oh, no. This is some sort of, and all of a sudden, boom, her arm gets pulled in, and then she's pulled in halfway, and she's kind of stuck in the air because Mother Nature's a little bit plump, and, and a couple of the trees grab her legs, and someone, obviously, from hell's pulling Mother Nature. She's halfway in, halfway out. So someone in hell's pulling on her one end, and the trees are pulling her on one end. Anytime, like, 51% of her body gets pulled into hell, like the sky turns black and thunder starts running and around the world. You just feel, you know, chaos descending on the earth. But just for a split second, because then she gets pulled back. And I think it's happening so fast, like microseconds, that regular humans aren't aware of it. Somehow in this grove, it kind of happens in slow motion. So we're more aware of it. But, you know, it's like a blizzard. And then, boom, it's right, right back to sunshine, if you were in sunshine. But a microsecond, almost like a like a glitch, I guess. 
but not good. You know, if she gets pulled all the way into hell, it's probably going to be total chaos on Earth. So, so then uh, she's pulling, the trees are pulling. It's kind of like um, standstill. It's a, we got to stand still. And Miss Basilis is kind of screaming because, well, it's it's painful. It's also just strange to have something. I mean, your ear, that area around there. It's you know, have you ever? Well, obviously, if you've got an ear infection, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you, like, ever, like, for some reason, I think as a kid, I just would press too hard on the, behind my earlobe, that soft spot, and then you get incredible pain back there. Or maybe I got ear infections, I don't know. But don't do that. Don't take, don't start pressing behind your earlobe But that. Let's see. Can you hear me? Oh, God. I got headphones on, but I'm getting in there. And yeah, oh, that's, you know, even just touching it. So probably if you're sleeping, oh, now it still hurts. Not even press that hard. So don't take my take my advice and don't listen to me. So she's getting pulled back and forth. Miss Bessel's head kind of going back and forth. And then all of a sudden you hear this, stop, stop. And there's like this giant dude, lumberjack looking dude, about six foot six. Straight out of like a brawny, right off the brownie paper towel thing, kind of. A uh, little less, a little less corporate, a little less trademarked and um, registered trademark. But he, instead of a red plaid shirt, this guy's got a blue plaid shirt on. Instead of uh, a beard with uh, blue or green eyes or brown eyes, this guy's got uh, sparkling gray eyes. And. Instead of a fashionable-ish haircut, this guy's got a buzz cut with a beard. But he's pretty brawny. But not the corporation brawny, the uh, adjective or adverb, whatever brawny is. Instead of, I'm being brawny. Could be a verb, I guess. I'm brawning. I'm filled with, I have brawn. Okay, let's get back to the story, right? Okay. So, she's getting pulled in the sky this big dude standing stop hold hold her hold on and uh, he pulls out a uh, lumberjack saw two-handed saw and he goes up to her he's like I'll, I'll cut her in half and then earth can keep half and hell can keep half and earth stares at her and i'm assuming even the people in hell if they could hear it were staring at her so oh, i'm kidding ha <laughs> ha i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding and James said, "Lumberjack, what are you? What? what why? What are you doing? We're, we're trying. We're in the middle of something, buddy. I don't know. Do you have a performance later? Are you part of the buskers of the? Ah, uh, oh, Mister Penny, it's been ages. Been looking forward to this. R.W. About that uh, George Packer article on our little friend, ah, Miss Bessos, Angela, Angela Bessos. Very pleased to meet you." I introduce myself. This is my current form. My name is Hans Zimmer Gorbelli. Uh, Gorbelli? What the heck? You're not a lumberjack. You're like a... Uh, I'm a lumberjack right now, James. You see, you came back as yourself, and R.W. came back as his self, but I... I have bigger plans. Now, Mr. Bessel's helicopter has already landed, and... He isn't even waiting for you to get ice cream. He's having a chocolate vanilla twist with rainbow sprinkles, which is strange. I would have chocolate sprinkles myself, but he's having his ice cream and eating it too. And you seem to have a little pickle on your hands, trees. If 
Mother Nature's pulled to hell. Everything here will go... Well, it won't go to hell. It'll go to heck in a handbasket. And uh, without Mother Nature here to keep the balance, the balance will be off tilted and we'll all be fucked. So we could have her pulled into hell or we could pull her out of hell, but when we pull her out of hell, who knows what's holding onto her hands and what we'll pull into this world throwing it out of balance. So we're all in a bit of a mess now because you all couldn't listen, could you, James? Could you, R.W.? Now, I'd like to say run along and go uh, meet up with Mr. Bessos, but what are you going to do when she's got a Mother Nature sticking out of half her ear and we're trying to hold her from being pulled into hell and trying to pull her back out at the same time? I would say you folks need my help, whether you like it or not. And we're way beyond favors now because you have trouble listening, taking Mr. Sprague and keeping him. And that hell bus, I already put that in impound. Got it. So we'll be offering that to Mr. Bezos, James. I don't know what plans you're trying to cook up. But you're all in big effing trouble with me. So, listen up. And this is where we'll stop it this week, and we'll be back next week to find out what happens to Mother Nature and everybody else. Thank you, Bezos. Welcome back to another episode of Get Bessos, the tale of James Cash Penny and Richard Warren Sears' escape from purgatory and return to Earth in search of vengeance against Jeff Bessos, founder of Amazon.com, the man who destroyed their retail legacy, in their humble opinion. And this is purely a fictional podcast based on historical fiction. It's a work of fiction of history. Thank you. This is your first time listening to Get Bessos. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbessos, G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S, or on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you consume your podcasts. When we last left off, guys had met up with Mother Nature. She'd given a long, boring speech, and then James had talked her into healing the rift to hell, and Miss Bessos is here, but somehow... She had got pulled through the rift, and she was stuck halfway between earth and hell, inside Miss Pesos's ear. And then, suddenly, Hans Emmerich Gorbelli, in disguise or in corporal form of a, a lumberjack, brawny-style lumberjack, showed up. That's where we pick up on another episode of Get Pesos! we pick up our this week's story, we're right where we left off last story, which is that Mother Nature is about 51% not, like maybe from her belly button to the soles of her feet is out of Miss Bessos's ear, and the rest of her is in Miss Bessos's ear, presumably not inside her actual head, because that would be impossible, but in hell, and... She's got two trees holding on to her ankles trying to pull her out and some some creatures or something in hell pulling her in. And this has been going on before we caught up a little while and they've noticed that they're kind of at a standstill. And R.W. is watching the trees in the bushes and a couple more trees have gathered around and they're, they're all looking sternly and the 
rabbits and more forest friends are coming. And R.W. starts noticing that they're kind of making threatening, uh, like the rabbits are choking, pretending to choke each other and then eat one of them and then then pointing at R.W. And then the bush is pointing at, then the trees are smashing the bushes and then pointing at Miss Bessos and Spraygay and, you know, the ant, and R.W.'s like, I don't think the plants are happy. Then James is like, all right, all right, everybody calm down. Yeah, the plants, okay, everybody plants, rabbits, deer, forest friends. Can I just call you all forest friends? That seems like a very inclusive term. I mean, unless any of you are forest enemies, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I guess we are the forest enemies. Everyone just calm down. James Cash, I'm I'm just really scared. I know, Miss Basil. Is your real name Angela? Because someone he called you Angela. It is, but I'm just I have this. I'm I'm scared. Okay, calm down. Okay, but sweetie, I'll hold your hand here. Yeah, let me just rub your back. Okay, it's fine. You you only have a rift of hell in your ear, and this woman, who is probably a demigod, partially in your ear. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, sweetie. Okay, calm. Oh, thank you. I'm just, we're in a bit of trouble here. Uh, Gorbelly, you just show up here when you're lumberjack gear. I, oof, what are we going to do? Because do any animals, does anyone other than Mother Nature speak English? Other than this pantomiming going on about beating us? No. Okay. Mother Nature, can you wiggle your legs if you can hear us? Ah, oh, buddy, um, I remember how it's pretty loud down there. Yeah, this would be Freddy Spraygay. Yeah, yeah. Remember, it was like all that gurgling and the screaming and the moaning. It's it's terribly loud and it hurts your ears. So, okay. Well, she didn't kick her leg. Thanks. I was waiting for Mother Nature, guys, but she didn't kick her legs. Whew. Okay. So what we can tell, Gorbelly, you're like, Gorbelly, you're on my fucking shit list. Like this whole mess. Okay, calm down, James. As far as we could tell, if we pull, we just got to pull her out, right? Oh, no, 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 James. This is Mr. Gorbelly here. Um, In my non-lumberjack, this is my real voice. Uh, no, if you pull her out, you cannot tell what in hell. You will basically be reopening a rift to hell. You know, no, whatever creature's pulling on her will be brought back with her. And there are some creatures, you know, it could be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse... It could, you, even Cerebus could alter human history permanently if you release him on Earth. So you can't pull her back out. And it could cause a hell cave-in. Like, there could be a whole build-up of creatures down there. And, uh, uh, yeah, so you can't pull her. Okay, and if she gets pulled in, what's as far as I could tell, there's going to be apocalyptic weather. So you guys are in quite a pickle here. Uh, I I would have I wish you would have given me a call and not ignored me and been running around like naughty boys you two, stealing my hell bus. You know I left I took my care of the bargain I left the horn of Jethro for you, and then you guys steal the hell bus you steal Freddy Spraygay. I mean I need this guy for stuff I got going, and the bus I need that too. Hey buddy, you do not sound like a lumberjack with that friggin' talking you're doing. And, uh, 
Well, it's confused. Okay, well, I cannot help the way I talk, because if I don't talk like this, I might talk like you or James, and it'd be very confusing for everyone, okay? So this is how I talk. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah, because I, I mean, I talk like I talk because I'm a man. Okay, well, it's not about you, okay? This is doomsday scenario. Now, nah, everybody... Okay, this reminds me of a bad time in my life that I'm going to talk to you about a little bit extensively because as long as we keep her, it looks like about that belly button level. Don't let her go. Is that a belt is made of living uh, flowers? Uh, those flowers, look. if you look real close, they're smiling. Kind of like, uh, okay, Gorbelli, get to the point. Okay, now many of you know the history of Gorbelli Corporation, right? When Hans in my belly, remember when uh, you guys remember my lawsuit with speed stick and men by menin, you know they stole that from me. Gore belly, remember? Okay, no one remember. Okay, well I tell you a little bit about myself, Hans in my belly, since I'm here and I uh, know you guys. We've been working together, or mostly I've been helping you out to get here to get pesos and. The whole nine yards, and you're supposed to do me little favors, like take this Freddy Sprague back and not hide him in the hotel room and then take him to this and then cause the end of the world, which is about what you're about to do, or at least some bad shit. Okay, so let me tell you. You know, I was in uh, the WW1, Hans Zimmer Gorbelli. I worked for America, but I was a consultant, and my passport got mixed up. Because my name is Hans Gorbelli. They say, what are you Italian? You're German. You know, lots of trouble. So I end up in with the Brits. And, you know, a lot of you don't know about WW1. is trench warfare. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Okay, buddy, no one cares about you in the trenches. No, no, this is a history lesson. And it, I think you come to apply to this problem. But I need to make a long point because... It is uh, my chance to talk, okay? So trench warfare. You know, a lot of you know, okay, you American. You guys remember the trench warfare. We in trenches, which is like a dig, a thing, and then there's land, and then there's the bad guys on the other side. Trench warfare. Okay, basically ditch warfare. I don't know why they call it trench warfare, but ditch warfare, trench warfare. It's a what? The fronts of WW1, the Western Front. That's what I was on. And I was in the British Army. Uh, but you don't even have a... Oh, okay. Okay, let me just talk, okay? So it's a horrible thing. And the, the reason but the, the trench warfare is because of the advances in weapons. We advance with the weapons, with the machine guns, and the bullets go farther, hand grenade. But no mobility. You see, these weapons keep people pinned down. And uh, no, we don't have the tank, the army tanks, you know, and stuff like that to advance on positions and to, you know, make strikes with an airplane nowadays, you know, that kind of stuff. So we all pin down and you try to go and attack, you go, you go against a machine gun, you're going to lose. Or they have the, the cannons. So we pin down in these trenches. And that's what inspired my whole business and my whole way of life was being there. And you might think I'm a bad guy and all this stuff about you you guys hiding stuff from me. I'm not a bad guy. I died in the trenches with my, my brothers, okay? And I would have had sisters in there too, honeys. No, no offense. And it was 
awfully. He, uh, you've been the hair of Freddy Sprague. He was hell in the hell on earth. And, you know, we exposed to the cold and, and long stretches of doing nothing. And then the terror of your life out there in one second go from boring and cold and your feet cold and you have disease and sick and, and trench rot and stomach things. We barely have anything to eat, and that's why I start my business to, to, to make food for things like that. But I'm moving forward, okay? So you're strapped in these trenches, and then if you go out, you, it's time to go over the top, and we make a move on the position, and all of us go over the top, and maybe we clear out, but, but it, it means near certain death to go over top. And the thing is, none of this is called attrition, the war of attrition. Because we just sit there, the, the, the Germans, they sit there, and we can't even better, if you're in the trench, you can't really shoot you. We can throw a bomb or, or shoot more, you know, stuff, mortars, artillery is what we call it there. And it blow up, might blow up some people, it might not. And, and if you get blown up, it's no good, no antibiotic, you know, it's bad stuff there. But most of the time, you're just sitting there, and then they come at you, and you try to kill as many as you can or hurt them. And then they lie there, and it's terrible, man. You be in a trench with dead bodies of people you know. And I'm not trying to get you people down because I know we got a bigger situation on our hands. But I think, like, we used to have the same because we knew. Why Why you keep us in these trenches? Like, we're just trying to try, you know, the Germans are much better at attr- waiting to, attr- I don't know, the present tense of attrition, attrit. But they do that, and they wait, and, and we have some commanders. They say, oh, no, we're going to beat these guys. We're going to go in, and we're going to storm them, and we're going to beat them good. And we always go, oh, no. And we say, there's a, there's a, we are lions being led by these donkeys, man. And they tell us, and they say, oh, no, go over the top, you guys. And they say, they come visit. They say, oh, you heroes, blah, blah, blah. But we just scared the boys, man. And we're just doing we don't have a choice. You know, me, I come from, um, I'm poor, okay? I have no choice but to do this military service and then that picks up with my name and saying, so I end up on the front lines, okay? And it's a sad place. And now we're in this sad place here with this. I mean, it's a bigger, I could go on about this whole trench warfare. It does, it, it sealed away my mind work, okay? But this here with her, like I joke, we take the sword, the saw, sword, sword, sword her in half, okay? We take her and we cut her in half because then the hell keep half or they just chew on her head and, and then part of her stuck in your ear. And then we take the other half, we give it to rabbits. We call it, call it a day. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding with rabbits. Okay, I guess you don't understand. Don't, don't bite your teeth at me, okay? Now, I know you don't understand this is a, a, a tale. I thought Mother Nature, when I was listening in the grove, I hear a long tale. And she said, Valamagulis and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, so we had a, a, uh, we had a bit of a stalemate, we call it, you know, war of attrition, futility. That's how it felt like to us is futility. And so it goes. That Vonnegut once said in this, in Richard Sprick, I felt that, uh, 
you know, you go and you, I, I buy some, some chance to survive, okay? But what we're going to do here is what, what we never could do is, is try to flank, which was the uh, commanders. Instead of saying, hold up, man, let's just stop and come up with some new way of fighting that we haven't invented yet. So this one isn't going to work. These are young boys dying. And, you know, I don't even want to give social economic thing about, oh, more bullets get shot, more grenades get thrown. You look at the statistics. I mean, I don't want to get into the statistics because they bore you about grenades, mortar rounds, howitzer rounds. You look at the numbers that go from like, oh, we just do it in like 300 to millions. Okay, who making, wait, follow the money. Okay, buddy, uh, we got a situation here. And then, boop, 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 doop, uh, boop, 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 doop, uh, uh, uh. Angela, Miss Bessos' phone rings and just out of instinct, she answers it. And she goes to put it, a little comic relief, she goes to put it to her ear. And then she has to switch hands because she puts it to uh, Mother Earth's butt. But she so she puts it. Hello, oh oh Jeffrey, you're gonna order more ice cream. Okay, I'll be right there. No, you don't need Jeffrey. You don't need to order me an ice cream. Just order yourself a large and take your time with it, Jeffrey. Okay, Jeffrey. Okay, we'll be. We'll, I'll be there. What, who is we? Well, I'm here with my friends, and we're coming. We'll we'll be right there, Jeffrey. Yes, 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 Jeffrey. Okay, I know you have the helicopter. Bye. She hangs up, and she's like, "Jeff, Jeffrey's here. We need. I, I, I'm having a pan. I have a, I have a woman or demigod or whatever in my ear, and this is just not good. Uh, there's, you know, I still am in shock because there's trees in this whole thing. So, and now you're, you know, I never knew this about World War One. I, I, you know, I'm just a young woman, and and this is all, you know, I'm gonna have to look this up and read about it later. This." World War One sounds terrible. Is this whole Western Front thing and this trench warfare? Oh no, I'm talking non history lesson here. But well, maybe history lesson. We don't want to repeat the history. Is what I'm saying, my dear. And and what I say is, we could flank the the whole devil pulling on you thing. Because what if it is the devil? We pull him back in to Earth, and then he stay. Oh, thank you, Mother Nature. And then he stab her. No, 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 bunnies. We're not stabbing her. Okay, what if we do that? And then, uh, so we could flank, but then we'd have to go get the bus, drive to hell. I have to call and make a lot of deals with people to get us a gateway into hell. It's not uh, it's getting, believe it or not, getting out of hell in that sense, because I did not bring you guys to hell. I was just tracking you. It was the devil, you know, that brought you to hell for that tour. So getting into hell is is a bit more complicated um, than just getting out. And I've been trying, you know, I have not been to hell myself. Believe it or not, I do all this work with, well, we don't need to get into that. Okay. So, okay, Jesus, Louisa's buddy, you're killing me here. Can you get to some kind of friggin' point of what the heck we're going to do? We got a lady in her ear. She's got to go meet Jeffrey. I need to meet this Jeffrey guy but i need to get this whole crisis out of my hair and uh we got mother nature doomsday what are we gonna do here buddy well that's what i'm trying to answer is that i don't know because you know freddie sprague he he's all quite oh what are you doing to that tree man and then 
you know, Freddie Sprague was just rubbing a tree with his hands and, and rubbing his cheek against it. And the tree seemed to like it. And then everybody, the tree and Freddie Sprague, I try to act out cool. Like they weren't just comforting each other, which who could blame them? I mean, in the, in the face of this crisis, if you're still awake, is that it would be pretty scary. I mean, this is, I'm taking it like it's a big joke. It's not. Okay. Mother nature, if she gets pulled into hell, then on earth, you know, who knows? We could have it, you know, it'll be a whole weather events and all that kind of stuff. Chaos. If she gets pulled out of hell, like who wants the devil running around? I mean, who knows what kind of, we don't know the implications. And so if it being there, it would be terribly frightening. I mean, I'm surprised Miss Bessels is handling as well as she did. If I had a woman in my ear, just for starters, it'd freak me out. And then even though I, even, and then a rift, even if I had a rift in it, okay, you know, it's freaky. That's what I'm saying. So let's get back. Okay. Let's get back to the story. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't know what we should do because that's what we always ask ourselves there is like, what I would really like to do is talk to the generals, you know, and say, Hey man, you guys, we just boys, you're going to throw us. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Talk to the general. So you're talking about calling anybody got it? Anybody got their God phone handy? Uh, Angela, does that uh, phone call God and the devil? Can we get them on the horn? Okay, everybody. James Cashpen here. Everybody, calm down. Okay, I've tried to calm you guys down before. Let's just all stay calm. And okay, someone's wrapping a vine around my neck. Can you please stop? Wait, I'm wrapping a vine around. Hmm. Yeah, can you take that vine off my neck? Uh, vine plant? And, yeah, rabbits. There's two rabbits just called up my pant legs. Please do not bite into my legs. Oh, that kind of tickles so. There's rabbits. Okay, can rabbits, can you get out of my pant legs? Thank you. I think I have an idea. I think we need to act fast because who knows what the weather implications of just having this going on are. I mean, I... I keep seeing these micro flashes of tornadoes and stuff that maybe you guys aren't aware of, but they're pretty scary. And we can't let Jeffrey find out. Poor Angela, Miss Bessos, is suffering terribly here. And it'd probably be good if the devil or God, if this doesn't get back to them. Is that, Hans, is that a possibility? Well, it's a good possibility the devil don't know. I mean, people tell him, but so much lying going there. If he don't see it for himself, a lot of times, you know, you know, buying that shit, you know. Even, you know, if you work in hell, well, well, you would say I get into, but yeah, maybe not. And God, I don't know so much because of the, the whole mother, I, we can't get into the politics here, but possibly, probably. So yeah, so if we can get this taken care of ourselves, hopefully Mother Earth and you guys don't punish us. We're here. We're going to help Mother Earth. So I need everyone to stay here except for the vines. We're going to need some vines. And this is what, what, what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the car. We're going to get the Horn of Jethro. I'm going to get that little devil's Biden. And vines, you're going to tie around my legs. I'm going to push. I'm going to grab onto Mother Nature's legs. You guys are going to push us both in. And then I'll untie my legs. I'll tie them to Mother Nature. And you pull her back in. And then I'll seal up hell from the inside. Because the Biden will seal the... Uh, that's what the devil used to create the rift. So I'm assuming it can... Reseal the rift, Gorbelli. Help me out here. That's a very good question. I mean, he opened a rift in our ear with the thing, right? You're saying that? 
So he went up and like did something to her, like, where does where does wash Well, I don't think he he didn't say wash does Wonga, but yeah, he did something like cut her ear, and then this rift to hell opened up, and then he was gonna pull her in through the rift, and probably see yeah. So so it sounded like yeah, he'd probably be able to seal it up. Oh, but James, what's gonna happen to you? Well, I'll have the horn of Jethro, and I'll just like Hans said, I'll figure out a way. Hans, you you can uh oh yeah, with, with uh well you're just going into hell blind, huh? I don't know. Oh, buddy, you're not going into hell. No, no, we'll figure something else out. We'll just, why don't we just leave it, right? Right? Listen, James, hear me out. <laughs> James, James, listen, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out on this one. We'll just leave her and, how about that? Gorbel, what about that? Well, I, I can't say that the long-term consequences for the weather or Miss Bessos' posture, uh, but it could have a tree walk around with her on, like, we'll just have a tree walk around. And have rabbits and, and vines. And it'd just be like a tree. Miss Bessos just always pretend she's standing next to a tree. Huh? Huh, guys? You know? Yeah, buddy. Just do that. Yeah, James. I, it's fine. In my ears. We'll, we'll, and then we'll figure it out. I'm sure Mother Nature's working hard in there to, uh, you know, get... We'll, we'll figure it out. No. No, guys. Thanks. But this has got to get done. We need to seal that hole up, and we need to get Mother Nature out. And Angela, Miss Bessos, I'm sorry that we we got you into this. And I, I've been—I mean, I'm a dishonest man. I'm gonna come clean, you know. Me and my buddy are from Purgatory, and I developed feelings. Kind of—I don't know. I, I yeah, I shouldn't have got you involved in that. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, James, this is, this is. Terrible. I mean, if I wasn't in shock, I'd probably hit you. But eh, you better fucking get in there. Yeah. Now that I think about it, you, you're an asshole. Like, you need to get in there and fix this. But still, it's... Okay, well, everybody just... Okay, let's hold the tears off here. I'm going to get... I, I'm per, I've am i been to hell once. Uh, Sprague? Oh, never mind. You and that tree. What kind of tree is that, anyway? Boar ash or a... Uh, is that a... Um, well, we don't need to talk about that right now either. But here's what's going to We're going to go back to the cars. We're going to get the horn to bite it. Ah, uh, one thing. Uh, this is Freddie Sprague here. Um, I've been noticing the weight-to-pull ratio of the trees when they've been pulling on her. And to be honest with you, we're not going to be able to get enough force to pull her out. You're going to need some sort of gravitational force to pull her out of her ear. We need some gravitational thing, something with thrust. Like a, like a helicopter, huh? Like Jeffrey's little helicopter. Exactly. Like, if we attach the vines to that, according to my calculations that I'm just doing in my head, this is why I want this man. You see, clearly, he's genius. Clearly, this man genius. So, yeah, um, we'll just have, you could just have the helicopter pull, pull her right out of the ear, and then everything would be fine. Okay, um, all right, um, all right, I, I'll run ahead to the guitar, I'll talk to Jeffrey, no, he, I, I know him, I know his pictures, I'll talk to him about using his helicopter, well, well, I think I should, well, you can't, because, uh, call ahead, tell him, uh, your buddy R.W. is coming, and, um, but you guys at the chopper, so R.W. runs off, and then James like, yeah, I think, uh, whew, this sounds like a very, 
complicated plan, but okay. We'll uh, tie the things to my ankles. You guys will take off in the chopper. And Angela, you'll stay here. And I'll kind of say nice things to you. And then the chopper will take off. I know I'll dive in. The chopper will take off and then pull Mother Nature to safety or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out on the fly. It's going to be okay, okay? I'm sorry about everything that's happened. It's okay. You've been here for me. Okay, you guys, uh, we're going to need two trees. Let's go to the car. So they all will head to the car. And we'll do a little time. Fast forward. They get to the car and the chopper, and we stand there at RW, and they get back, and Jeffrey Bessos is, uh, is there. Mr. Bessos is there in RW, standing right by the helicopter. But something seems to be wrong. Mr. Bissus is uh, rubbing the helicopter with his hands, and uh, I'd be saying, okay, everything's say, okay, we're ready to go. Hey, Je- Jeff- Jeffrey's like, hello? 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 Jeffrey, it's me, Angela. Oh, Angela, I've lost my sight. I need you. I can't find my phone, and I'm, I've gone blind. I think I got brain freeze, and it affected my eyesight. This man gave Okay, you, uh, calm down, Jeffrey. Uh, so what happened was I, uh, when I got, I got, here's the bite of James and here's the, uh, horn of Jethro. I put a little, uh, a little, I spiked his, uh, ice cream with a little, uh, a little glut, glutton slush. So not very much. So he'll be, I, I mean, I'm assuming you'll wear off because I just did a little dry. Oh, our dubby, man, that's messed up. Yeah, but, uh. Well, well, who's gonna who's gonna fly his helicopter, dude? Hmm, good question. Uh, I, I'll man, yeah. Uh, this guy was in WW one. He should be able to fly a helicopter. Huh? Well, I'm unable to fly a helicopter. I was I was a grand soldier. Don't don't worry, Freddie Sprague here. I can fly a helicopter. All right, I'm a mechanical genius. I'll be able to fly. It, all right, all right. You guys get in the house, uh, Angela. The you take you guys take Jeffrey in the car. Don't hey uh, Jeffrey, uh, don't worry. Yeah, I got you. I'm a, a trained ophthalmologist. We're gonna get you in this chopper. We're gonna fly you to. Uh, I got an emergency doctor right here. We're gonna fly you. Oh, thank God. Oh, don't worry, little baby. Oh, baby, you like your little mama. Go ahead and get in there, and you know we'll talk all about George Pack. Oh, the George Packer is. He might have been. Yeah, he could have made you blind. Yeah, right. Okay, get in the chopper. And Spready uh, Sprague gets in, starts the chopper up, and James starts tying vines. And the vines are actually self-tying because they're still alive, and they've got a big tree they're attached to. And then the tree um, detaches the vines, and the vines wrap around the chopper. James uh, looks at the chopper, and then R.W. hops back out of the chapter and goes up and gives James a big hug. All right, buddy. I'll, uh... I'll see you soon, okay? Don't worry. I'll uh, I'll come. I'll kick the bus. I'll drive down and get you. All right. I'll meet you. Uh, don't turn into one of those uh, Glustons. All right. You just do, just do some straight glutton. Well, that, that, that's where they punish. I can't go down to hell and become a glutton. Oh well, uh, you know, find a place to hide or something. All right. All right you got the horn of Jethro. That uh, hopefully that works all the time down there. Uh, all right, buddy. I I, I I you're my best friend. Okay. I uh, was uh, saying that close in your ear so nobody else hears. Uh, 
you're my best friend, James Cash Penny. Take care. Then our Debbie takes a deep breath and gets on the chopper. And chopper's getting ready to take off. And James hugs Angela. Miss Bessos says, Alyssa, I'm sorry again. James, I do. I, 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 I know it's way too soon to say I love you, but it's the bravest thing any man's ever done to me, even close. I mean, one guy took me on a hot air balloon ride. That's the best day I've been in my whole life. And the rest of it's been nonsense. So... This is still the best state I've been on, despite the fact that I have a large woman in my ear that may or may not be. I, I, I may have had a stroke earlier, and that, that maybe that's why this is such a... Okay, I'll just go with that. But give me a kiss. And they kiss. They kiss deep. They kiss hard. They kiss with passion. That kind of passion when you kiss someone. And you're... You, uh, I, all I can say is like your tongue can feel like their cold breath and it's coming from their, their deep deep down inside of them it's cold passionate breath they embrace and they squish together meanwhile mother nature's wriggling so it's kind of killing the moment and james says okay take care okay angela bunnies i need you to help this woman if okay all you rabbits mother nature help mother nature help her James takes a breath and he looks and he's got his legs and the chopper is getting ready to lift off. He says, all right, Gorbelli, what I'm going to do is I'm going to push her legs in and hopefully she'll break free, right? And then I should be able to hold on, but then the weather's going to get really bad. So yeah, as soon as I do this, Angela, you got to hide. You got to get and all you animals, get cover in case some giant tornado comes. Uh, Gorbelli, I'm going to need you, let's see. I need you to uh, help me push her in, and then, you know, you can get out of the way. Well, what do you, what, what do you mean? Uh, and so you hold on to her legs, okay? So hold, hold on to her ankles right here. So Gorbelli holds on to her ankles, and then okay, come on, or tree over here, give him a little boost. So that tree kind of lifts Gorbelli up. So he's at now his like waist is at ear level. All right, now give her a shove, but hold on those ankles tight. And so Gorbelli starts to push, and as soon as he starts to push past 51%, the weather starts to get really bad. And then he says, launch the chopper, and the chopper takes off, but it's, you know, the weather's crazy. And there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's rain, and there's tornadoes, and there's blizzards. I mean, this is over the whole planet, but, I mean, even in this parking lot. And then Mother Nature starts to fall, and then... uh you know, she, 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 her body, like once her, once her waist breaks through, she starts a free fall. And then Gorbelli kind of looks back at James, what's he doing? He goes, hold on, you motherfucker. And he pushes Gorbelli right in. And he dives in behind him, grabs Gorbelli's ankles. And then they, all three of them fall, plummet into the, through the rift of hell. And then, poink, the thing goes taut. And then the chopper, you know, it's the chopper's battling the wind. And it's battling the lightning. It's battling the snow. And there's even like miniature tsunamis coming just from the, like, you know, from water splashing. But all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff's happening. The animals are running around. People are running around. Poor Angela. You know, I bet you there's someone, at least someone videotaping it to put it up of like the string coming out of her ear and going in and out. It's like she's getting her ear flossed. 
and she's, she just goes catatonic from total, I mean, total shock at this point. She's like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm in a coma somewhere. And it's pretty, it's got to be a strange, again, to go back to break the story, but I mean, to have a rift in your ear, it's got to, got to feel odd, you know, be interesting feeling, probably not an interesting feeling. But so the, 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 the vines are going in and out of the rift, in and out of the rift. And then finally, Sprague must hit it. The chopper goes up and it goes taut, pong, and then it's pulling. And then, you know, it's getting the chopper. Now, all of a sudden, the chopper starts getting pulled down, down towards hell and it's going in. And, you know, everyone, and by everyone, I mean all the rabbits, all the bunnies, all the trees, all the vines are, are in baited, baited breath. Oh, no, oh, no. And then the chopper seems to gain something. And then, like, a whirlwind hits it and scoops it up, just hits like an upwind. So it's almost like Mother Nature's fighting. And then the chopper pulls, 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 pulls. And it's fighting back and forth, back and forth, and even more to get more melodramatic. Some of the whole vine starts to unscrangle or untwinkle or whatever you call it, like it's going to break. You know, just like they always do that to make you think. You're like, there's no way the vine's going to break. And I'd like to break the vine on you, but I'm not going to do that because you've got to go to sleep soon. So, yeah, it's like looks like it's going to break, but you know it's not. You know it's you, you know it can't be. And then it's pulling, it's pulling, it's, you can tell there's a lot of weight behind it. So you're like, oh. And then finally, boom, you see these like, by the way, when I'm picturing Mother Nature, or her legs are the exact same as the witches from the Wizard of Oz. She's got on, you know, some ruby red slippers. Probably hers are ruby green. And then she has those striped stockings that the witches wear. Or at least the witch got crushed by the house. But so whatever, source, you see striped stockings and ruby green slippers and and then, boom, her waist pops out. And then more of her thing. And then the weather starts to calm. And then there's a little slack. And then she realize, she must realize she gets a hand out and she shoots more wind. And then the chopper goes and it's pulling, it's pulling. And then it gets to, like, her neck. And then it's, again, struggling, struggling. And then more wind. And it gets one last pull. And it pulls and pop. And out pops just... The uh, Mother Nature, she pops out, and she falls off, and then she she hits her head, and then, boom, another tornado grabs the chopper and flicks it away. We don't even lose sight of it. It gets caught in some sort of, like, a combination water spout, tsunami, hurricane, blizzard, tornado, temporary one that won't be reported on the nightly news, but I'll remember forever. It gets tossed out, and I, I, don't, I don't know what happens to it. And then Mother Nature lies on the ground, and Angela jumps on her. And then all of a sudden she feels like, feels something tingling, and, and she goes, uh, she goes, she starts touching her ear, and she realizes that her ear's healed. She can actually, she licks her finger, sticks it in, whisks it around, comes out with a little ear wax. And then she sighs relief, and then she starts to cry from being overwhelmed, from having this man try to save her life, kind of, or, or save the whole world, I don't know. And she collapses, and she, hold, she just holds on to Mother Nature, and then the weather starts to calm, and she sees, she's breathing and crying, and Mother Nature's kind of breathing, and then the rabbits and, and some deer come, and the plants kind of, some trees gather the two of them up, with a bed of moss, because, you know, bed, beds of moss are always wonderful. 
I'm sure I've always dreamed of bedding in some moss, but then you got to worry about bugs and stuff. And those two are sound asleep on a comfortable bed of moss. Sound asleep and comfortable. The moss kind of sucks the trauma out of what happened in this episode. And we'll be back soon with another one to find out what happens. But, yeah, they, they kind of lie in their bed of moss, soothed by the cool touch of non-insect moss, perfectly clean moss, sucking their woes away, saying it's going to be okay. Another day's coming. Storms are gone. It's a break in the clouds, and there's even a rainbow. And the rabbits, they hop on the moss bed, and they're no longer baring their teeth. They become those cool rabbits from cartoons you fantasize. They got their cotton ball tails, and they're using them to, you know, rub rub their foreheads and the backs of the, the two women's necks. Well, actually, I don't know if Mother Nature's actually technically a woman, but I'm going to call her a woman right now. And yeah, so we're going to leave it there tonight. Thanks for riding that one out. I know that was a doozy and a lot of tough action to follow, especially if you were asleep. It would be real hard to follow. And I kind of hope you were because I can update you at the start of the next episode. But if you were awake, let me give you the basic summary because I don't even know if I followed it. My heart's probably beating a mile a minute. Like James tried to, What's going to, his plan was to push Mother Nature in and go in after her to the rift of hell, change out the vines that are around his legs and tie them to hers and pull her back out of hell. At some moment, he, he flipped the script a little bit and he threw Gore Belly in. Now, why? I don't know. It seemed like a deliberate thing. It wasn't an accident. So I don't know if he was punishing Gore Belly or needs Gore Belly or maybe he thought the extra weight would help pull Mother Nature out, but... I don't know. He's definitely in hell, and he closed the rift, so he's trapped there. But he saved Mother Nature. He saved all of us. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Um, right now it's like Tuesday night, about 7, 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific Daylight Time. You know, the world would have ended right now, um, or stuff really bad would happen. Like, so let's say you're my, one of my friends in Ireland. Who knows if your whole, the Emerald Island might have been sucked up by a sea, angry sea monster because Mother Nature was gone, or a giant wave. Or let's say I noticed a big bump in friends from Korea listening. Yeah, I don't know. Something bad could happen to Korea, like uh, an asteroid, or, you know, Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla's Japanese, but something like that, you know. And I said, you know, a couple of times. But yeah, so I'm glad you guys are all safe. America, you guys, we could have, we got a lot that could have gone wrong. Earthquakes, super volcano. That super volcano that's cooking up in uh, Yellowstone could have wiped out America. So, Canada, you guys, you would have been safe. I mean, you just froze or something. So, thanks for listening. And don't forget, don't, don't worry, Germany and Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, you guys, I didn't forget about you. You would have been destroyed too by something. So your lives are spared tonight because James Cashpenny decided to spend a little more time in hell. So I hope that helps you sleep because he cares about you.
not being able to sleep. And I do too. So does the other people that listen to this podcast because they've, they've felt the way you felt if you're still up, you know. So if, if you can't sleep and this didn't help you sleep, go ahead and listen to Welcome to Night Vale or get up and walk around. And I hope, I hope, I hope you get some rest. Tonight, we have another episode of Get Vessels, the tale of Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny's escape from purgatory and return to Earth to exact vengeance on Jif or Jeffrey Vessels, founder of Amazon.com, who they feel crushed their retail empires. Remember, this is a work of fiction and in no way resembles reality. Older episodes can be found at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash getbesos, G-E-T-B-E-S-O-S. When we last left off, things were going wild, is all, all I can say. There was helicopter, they had Jeffrey Bessos, Freddie Sprague, and R.W. You had Mother Nature stuck in Miss Bessos' ear, and they pulled her out by the helicopter. Mother Nature, that is. James had dove into hell to save Mother Nature and also seal up Miss Bessos's ear. In the process, he took Hans Zimmer Gorbelly with him. Don't know why, but they plunged into hell and they sealed up the rift to hell behind them. So ostensibly, Miss Bessos's ears returned to normal. Let's find out what else is happening on another episode of Get as we open tonight's episode, it's a dark and starry night. You can hear water gently lapping up against a shore. And we're with R.W. as he slowly opens his eyes from a deep, deep slumber. Oh, oh boy. Oh, my head, my God, Friggin' Nickapoops as a reservoir. Oh, that's a frickin' nighttime. That's a frizz. Okay, well, is it water? Moonlight on water? Okay. Damn. Okay, I remember, uh, that's the last thing I can remember is saying George Paddock. Well, that, that, that flying thing, the contraption they call Chopper. Oh, man, James, James. It's okay, it's okay, buddy. It's okay, it's okay, I got you. I got you, just put your head back down. Just put your head back down, it's okay. It's okay. What's I was, I was, my head in a man's lap. Oh, oh. It's okay. Just keep your head. You're hurt. You're hurt. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. Yeah, just listen to my voice. You're some kind of doctor. By an outdoor. Oh, God. Okay, just listen to my voice. Okay. Yeah. You're in a crash. Terrible, terrible crash. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh. I'm scared. I'm worried about my buddy. Uh, he was... 
Oh, was he in the crash? Oh, no, your buddy? I'm not sure. Where are we? Uh, calm down, calm down. Let's let's relax. Well, I was just telling you about Desert Island Discs, and uh, just trying to calm you peacefully. I was telling you, I was kind of debating what uh, what discs I would bring if if I was on the show. You know, I've been I've, I've been trying to was a desert what desert island X discs desert island discs what desert island discs uh the BBC show Roy Roy Plumley the radio program program like program with a A E was uh, okay radio program uh I'm uh my I guess I'm okay. Calm down. So I was, so it was a radio program about. I, I don't know what you're talking about. My, my, is this a uh, is this some kind of test? Oh no, no. Just listen. I'll just talk. You just rest. So it's a radio program where you imagine you're on a desert island, and you think of what discs you would bring with you. You could choose. You could choose eight pieces of music, a book, and a luxury item. Oh, um, uh, how do you bring, uh, you mean like, uh, written, what's, uh, the written, you, uh, carry music. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, you, you, the discs. Oh, okay, I remember back, oh, when I was sick, we had at the house, it was a prototype. Oh, it was a fine machine. Phonograph. Oh, a silver tone phonograph. I thought of silver tone. I thought of that, you know. Silver tone. Get it? It's a phonograph. I think gold tone was already taken by some friggin' jackass. Okay, well... Yeah, so, um, uh, wait, you take that to a desert, it doesn't seem, uh, no, it's just a, it's a, it's a, what do you, uh, just using your imagination, so I was just using, just, okay, so a book, uh, you know, no offense, but it's like how, uh, how to get off a desert island would be a good start. Okay. Just, okay, what, uh, okay, so, um, uh, what kind of doctor are you? Is this, uh, wait, James is telling me it came up with these doc, brain doctors that would you talk to, uh, Freud and, uh, mm, a couple other guys, you'd have to talk to them by your feelings. Is this, is, I, why are we, oh, man, I feel a little rocky here. Oh, God, my stomach. Oh, okay, just calm down. Calm down, R.W. Wait, who, how do you... Just just calm down, you told me your name. Oh, my God. So I was saying, um, it was tough for me, a craft work. I, I would definitely bring a craft work album. Probably, probably the Man Machine. And I know that is going to have... I know there's probably going to be some people that are going to make fun of me and stuff, but I don't know. That just, that's a special place for me. It was, uh, I mean, that was my twenties. 
Oof, 18, 19, 20. That was, that was just a good year for me. My, my 20s were good. What about some, uh, I remember, uh, you know, a guy when I was, yeah, when I was, uh, bedridden, listening to some Irving Berlin on the, the silver tones of the gold. See, it doesn't, I much prefer the gold tones of Irving, Irving, gold tone. No, I don't even know if that works. Silver tones of Erling Ber- The silver tones of Erling Ber- Why am I having so much trouble saving Irving Berlin? The silver tones of Ir- Irving Berlin. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, what's Brent? You got any Irving Berlin? Where, 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 what, uh, was that? Well, no, I was saying craft, craft work would be, we're talking about my choices. Cause if I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a chance I'm going to be on the program. I mean, a good chance. Okay. Uh, okay. Doc. Uh, I got to get up. I got to, oh God. So RW gets up. He realizes his head has been in the lap of, uh, Jeffrey Pissos the whole time. Oh, Jesus. You, Jeffrey. Oh no. My head's been, oh, whoa. What a. What are we? Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. You're okay. And then R.W. looks around and he realizes they're on a beach. And he sees the water and some woods. He sees the beach. He sees he's on a desert, an island. And the only person he could see is the sus. Oh, man. What a... Remember the helicopter? Wait, we were in the helicopter, and we got caught in some kind of tornado. And the next thing I know, I woke here on the beach, and and then I, I found you, and I pulled you out of the water, and I've been nursing you back to health for the past, uh, yeah, two hours, not very long. Oh, God. And where, where's Sprague? Sprague? He was the, uh, he was the, uh, guy, uh, He's flying the, flying the uh, thing, the chopper thing. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the chopper, it's only been a couple hours. I can't see. So I'd happen to hear you moaning and I reached down and I dragged you up and put you in my lap. I don't, I don't even really know. I know we're on a beach. I can hear the water, but that's really all I know. Oh man, you are, uh, so you, oh, you can't see, uh, my, must have been from the helicopter. No, remember, I, I couldn't see before. You said you were an ophthalmologist, so I was hoping. Oh, I was just uh, joking about that uh, ophthalmology thing. I, uh, I'm i not an ophthalmologist, as a matter of fact. We were on our way. You must have got things confused. We were on our way to the hospital to get you to an ophthalmologist. And then uh, our pilot was. Well, you said he was a doc. Well, yeah, we cried, I guess, uh. Maybe he dropped it. Is this a? I mean, this isn't one of those hospital islands. This is a ophthalmology island, you know. It's not um, ophthalmology island. Well, um, oh. well, I guess uh, we could uh, call call it a uh, wash. Then it was a uh, good. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, over here, and you could stay here, and then. Uh, you know, I need to, uh, figure some things out. All right. Well, uh, 
I can't see, and I, I saved your life. And I, I don't. I was thinking we needed to make some shelter and find some water. Those would be our two priorities. It's probably going to get cold, so we'll need fire. But fresh water and shelter would be our top. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I don't. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'll be good. Well, no, we we need water. It's uh, three 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 rule. You know, three three minutes without air. Three days without water, three weeks without food or something. I remember survival class I took. So we need to find water and, and sh- shelter. Otherwise, nah, nah, nah. I yeah, have freaking water. You, you'll be fine there over there. Why, why, why don't you just go to bed and maybe you'll find some water in the morning. Well, maybe that is a good idea. Uh, this whole helicopter crash thing uh, is... Uh, when then will will we work together? No, no, I'm not. Uh, oh, we need to find Sprague because I can't. What's it with your demands? Help me find water. Help me build. I'm not. I'm just trying to find a way to, for us to work together. Uh, but if that's not something you're interested in, that's fine. You can fend for your own survival. So the guys they go to sleep on the beach. They kind of pass out more than go to sleep just because. The trauma of being in a weather event, hurricane, tornado, helicopter crash combo, or at least best we can, best we can determine it was a helicopter crash. And then the morning comes, RW comes to, and you can hear banging up on the beach. And he looks around, and he sees Bessos hard at work, building a little lean-to shelter. You're not a TV show survivor, kind of. Except there's a, this isn't a tropical island. Yeah, this is in the Pacific Northwest. So he's building it kind of out of pine boughs and and the like. Which is actually probably more comfortable, sleeping on pine boughs. Maybe they can be itchy. I don't even know. Can you be allergic to pine? Because I got some pine oil on me. The other, someone was saying a couple in the winter that pine oil, essential pine oil, Essential oil of pine is good for coughs. And then I was like, oh, let me breathe some of that for out my cough. I got some on my skin. Boom. Rash. Itchy one. And I was remembering like reaching into the Christmas tree and getting out. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm allergic. Anyway, not important. Not important to the story. Boring aside. And boring aside aside, let's get back to the story. So Bezos is working hard on a shelter and RW is kind of. Stands up, stretches out. Oh, God. Goes up. Uh, hey, uh, what's up? I thought you were, uh, blind there, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, my, 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 well, I woke and my vision had fully returned. Would you believe that? Oh, yeah, I believe it's a friggin' bad luck for me. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you could see, uh, you, you have a hot sense of style, sir, with your, uh, wool suit. And especially with it being tattered now. You know, uh, bet you wish you had some wool for that structure, you cotton mouth. That's a friggin'. Alright, but. Oh, what you got going there, little boy? You got a little, uh, little beach hut going there, Daniel Bone? Uh, hard to work there, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm constructing a shelter. 
Uh, all right, you get some. I did find some fresh water, found a spring, but I'm I'm not going to reveal to you where it is unless you decide to help me. Whoa, whoa, we got a feisty one here. Uh, must be hungry, huh? Uh, as a matter of fact, I am. I, I'd be willing to work with you if you you go gather food. You can stay in the shelter. I, I took an outward bound course during my lost years, which was well lost a year. 23 to 24 and a half last year, 0.5. They, you know, I did some outward bound to try to get, anyway, it's not important. I, yeah, I know how to construct a structure, structurally sound, lean to. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not hungry. Well, you listen, if we work together, things are going to be a lot better. You could find food. I already found water. I'll have the shelter. We can share our body heat. Oh, buddy. I don't share my body heat with just anybody, especially someone like you. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I don't share my body heat with anybody. Okay. Jack off. I learned that term as a jack off. I don't even know what it means. Well, I could tell you what it means. I don't know. I don't need you, Miriam Webster. All right. I'm not. I'm not proposing we write a dictionary. Do you? Did you walk around find out where where the heck we are? Yeah, we're in a small island. It's not very large. I I, just circ- I circumvented the island or walked the circumference of the island on the beach. Not large at all. There's a, a few hours to walk all the way around, so I guess it's a few miles around. I can't see anything, but there's a lot of fog out there, so I don't know where we are. I, th- I see a couple islands in the distance. So after I get this shelter constructed for for tonight or inclement weather, and I establish a fire to purify my water, I will uh, attempt to contact one of the islands and, and establish our, and uh, and get our re- and and set up our rescue. Okay, okay, you work on that little guy. I'm gonna be here. Uh, I don't understand. Don't you? Aren't you worried about water? Are you that confident we'll be rescued? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I could eat what food or drink water, but uh, or sleep in a shelter, but I don't necessarily have to. So uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm a man's man. That's what it is. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but how tough I am. That I don't need water or food. Well, that doesn't make that. That's like uh, self-defeating, because no matter how tough a man you think you are, without water, you're. Well, you don't get it, but uh, I, I don't expect you to. Once you get back to work on that shelter, know it all. R.W.'s a little bit pissed off, as you could tell, and Bessos gets back to work, and R.W.'s a friggin' water, is a friggin' as a I'm a frizz. No, stupid. Yeah, I'm stuck in island with vessels. You know, it's my chance to get him. All right, get this little prick. All right, what is water? Oh, I need my water. Let's see about that. So, R.W. goes in the woods, and for some reason, I quite got got an exact idea where he goes the second, but a couple hours later. After Jeffrey's got his 
lean-to constructed and a fire pit and firewood gathered and he's been working on his fire sweating he decides to go out and uh he decides to head out and get some fresh water for where he discovered his water and he goes and uh heads back down this trail that he had found to a fresh spring and heads in towards the spring and so he approaches he's like okay i think i remember this suture he gets up towards the bend in this uh, animal trail to the spring, and he said, Oh, haul right there, sir. What? Oh, R.W., what do you, you found the spring. Yeah, uh, I found my spring. Yeah, this is my spring. Oh, what? What's this? The water spring, right? Yeah, the, yeah I found it too. No, I'm, uh, no, no, this is my spring here. Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, uh, the spring, I discovered it. It's called the uh, Spring of R.W. What? 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 I, I need some water. No, 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 no. I'm not going get, to get you any water. Uh, oh, oh, you, oh, 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 oh. Remember you doing that before? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? 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 We need to survive. I, I don't understand any. Uh, what? Why? Why? Why are you acting like this? I'll tell you what, my water's not free here. Since this is my water is uh, my property, uh, I can we can work out an arrangement. Oh, well, okay. So you want to do it that way? Yeah, you could stay in my shelter. I have a fire pit. I, I'm working on building a fire. And once I get that done, you know, if, if one of us tends, maybe we could do shelter for water and fire and shelter for water, and then you tend the fire. I'll build the fire. We take turns building the fire, and then, and oh no 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 no. Let me ask you something about your little uh, inner thing, internet store. You uh, you give away water there with every purchase. No water. Shipping cost of liquids is okay. No free water, eh? Hmm. What about uh, food? Free food on there? No. And, uh, I'd say I'm on there and I want to buy something like, uh, a silver tone phonograph, your version of it. Uh, well, we have a problem with, uh, Apple and, and we can't, no, 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 no I'm whatever modern, uh, uh, could I barter you for that? Like, could I attend your fire and you just, no, this is an entirely different, different situation. So, uh, we need, I need, I don't know why you're being this water bully and like, oh, I don't need water and, and blah, blah, blah. But I do, I need water and I found this spring first. Oh, did you, did you? Uh, no, no, no. I found it while, while you thought, I, while I, it, meh, I'm here now, buddy. Wow. You're, you're a dick, man. Seriously. Like, so you're just going to let me die? No, no, no. I didn't say I'd just let you die. But we could work out an arrangement just like with your uh, customers. Oh, I said, you know, I, I read, you know. Oh, I'm just going to get some data from you and charge you, huh? You want to pay the toll twice? Okay. Calm down, R.W. So I'm willing to give you water in exchange for... For what? Work? What do you, what do you want from me? We're going to play a little game. A little game. The most dangerous game. Oh, 
Oh, that was one of my favorite stories. I, th- I think uh, that's every kid's favorite. One of their favorite So You're going to hunt. You're going to give me water and then you're going to hunt me and kill me and then eat me. Well, we're going to play the, um, a safer version of the most da- We're going to play the most dangerous game. Safe, uh, nearly most dangerous game. A game. Of them, uh, and uh, how do you propose this most dangerous game works? All right, uh, hey, there's storm coming in, I believe. Uh, you see the storm clouds over there? There's thunder in the distance. Uh, here, here's how I propose the most dangerous game. I will. Uh, this will be my weapon. This uh, stick here. And if I strike you like this, ow, oh, you are a dick, man. If I strike you before you escape, hmm, hey, right, uh, the rules really are, okay, I'll be like, how about this? I'll be like a little, uh, hide and seek. I will count to 30 and try to find you and hit you with the stick. And you are my prey, young man. <laughs> and uh, I'll track you down. I'll hit you with a stick. Uh, let's say I don't hit you with a stick. Let's say. Well, what if I just, uh, if I can touch, if I touch the water, touch the spring, would that be, could that be a. Oh, no, that's what I was planning. I just, oh, uh, uh, well, I was just going to stay here because I know you're thirsty. I was going to act like, oh, I'm coming to find you. Oh. And then I figured, yeah, so then I just wait here and boom, hit you. So, no, uh, that would work against you even more. Um, hmm. Okay, how about this? Uh, how about this? You start running. I will count to five. And if, uh, you, I could still, with your, if you're there, one, two. Oh, oh, so, oh, so. Bessos starts running off, and R.W. gets a five, and R.W. chases him through the forest. And this goes on for a while, because apparently if you're dead and then you return in human form again, I don't understand the philosophy of it or the technical details, but apparently you don't... I think it's like almost like people on TV. Like, you don't need to go to the bathroom... You could eat, but you don't have to eat. You could drink water. You don't have to drink water. You could bathe. You don't have to. Just like people on TV. Well, I don't really see them going to the bathroom very much. And I don't, sometimes they're eating, sometimes. But we're getting distracted here. So RW's chasing him around, and he doesn't really get tired. Poor Bessos uh, gets hit a lot with the stick. And then every time RW hits him, he, well, let's just catch up. Ow. Okay, okay. So I hit you six times. I caught you six times. So why don't you go uh, have some water? Oh, God. Thank you. I thought I... Was, I, thought I, I, don't, I don't need to hear you drink. Just get a drink silently, please, if you want to drink my water. Okay. You know, I was thinking of another disc for my desert island. I don't... I don't... I don't. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, after craft work, definitely Joy Division. I was a big Joy Division fan. And I, I, I know that might be surprising to... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Joy Division. 
Uh, you're not familiar with? Okay. And then, no doubt, Exile on Main Street. I mean, for sure, Exile on Main Street. And then we got to, I'll have to work on, you know, which Zeppelin album. But, but those, those three for starters. And I guess I forget, did I have to pick tracks? Do you remember? Is it, is it tra- tracks? Do I have to just pick one track off each album or is it what, what, uh, like train track? Oh, okay. Um, can we play more Mage Miss Most Dangerous Game tomorrow? Uh, or, um, because cause I'm just really tired now, and I haven't still haven't eaten, and I'm lightheaded. I think my vision's fading again. Okay, um, I'll tell you what. You can do whatever you want, and when I change my mind and I decide your prey, I will strike you with the stick, because you, to me, you're the most dangerous game. You could kill me, so I have to kill you first. That's kind of... Isn't that the most dangerous game kind of thing? When, I mean, I think about myself. If you were hunting me, you know, I'd like uh, get the stick and hit you with your little gun. Because I'm sure you would need a gun, not like me, a stick. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to go to my shelter. I'm going to have a little bit more water. Oh, I think you've had your fill. Okay, well, I need, I need you at your top. I'll give you a little more water there. Before the storm comes, you better get in your shelter. But I know that's where my game will be in its little den. <laughs> so poor Bessos goes back to his shelter. And this goes out for a few days where Bessos makes a fire. R.W. puts it out. Bessos goes to sleep. R.W. hits him. It goes on for about four or five days. And then one night, Bessos sleeps through the whole night. Meanwhile, down at the beach... Is R.W. just sitting there looking out in the water. And finally, Bessel's curiosity gets the best of him. He wakes up, goes down, he's just kind of watching R.W. And R.W. is just sitting there looking at the moon and the water and weeping. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, buddy, 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 talk to me. Oh, I know you're gone. I know you sacrificed yourself for that, Angela. Hey, trapped in hell. And best I can tell is this. I'm, I don't know if I'm, if, if you can hear me. I don't know what layer of hell I'm in, but obviously. Oh my. Hey, God, what a. This is like the part place in hell where you get what you wish for and it's not satisfying. And. I bet, oh man, and this could be eternity, and I messed it all up, and I had my best friend, and tea and toast, and I was able to, oh man, excuse me, R.W., what's the matter, man, what's the matter, you you want me, oh no, nothing's the matter, what do you mean, why would something be the matter? Would well, sound like you're talking to somebody and crying. Uh, uh no, I'm uh, not. I'm not crying. I'm not talking to anybody. It's uh, none of your beeswax. Well, well, it just it just seems uh, you you just seem upset. I just wanted to check on you. Oh, okay, Jeffrey. Uh, Jeff, 
You can call me Jeff. My friends, my employees, my business partners call me Jeff. Only Angela calls me Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. How are you related to uh, Angela anyway? Well, you know, we we shouldn't talk about me. We should talk about you right now. You're down. All right, Jeff, sit, sit, sit next to me, okay? Choosy moms choose Jeff. Uh, what? Oh, that's stuck in my head for some reason. Um, listen, man. The reason I'm upset. Oh, I, this, is a, this is a bit, bit of a load. I, I figured someone would have shown up, you know, because I don't remember the first time this happened to me. And, you know, things were different, but, you know, times change, times, they're changing. I remember reading about that in the 1960s. The New York Times was still a commie rag then. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, um, listen, Jeff, we're, we're dead. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're dead because I'm thirsty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, um, uh, I, I, I don't know what kind of faith you were, uh, you were partaking in before your demise, but we're in a helicopter crash, all right? We're, we're dead. I'm very familiar with this, uh, because of, um, well, why, why would you be, uh, just, uh, just trust me here. Not only are we dead, but we're kind of doomed, but worse. I mean, where we are here, uh, best I can establish this is some sort of purgatory holding. This could be a holding area or it could be a preparation or it could just be a hell. Oh, so like purgatory, like law was when, when you watched Lost, right? Was that, uh, was that he was in purgatory, right? I am what TV show Lost. I am. I don't know. I remember some outrage. Okay, okay, you got me. But, uh, so I, I, I hate to give you the bad news, but this is it, this is it. Uh, but the best we have to look forward to, or that I have to look forward to, is hunting you on a daily basis. And somehow it looks like that's my punishment is to hunt you and beat you with a stick. That's how I'll be punished. And your punishment will be to be beaten by my stick. And then you get to drink water, which it's kind of like a circum, you know, you soon you'll be associating water with being beaten and you'll hate it. I, I just don't buy that we're dead. Listen, we're not, okay? Just give up hope, okay? It's over, man. My best friend, he's in hell, okay? So could be a lot worse. I mean, clearly... Whatever part of hell we're in, clearly, whatever part of hell we're in, it's not, uh, the bad part yet. And, uh, this is it. I mean, we got this moon here. It's not bad. Whatever this storm just blew through and, uh, um, I know this is strange and it makes me sick to myself, but can I put my head in your lap again? It just reminds me of, uh, Put my head in my father's lap. Uh, you kind of, yeah, go ahead. And right as he's about to put his head in in Jeff's lap, who comes running? Who comes running down the beach? 
at top speed, but Freddie Sprague that rhymes with, hey guys, guys, Freddie Sprague, Jif, RW, Jeffrey, RW, it's me, come on, come on. Oh, Freddie Sprague, uh, wait, what, did you, uh, you got the helicopter? No, no, the helicopter crashed, but there's a beached whale, come on, come on. You guys, we we, we got to try to push it out to sea or something. All right, so they run back down the beach around a couple miles back to, uh, must have been where Freddie Sprague was in the woods or something, and there's a beach to a whale. And it's a beautiful, the moonlight is glistening on its skin, and it looks scared and and uncomfortable, and it's making sounds, and, and the guys come running up to it. And it, you know, tries to take a bite out of Jeff, Jeffrey. And everybody's just kind of like, he's a, you know, everybody's just checking it out. Well, that's one, that's one big fish. That is a big shark. Um, uh, pretty Sprague here. That, uh, it, it's an orca whale. It's a mammal. Wow. Uh, it's a fish. Okay. Sharks are fish. Um, no, uh, they're not, uh, this isn't a shark or a fish. Uh, sharks aren't fishes either. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, sharks, you know, we're in like the spider insect zone, but those are easy to tell six legs or eight legs, but okay. What was a? Uh, let me just, uh, let me, uh, 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 let me talk to this guy. Hey, fishy, fishy. Hey, uh, and RW walks up and you can see. Yeah, I the orca whale, and the thing's scared, and R.W. kind of pats the head of the orca whale. Okay, okay. Okay, girl. Okay, yeah, yeah. You got to be okay. And he, 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 he touches the whale and strokes it, and something happens. Like, and I'm not saying this is a whale from heaven or a whale from hell or a whale from, but but seeing that, fear in the whale's eyes and just feeling it. It's kind of shaking as R.W. pets it. There is some kind of mammalian connection, even though R.W. thinks it's a fish. And maybe it's that R.W. is a little whale-like himself that the orca might identify it. And it's a young young orca male Then it needs some motherly comfort. Maybe it's R.W. So he's looking at Oh, okay, okay. And something about calming the whale starts to calm R.W. It's going to be okay, buddy. You're just here on this beach. We're going to get you back and fill up your gills with water. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right, Freddie, you get on the uh, other side, on the other side of the whale. And Freddie goes on the other side. All right, Freddie, uh, try to keep it calm there. We're just going to calm him, calm, calm him down right now. Calm him down. And Freddy starts to calm the whale. And you know, Freddy looks in this, the whale's other eye, and he kind of sees something different, like a desperation mixed with fear. And and this something that Freddy feels inside, it's kind of hard to put into words because I'm not Freddy. I'm not anything like Freddy in that manner. But... And then Freddie starts to think about Mother Nature and and being abandoned and abusing plants and and being in hell and something in him melts too and he 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 starts to get soothed by soothing the orca he 
finds himself being soothed in a way that his entire life and his entire afterlife he hasn't ever experienced up until this moment. And he's just stroking the whale. And in a very non-sexual, like maternal, nearly maternal way or paternal, however you want to call it. He's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And, and, and things start to feel more okay for Freddie Sprague. And he starts to, you know, he, he starts to have a moment where he decides that he, he's going to change whatever way he can in this situation he's in. But something loosens inside him. And then, okay, Jeff, Jeff, uh, get up. We want you by the face in case it decides to eat him, buddy. You might as well eat you. Uh, you know, get up there. So Jeffrey gets up and, and uh, he looks in the whale's mouth and he's like, no, 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 no. No, guys, guys, I, what if I, uh, I, uh, I think if I get, I pull it by its tail, like, cause the, the, what's happened is the, uh, the tide's starting to come in. So if we get its tail and we'll get its tail wet and then I'll pull it by its tail and you guys push and then, okay, good. Maybe it'll hit you with the tail instead of eating you. Okay. Go back there and just hold on to its tail. So Jeffrey goes back and he starts to stroke the, um, he starts to stroke the orca's tail, and it's kind of moving its tail in a, a a soothing motion for itself. And you know what goes out, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, if he if he has a moment or not. But the tide comes in, and it's at least for R.W. and Freddie Sprague, they're in the moonlight. Slowly, their ankles start to be bathed in water. The water starts to even soothe the orca even more and then finally it gets up and then they start pushing with it and Freddie Sprague grabs the tail and they pull it and it, and it takes them a lot of work and finally they get the orc out into the water and then it's scared and they're still trying to pet it and then next thing you know it kicks its tail knocks Jeffrey down and it makes a move and then off in the distance, you see that what we couldn't see before was like a whole pot of whales has been circling the island. And they've been watching the whole thing go down. This whale's still stunned, so R.W. and, and Freddie kind of turn it around so it's facing out towards the pot. And then they notice and they see the blow, blow holes blowing. Okay, that's your family out there, buddy. You're going to go with them. And uh, we're going to give you a little push and uh, you'll go out there. And Freddie Sprague is like, you know, I I think I, I might I might go with him. I, I'm going to swim. I'm a strong swimmer. I'll swim with him until he gets to us. Okay, you do whatever you want there. All right. Because uh, I'm a man of nature now, and I and he said things right, and this is going to be, okay, whatever. You know, this is not, not necessary. You can just have your own internal voyage. Uh, okay, it's one, two, three. And they give it a push, and then Freddie Sprague is kind of swimming next to it and kicking and Pushing, but he's not really doing anything. And then the orca starts to swim. Uh, so Freddy Sprague gives it a little push, and then he's swimming alongside. And he's like, come on, we're going to get out to your family. And then all of a sudden, burp, burp, burp. A Coast Guard cutter comes between the uh, whale, the orca, and and its pod. And it shines a light on Freddy Sprague, and it shines another light on uh, Bessos was kind of lying in the water, 
with a little cut on his forehead and, and RW. And he's like, well, I the U.S. government uh, CPOX from uh, Canada and uh, the United Emirates, and uh, we uh, order you to freeze. Uh, this is a uh, private property as well. Uh, you're tampering with, uh, but it's we purposely beats as well. Uh, oh, I said, what the hell? What the friggin' beach? What are you doing to this fish? And, and because, and then the, the skiff kind of goes in, it's, the whale's family starts crying, you know. Hey, me, friggers, a freaking peach of whale purpose, you son of a... Frey Sprague swims out to the boat, and he's like, Yeah, what do you mean? And he climbs up. Oh, so, so, this is a Coast Guard boat, uh, where the Coast Guard... Yeah, Coast Guard, you guys are pussies. Coast Guard? You know, I, I, I'm the inventor of the electric tension. I've been in hell, man. Don't threaten me. Oh, yeah. Uh, sir, uh, we're, we're with the Coast Guard. This is a, a private matter. We're, uh, what do you mean? Well, private matter? Why are you beaching Orca? Well, we're, we're under a uh, contract with, uh, uh, Sea Festival Industries, uh, to, uh, take this whale back, uh, to give it a better home. It was beached. It's beached itself out of desperate. Well, you just said that you beached the whale. So, so which one is it? What, what, what? This is a, uh, this is we 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 this is a, we're, we're with the uh, this this is a private uh, confidential uh, classified, sir. You're just a private. Who who are you? I'm not a private citizen. Listen up, ass faces. I'm a nature warrior. He grabs. He throws the coast guard guy into the water. He doesn't really realize that not only is the water only like six feet deep, but the guy's got a vest on. And then a couple coast guard guys shoot, pull their guns. They start shoot shooting caps right in. Freddy Sprague, which they don't realize that he's not alive. So the bullets do penetrate him, and he just kind of... And then he dives up, runs up to the... uh, And Freddy Sprague is like, I'm a nature warrior now. He starts, like, punching Coast Guard guys in the face that are shooting him. And the Coast Guard, Coasties, I think that's what they're called, Coasties. And, you know, they're all fighting and doing a bit of... Kung Fu, but Freddie Sprague is a feisty guy. And he manages to like throw a, a rescue, uh, he manages, he starts detaching all the, uh, first thing he does is like run through the boat and detach the lifeboat. He's like, RW, Jeffrey, grab a, grab a lifeboat and save yourselves. And then he runs to the front, punches the captain, hits the, uh, gas of the boat and the boat shoots off. In, it was separating the, injured whale or the beached whale from its family and the coast guard boat shoots off and meanwhile you know the the, the whales make a beeline for their injured thing and they help them with their like snouts you know the kind of cute stuff where they two whales are on either side of them kind of pushing them and then his mother and his grandmother lick him and that kind of gives them the little boost he needs and they all head out to sea meanwhile this boat's careening around whatever bay they're in or ocean or sea. And RW and Bessos pulled a Coast Guard guy who had got thrown out of the boat. He actually hit his head. So they pull him to shore and rust him on shore. Then they kind of look at each other and they see the the lifeboat. So they pull that in and they set up the anchor. They're like, well, I guess we got to figure out how we're going to get out of here. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, I guess, uh... 
Apparently we're not dead. That was all uh, overreaction. I was just overreacting. That was all. I did not say anything incriminating, though. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, sorry about that. That was a strange, uh, my mind. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if we could do business with each other. And, but, well, let's just see. Well, okay, here's the deal. Uh, you're probably going to need some water for this journey. And if you want to ride in my lifeboat, you'll have to still do business with me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm going to have you arrested when we uh, get to sh- You can't do that. It's not a crime to uh, charge for water, is it? You, you, right? You want to play one more round of uh, uh, most almost nearly most dangerous game before we uh, hit the road? Because we better, uh, we should wait till sun up anyway, right? Yeah, I still don't understand why you didn't drink any. Well, no, I was drinking water when you when you weren't looking. And uh, you know what? There's, uh, there's probably some food in that uh, lifeboat. So you know what? Take whatever food you need and just leave a little bit for me, okay? And I will tie up this uh, military officer. And if we could get out of here before we go to jail, that'd be wonderful. And I won't tell anyone that anything and you don't tell them, okay? All right, let's put him up in, we'll put him up in our shelter. And hopefully he'll only remember Freddie Sprague, eh? And, yeah, let's just get out of here. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, so what, what did, you, did you decide about the couple more rounds most dangerous game? Um, uh, fuck you. Uh, yeah, uh, well, actually, maybe. I, I kind of, it was good exercise, but probably not, you dick. Unless you want to be the, uh. Like, I'll chase you around. Uh, no, 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 no. I, well, okay. Hmm. Okay, but I get a stick. Because I don't need water. Okay. Okay, let's just, let's have a stick fight. So they, they, that's a good place to stop. Those guys get into a stick fight. And, they, you know, not, not anything dangerous. Just a couple of high schoolers. Not even high, what do you got? Like, sixth, seventh graders hitting each other with sticks. Or hitting, you know, ramming their, you know. Boys will be boys, we'll say. So that's where we're going to leave it off tonight. Orc well safe. It's probably the most important part of the story, is that they saved the orc well. Freddie Sprague is kind of pulling like a little Greenpeace action, but he's dead, so he's not as bold as people in Greenpeace who are actually alive and can be killed or go to prison. I don't know how... Well, yeah, let's see what happens, uh... But, you know, thank goodness the orcas are okay. Blackfish rise again or whatever. All right. Well, I hope uh, you're asleep and good night.